Hello, you're listening to Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! Today's episode is our winter 2022 anime season first impressions. Wait, what? We've gone through the season. We've watched three to four shows each. Have you any gone to five yet? I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think so. I'm not ready for this. One show is one. Salaryman decided that they wanted to put out one episode. Yeah, I didn't see that one. And the Golfing Girls show, they haven't even released this episode yet. I think they're starting in February or something like that. So they're like way they, late. They did the, did an episode way way back before the yeah, season started. It's like an OVA, but I don't want to oh. watch the show until it starts actually starting. <laughs> oh, well, I watched that. So. Watched that? Oh, there you go. Was it good? It was all right. There's your first impressions of, what was it called? Sora something? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know either. Sky, the golfing in the sky or something like that. I don't remember what it is. She they, was obsessed You know with, how they love sky in anime titles? Yeah, she was just obsessed with the the ball being in the sky and how pretty it was. That was pretty much it. There's probably other things that she could do besides golfing if she likes to see the ball in the sky. Yeah. She's she I mean, she's she's pretty volleyball. Yeah. I, well, I mean, not it won't go as high as the golf. Tether ball that never goes on the ground. It's always in the sky. <laughs> I remember playing tether ball when I was a kid. I I loved and hated that sport. It was like if you hit it just right, right where that string connects to the ball. Oof, that hurt. See, we didn't we didn't they weren't protecting us from damage back in the day. Back in the day, we I still have a scar. I st- it, it's starting to slowly fade, but I still have a scar from that rope burn that we did. Mm. <laughs> Fun times as a kid. Fun times as a kid. No, there was no filters and safety precautions. Made us grow stronger. Anyways, <laughs> get a debate about how children are raised these days. No, anyways, winter 2022. This is our first impressions of the season. Why aren't you ready for it? Are you just joking? Uh, kind of joking, but yeah. I thought you were head on all the shows from me. Well, no, besides the boys, the, the shows that have too many boys on the covers, those are just like, <laughs> Chris doesn't touch them. Not, not enough cute no, girls. Chris, Chris not touching any of that stuff. You, you, I'm guessing you didn't watch Requiem and Full Soul Boys. I think those are the only two yeah, that I didn't Futsal watch. And the and the BL one that uh that Sasaki, you keep saying that's that kind of kind of like uh citrus or something. Bloom into you, but Bloom yes. into you. Yeah, not okay. citrus. <laughs> not citrus at all. <laughs> citrus is its own category. Well, it's kind of just traditional Yuri, but anyways, we have a lot of shows to go through. We should probably get started because these are usually our longest podcast episodes because there's a lot of shows to talk about because we don't watch just five shows. We watch all of them except for Requiem and Futsal Boys. <laughs> but yeah, our first one we have, uh, starting off with a banger, this is like no particular order. It just it was in my outline, my other outline, and it just got moved over. So if it's in a particular order, I don't know why. But yeah, first one we have is Akabe's Sailor Uniform, Akabe-chan no Sailor Fuku. This is streaming on Funimation and Crunchyroll. Don't know how long it's running for. I'm guessing a core. If I can, I would hope it'd go longer, but I assume a core. Uh, being done by Studio Cloverworks, of course, doing three shows this season. They're all really good looking, so hopefully hopefully they can hang in there. Uh, Sources of manga, genres of Slice of Life, and the creator is, of course, Hiro. And Hiro did the art for Super Cub, the light novel, and also did art for Hayate, the Combat Butler light novel, as well as a contributor on the K-On! Anthology comic. So, yeah. So far, this is basically following a girl named Akabe, Komichi Akabe. And Akabe, at some point, is going to be going to a new school, a very prestigious school, um, and she's kind of a country bumpkin, so <laughs> you can kind of imagine the idea that she's kind of been going to school in this kind of out-in-the-sticks school, so most of her schooling has pretty much been her alone, 
until like her little sister and younger kids started joining in. And being a small school in a small countryside, everybody kind of goes in the same class. So she's got a kind of a, a very immature way of looking at things, that's for sure. But eventually she does get into the school. It was a school that her mother went to, so she's very excited about it. She's seen pictures of her mother and her sailor outfit. So, of course, she was very excited for her, you know, mother to make her sailor uniform that she would wear there. And, of course, when she gets there, she realizes, oh, yeah, that's what they used to wear when her mother was going to school there. Now they all wear, you know, blazers and just not really sailor uniforms anymore. So, but thankfully, the principal allows her to use it. And she's got a goal. She wants to meet lots of friends. And so it kind of follows her as she meets different students in the school, joins clubs and all that kind of stuff throughout her, her days. So your thoughts? Yeah, the 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 sailor uniform is kind of a tool that's being used to kind of set her aside from the rest of the group. And and the the, the fun thing about this is setting setting her kind of separate um, draws the other girls to her and, and makes 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 her a lot of fun to kind of uh, investigate. And so a lot of the other characters are just drawn to her by consequence. And this makes for a very interesting kind of way to break the ice in a lot of cases. So you you go through this kind of um, more fun, just enjoyable kind of just exploring of each one of the different characters as as they go through the story. Um, I've I've very much have enjoyed it so far, and it's it's it has been very very fun. This show is absolutely incredible. I. I think this is, I just did, I just released a video for my top five of the season so far. And I like, I, I put this at second and then like, right when I went to go call out the first, I'm like, this is probably, that could be probably my first. Like I, this show is like an absolute joy to watch every single week. I, I love Akabi. She is such a ray of sunshine. I just love the kind of shenanigans that she gets into. Like I said, it really does embody the idea of like this country bumpkin that just really has no social norms. And now she's with a bunch of girls that some are from Tokyo and stuff. And she just doesn't really, she acts totally different than they do. And of course, yes, she does look different. It was funny because when I first seen the the stuff for this, I thought it was going to be like a, I don't know, some advertisement for a company that makes sailor suit uniforms. Because, I mean, this is the thing. And it's a, it's the thing they're kind of getting into with this particular story. And the idea that she comes here and nobody's wearing sailor uniforms. Is sailor uniforms are kind of being pushed out of most of the schools in Japan. So it kind of encompasses that idea. But it was funny that the the uniform itself is the story. The whole idea early on is that she's like, well, I'm now embarrassed because I was the only one there with the uh, uniform. And then she's like, well, but it's the thing that mom made. I seen mom pour like, because this took a long time for her mom to make this thing. She's like, my mom made this thing and I love it so much. And I've always looked forward to using this. And then there's that kind of urge of like, well, just go out there and do it. Like her, her little sister comes in and say, I thought you were cool for doing that. And now you're not going to do it. So she pushed herself to actually go there and she ends up being the oddball out, but it ends up being a tool that she can use to kind of bring people in. But what I, I think what I love so much about this, this show so far is it's slice of life perfection. It, it embodies the idea of wholesomeness. There's like so many wholesome moments in this show. It, it does like embarrassing moments just perfectly. <laughs> Like here in the recent episode, just ha- randomly out of nowhere, she just burps and she's super embarrassed about it. It does. And of course, the cell phone thing with sending the pictures, that was, of course, a really good one. But it Im- it does those scenes so well. And the thing that, again, this is one of those things where I think I'm overthinking it or whatever. But 
it does so well in subtly telling stories, subtly telling the cracks in characters around Akabi. When there's this moment where a character kind of notes something, they pause on it, but it doesn't get into it. But I can assume something's there. There was in the recent episode, they had this girl who was kind of, it seemed like she was jealous of Akabi because she's so beautiful. She thinks that she's perfect. She's able to get out there and do things. And he got a hint early on with the series that she was kind of, um, and it seemed like she was bullying Akabi. So it seems like there's an element of somebody being jealous and somebody being, you know, not really liking somebody else. But it doesn't get into it. It doesn't go, okay, now let's have this whole inner dialogue of her to tell why she feels this way. You just kind of know it's there. This other character notes that, uh, notes Akabi wearing her glasses and calls out to her mother. You don't, it doesn't get into maybe she has mommy issues. Maybe she lost her mother. Maybe she's, you know, maybe they've had a falling out. No, it just kind of notes it. And you kind of, kind of assume there's probably something that she's dealing with with her mother. I like that ability for a writer to say, there's a crack here, but that's not important right now. What, what's important is the current moment. And I think, again, the, the cute little moments of embarrassment, the great play out of Slice of Life, the great pacing, the great character so far, these cute little moments, so much heartwarming moments, makes this show like just an absolute treasure to watch every single week. I've, again, this is probably my favorite show of the season so far right now. And I'm just loving every single minute of it. It's just, it's so, it's so wholesome. It's an embodiment of wholesome. So, and of course it looks beautiful and it, it's got a unique art style to it, which took yeah. me, it took me about half an episode, the first episode before I'm like, I'm fine with this. I like it. Now I, now I really enjoy it. It's very unique. Yeah. I was, I was about to point that out too. the, the artwork style. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it first because it is a very, very different art style. And, and most people will notice that very quickly. Um, I think we've already had comments in 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 some of your videos on it. Is it's it's one of those that it you watch my videos? Oh, of course Chris I do. Watches my videos. Um, yeah, it, it it was one of those that was I I can see how it can be off putting, but it very much kind of you 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 grow to very much. At least I did. I grew to like it a lot. Uh, it, it it's got a very soft, um, more natural feel to it. Um, in 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 some cases, the only thing that I would probably say is the the necks seem to kind of stretch out a little bit towards the front a little bit too much. But like I said, it, it's something that I kind of just grew to enjoy. I I do like its more soft, more inquisitive nature to to what it's kind of portraying, and I've I very much have like I said grown to like that a lot. My biggest beef with this show is there's not enough Tama. Okay. <laughs> She's got one of the best scenes so far. Yeah, she has had a, a lot of great scenes, but <laughs> yeah, not enough her butt. <laughs> no, my thing with the art style was more in the eyes. The eyes were very, very weird um, at first because a lot of them have very were more scrunched. It, it's really not just the eyes, but it's like the entire face is very scrunched. Um, you know, as opposed to something that's more the extreme opposite, like Clonod or something like this. This is like the complete opposite of Clonod. So. Which again, like I said, took a took a while, and I also find like a lot of the moments where they're trying to like accentuate or or, or hone in on the art style of the original uh, manga, it kind of is a little jarring. I know why they're doing it; they're trying to capture those more pinnacle points in the manga, so they use the art style of the manga like out of nowhere, and so it kind of has that kind of shift in art style a little bit. But I, I know what they're doing there, so it doesn't bother me too much. But but no, I can I can see that that as well. The the eyes kind of look more droopy, and it 
it can be, I can see it, it that as being off-putting. Um, but like I said, I, I, the, the next being kind of craned forward, it kind of gives this, um, more, um, inquisitive na- nature to the, 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 the look, the droopy eyes kind of feels more softer in a way is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. I must, I got to look back. I don't get the neck thing you're talking about, but I'll have to look at it again. Maybe I'll see it. Um, it, it's one of those things only until somebody points it out. Yeah. <laughs> only until somebody points it out. And I, I will have to admit there's, and this is a struggle for me cause I, I have already seen quite a few comments on it and, and sadly no shock to anybody. And, and already kind of pointing out the aspect of the, I, I guess the, the gazy eyes shots. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's again, goes back to the whole concept of the writer's intent. Like early on, I kind of felt it with the with the first point in which Akabi puts on her uniform. And I and I thought at first it was going to be, you know, creepy how they were going to portray that scene, but I, I honestly felt like it was all about her slowly putting on the uniform that she was looking forward to. She's been looking forward to this uniform her pretty much her ever since she was old enough to look at a picture of her mother in her uniform and she's always wanted this and she finally gets it and so she takes her very slowly puts on the uniform and yeah, I guess you can technically you know, put that into being something that's, I don't know, uh, making it erotic or something like that. But I don't really, I didn't really feel that way. And and it has a lot of moments where it feels like the characters do things that are kind of promiscuous or something, but it's always kind of in an element of just innocence and children having fun together, exploring things and experimenting. So I've never really had that feeling, but at the same time, it's one of those aspects that I know somebody's going to find this creepy and I don't really don't find it creepy, but you know, you do you, I guess. <laughs> Sadly, that's that's a thing. I mean, if you if you find it creepy, that I don't know, just stay away from it because you should stay away from anything that has children in it. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that's like a be silly uniform, really fantastic. I'm I'm absolutely loving it. It is it is an absolute treat every single week. So, and I'm surprised that my videos on it are doing very well. So I'm I'm guessing a lot of people are jumping on it, and that's that's a that's a good thing. Um, usually, something like that I always find kind of gets lost in the weeds. There's a community of slice of lifers out there that really love their slice of life. So, yeah, uh, again, going right into the next one that's really up in the popularity right now. Uh, next one we have is My Dress Up Darling or Sonobiske Doll wo Koi wo Suru. This one is streaming on Funimation. Uh, being done again by Cloverworks. Don't know how many episodes going for. Again, I'm assuming probably a, a single core. The sources of manga, the genres are Seinen. And this one follows a guy named Gojo. And Gojo, when he was very young, he ends up going to his grandfather's shop and finding his grandfather does a shop for Hina dolls. And he was absolutely captured by these Hina dolls and thinks they're absolutely beautiful. And so he really badly wanted to start making those dolls. Well, obviously, kids around him find it creepy that this guy, this boy, would be interested in Hina dolls. But uh, he still kind of keeps with it becomes kind of isolated from people because they don't, you know, nobody will accept the thing that he enjoys so much. And he keeps trying his craft. Well, unfortunately, he's not very good at it. <laughs> uh, he is really good at fabric, though, making the outfits for the dolls themselves, but he's not very good at painting them and whatnot. And eventually, at some point, as he is, his sewing machine messes up at his home, he decides to use the sewing machine at school because who the heck used the home heck? Oh, the home ec club. <laughs> Besides pretty much every single anime. <laughs> And the most popular girl in school, who he, he kind of sees every now and then, he kind of notes the idea that this is this girl that, you know, everybody will accept everything of her because she's so popular, she's so beautiful. Well, this girl kind of walks in on him as he's at this this home ec class. 
Oh, I thought and, you were gonna you were gonna talk about her her falling out of the sky and slamming her head against his desk. Yeah, flying through like what was it? she was about like eight <laughs> feet in the air. I, I still haven't figured that out yet. Um, I don't know if she was on top of another desk girl. or something, but and then he does it later. So flies through the air. He falls on falls on his head on something else. Oh yeah. Anyways, she saw she walks in and he's like immediately crap. She, she's found me out. She's going to make fun of me and all this kind of stuff. And then she gets like super excited. Like, you know how to do sewing. That's incredible. I, 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 that's amazing. Can you, can you do this for me? And she basically asks him if he will make an outfit for her for cosplay and come to find out this outfit is for this particular character from slippery girls college or something like that. It's oh, like this. Gosh. Yeah. I don't know. This <laughs> Ero, uh, yeah, visual yeah. novel. And yeah, a very interesting character. Completely not novel. not the character of her. <laughs> uh, you don't know. <laughs> don't know. Well, she was very quiet at first, and she's not very quiet. But uh, yeah, she kind he kind of agrees to it. Like you know, this is this girl that's very passionate about this thing that she really wants to do is cosplay. You know, that's that's cool. Let me let me try to see if I can do it. And he's like, I've never done it before. I've only done heated dolls, but I'll see if I can do it. So the two of them kind of work together to well, not really work together. As we've seen in this recent episode, the two of them kind of work together to put together this outfit for her to cosplay in. And um, yeah, that's kind of the the gist so far. It's kind of this aspect of, you know, people not accepting you, uh, accepting what you really like. Because the, the whole thing with this girl, Kitagawa, is that, you know, nobody ever plays the games that she wants them to play. She offers people, nobody really accepts technically this side of her, which is playing these I, she hasn't really noted any other types of games, but specifically these Edo games, <laughs> this thing that she really does enjoy and these characters that she really does like. And I, I don't know that they've, if they've technically noted yet that they won't accept her cosplay because she's technically never had cosplay. She made one cosplay and he quickly scrutinized it. So we don't know yet if her friends wouldn't accept her for her cosplay, but at least in that sense, you know, the games and stuff, they haven't accepted. On the other side, yes, it's all about Gojo and how nobody would accept the fact that he really loves Hina dolls, and it's seen as a girl thing, and the kind of difficulties that he faces with about his future, about the fact that the one thing that he loves doing so much was Hina dolls, he can't do well, and so he feels like his future is going to be fail. So, your thoughts? This, this show is, um, ha- I think this was m- my top most excited show of the, of the s- season. And I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled how much, how well it's, uh, being pulled off. I, I love the aesthetic. I love the characters. I love the, um, the, the concept. Um, we're, we're getting to a point where we're kind of seeing our first, you know, culmination of everything pulling together. And, and so hopefully, um, we we can see where they go into the in, into the next uh, the rest of the season. So I'm I, like I said, I'm really really loving this show. And I cannot uh, say enough that it, that it, it it's fantastic right now. They they're pulling off the the slice of life. They're pulling off kind of this softer drama. Um, they're not not any major uh, melodrama points, but they're pulling off just normal life drama and that that's that's working really well um but yeah loving it yeah i think this last episode was probably the the kind of the i want to say darkest the the most heavy it's kind of gotten which this idea of gojo really being isolated and feeling like everything was just compounding on top of him at the time Mm -hmm. you know he's his grandfather just got went to the hospital he's he's struggling with the fact that he might not meet this deadline for this this cosplay Technically, he's got to take over the shop from his grandfather, so he's got to do tours. 
and he just doesn't have time. He's got midterms coming up, like everything is compounding on him. And at the same time, he's in his own head thinking about the idea that his future is unknown because he's never been good at this stuff. He doesn't know why he keeps doing it. He get a little memory of his grandfather talking about, you know, people doing it for smiles. Uh, the the customer smiles. That's what he does it for, even though it's difficult and you have to keep at it. Um, you're and, not and always they, per, you're not always perfect at something that you're you love. Those kind of stuff are all coming up at the same time. And that that his his final breakdown was absolutely fantastic. They 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 absolutely pulled that off of absolute relatability of understanding. Yeah, th- this is this is how kind of real life is. When at, at at a certain point, you you feel all these things just compiling in one one moment, and then you just break. And yeah, why even bother? Yeah. Of? Yeah, and it was it was funny because well, we all know why Gojo stuck with it and kept pushing forward. I mean, the show wanted to portray that there was another reason that pushed him to keep doing it, which was I do it for the customer smiles, and then we see Kitagawa smile. We all know that he was pushing because he wants that dream. He wants he wants that dream that he's seen, which is Kitagawa playing the. That's, that's not that's not go there. <laughs> next episode might next episode we might see it come to fruition. Uh, yeah, it does. It does the etchy good too. Um, it's so funny in a season of, of shows like World's End. Um, it's nice to see good etchy in a show, a show that wouldn't, you know, probably censor kissing, which some other show did. <laughs> but no, it. This is a this is a kind of a surprise for me because this show when I when I seen the PVs and stuff, I was thinking, okay, well, cute. You know, here's here's the hot uh, waifu of the season. Obviously, Cloverworks is going to go above and beyond to make her look as cute as possible and as and sexy as possible in every chance possible. They animate the hell out of her. It's like every time the scene changes, I, I can see Cloverworks going, oh, crap, the, the, the perspective is on Kitagawa. Time to get to work again. <laughs> Time to put a whole crap load of effort into her. And, and it shows. It, it they def, They're definitely doing a great job of bringing her to life and really animating her. And I, and I think that's fantastic. But it's like one of those aspects of when I see the PV and everything, I'm thinking, okay, here's the waifu show of the season. It's going to be fun, probably. I I really wasn't expecting to, one, love Gojo as a character. He's absolutely fantastic. I think he should have been smacked the last episode, but that's not here nor there. <laughs> but he's a good person. He's got a heart in there. He's just kind of misguided in a sense because he's he's putting his energies too much into one direction that he doesn't think about himself. It has that aspect of self-destruction which technically you think you're doing right for somebody else, but in actuality you harm yourself only harms them. And I think he needs to get that idea into his head eventually. But it's doing so well of creating these characters and really really giving me a lot of enjoyment from them. Not just because, again, Kitagawa is the doll-up character uh, or Gojo is the hardworking nerd that gets the girl. It's There's so much more to them than just that. And that's where it surprises me. It takes me from my initial prospect of nerd gets hot chick to, okay, there's so much more to these characters, and they're doing so well portraying those characters so far in just the four episodes episodes we've seen. Additionally, again, Kitagawa is a dork. She has her own insecurities, and I'm going to be – I'm super excited when we'll finally start getting into her more. But so far, like, just dead focusing on Gojo, which is a surprise to me. I'm already just loving him as a character. He's a really solid person that I want to see succeed. I want him to get his first scene at all. Even though my my uh, my prediction is that it's going to turn into Kitagawa as his scene at all. And he realizes that this is something that he can do and it's something that he really enjoys. But we'll, we'll see where that goes. 
but I'm loving it so far. It looks seeing great. him going to uh, cosplay full time and making gobs and gobs of money from these girls. There's some, there's some money there. I know there is some money there, but uh, yeah, it's 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 fantastic so far. And like I said, it's a huge surprise for me. I like I said before, it's technically up there. As, I, I think I put it as my number two when we we're doing our preview because I think I had um, the the Orbital Children as my number one, but it's really great. I really love, I love it. I love it. So yeah. And of course, Kitagawa's waifu. <laughs> There's another show that has another, it, it, this is going to be funny. Cause it's, it's like the, every season I'll do my best girl of the season. It's like from episode one, everybody was like pretty much yeah, 2022. We've locked in. We've already got our, our number one waifu of the entire year already pretty much locked in. But there, there's some others out there that'll be, it'll be kind of interesting to jump through. Cause I think everybody's so hyper focused on Kitagawa right now. Um, but yeah, my dress up darling, definitely a suggestion. Tokyo Ward, Tokyo 24th Ward, uh, or, 20, uh, or Tokyo 24th Coup. This one is streaming on both Crunchyroll and Funimation, running for 12 episodes, being done by Studio Cloverworks. Again, I had all three of them right at the beginning. <laughs> Sources original, genres are action, sci-fi, supernatural. The director is now Katsu Suda, who did JoJo's Bizarre Adventures Part 1, 3, and 4, and 5. Uh, Planetarian, the writer is Vio... Shimakura, who has done... Oh, sorry. sorry Shimokura. I think I said that. Uh, he did assistant writing for Steinsgate with uh, Naotaka Hayashi. So, pretty significant team working on this particular one. Uh, but this one kind of takes place... It kind of talks about this whole 24th Ward in Japan, where essentially it was this area that was kind of an area for allies to kind of work in. And at some point, they kind of transitioned it back to being... Uh, under the precinct of Japan. And after that, they had this kind of school incident that happened where this they were trying to shut down this old school. And a group of students kind of stood up against the, the, the adults and said, no, we want to save this school. And so they fought to kind of protect it. And eventually some unfortunate event happened and the school went up in blaze. And some students got trapped inside and one child ended up dead. Kind of following this, I think they jumped forward like a year or so. They're having this kind of ceremony for, you know, remembering this incident that happened. And three such students, uh, Shuta, Ron, and Koki, who are kind of a part of this group of kids that included the girl that died. Uh, they were kind of a band of quote-unquote heroes. <laughs> they wanted to kind of help people out and everything. They all get a phone call, and it's from the girl that passed away. And as they put the phone to their ear, thinking, okay, what the, what the heck is this? She's She's obviously passed away. Uh, some sort sort of weird occurrence happens and it zaps into their brain and unlocks some super human ability within them. And then they get a message from her saying, there's an incident going to come up, choose your future. There's going to, something's occurring and you can choose to do this or you can choose to do this. It's always, I forget what the, the, the Hermes, uh, clause or something like that. It's the idea of if you save this person, all these people will die. But if you save um, these people, this person will die. It's always a choice. Somebody has to die kind of concept. So the initial one is this friend of theirs is on a train track trying to get her dog and she gets stuck. And if they allow the train to run over her, they save all the people on the train. But if they change the direction of the train, it'll derail and it'll kill everybody on the train. So they have to choose. And so they kind of think it's not real, but then they realize that she's actually located there. And so they freak out and they all rush there to try to stop the situation uh, Shuta, he gains like superhuman strength. So he's, he, he's already like jumping off of walls and climbing up things, but he's like super good at that. Now he's got like super strength. And he's super fast. Uh, you have Ron who is kind of a, 
he does like graffiti to try to spread the word and change things. Well, it kind of he's also kind of a hacker. So it gives him like the ability to hack things like super fast and do like an incredible job of it. And then you have Kilki, who's he's always kind of been in the politics of things. He's a part of Sarge, which is this group that China stops crimes. Well, he is like just knows exactly what he needs to say. It, like it gives him like ability to persuade people. So he's kind of the talker of the, of the group. Um, but yeah, they all kind of rush in there and they're 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 doing their job, all kind of stuff. Now, the other kind of weird thing about this world is they have this thing called the Hazard Cast, which is technically a part of Sarge, which is, again, where Koki works. And this Hazard Cast basically is a super computer system that will be able to kind of predict when crimes or accidents will happen. So you'll see, like, on this this, this app, everybody can have it. And it'll tell you, like, a percentage chance that in this certain area, something's going to happen. Now, they kind of already talked about the idea that they're don't, they don't arrest people before crimes happen because they you can't arrest somebody for a crime that never happened so they let it happen but it always seems like you know emergency personnel and everybody are kind of there waiting for something to happen so they they, they show this example where he they come to an intersection they kind of stop the hazard cast starts going off and then suddenly an accident happens and all the emergency personnel kind of rush in because they're already there waiting for it to happen so your thoughts on Tokyo 24 Ward? I only did two episodes. This was one Which is technically that I, three. <laughs> yeah, I went ahead. First and, episode was an hour long. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, I, I thought the first episode was absolutely solid. Um, uh, it, it really did well at setting up the kind of concept behind it. The, um, the, the pre-crime thing. The, the. the debate back and forth on whether or not they should go to the next step and actually start doing pre-crime and 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 i mean it wasn't it wasn't something that they kind of shifted to the forefront but it was something that was, was so actually I'm like, I'm like what are you talking about i don't remember that discussion <laughs> right they, it was it was talking uh it was in the 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 hacker side where they were talking about the dangers of actually going and then when when koki came in he said um or was it the other way yeah Koki or Ran was saying no, they shouldn't do I that. Because Ran was part of the group that he's he's like from a district where it's like the unknown zone, like the surveillance isn't upgraded enough. So there's like this shanty town, and they don't like it because every time they leave there, all eyes are on them because they haven't really been um they haven't been surveillance, so they don't really work well in the system itself. So he doesn't like it at all, obviously. Right, and, and, and like I said, it wasn't something that they shifted to the forefront. It was just something that was kind of a discussion that was being had. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I want I went into the second episode and wanted to go into the the ne- next episodes. But um, like I said, I just kind of let this one fall through the cracks. None of cute girls. Um, well, Kanako is really cute. the The second episode I did like as far as a um, as a setup uh, for giving a lot of characters um, kind of motivations and showing why they were doing the things that they were doing. The main problem that I had was that it was um it was very disjointed. It didn't feel like a natural flow of things. Um it just kind of was like this is this person's uh motivations, this is this person's motivation, this is this person's motivation. A lot and- about how Asami who passed away inspired everybody really. Everybody in the entire town. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I I I I liked it as far as I giving characters motivations, but it didn't it didn't tell the story well. It didn't mm. flow well. It just felt very disjointed. Um, but that's pretty much where I stand. I'm about uh, 
middle of the road on this one. I kind of like it and and dislike it at the same time. But to be fair, I did not give it any more than those two episodes. Yeah, and I I agree with the second episode. It felt it felt out of place, but at the same time, I like the payoff at the end. Like I didn't like how it told it because it's like okay, all right here. I guess this is going to be by the first or second one, you knew what it was doing. It's like, okay, I guess we'll see how she inspired Ron. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Let's see how she inspired Koki. Yeah. Makes sense. It it was like, it was one of those episodes where I understood why he did it, but at the same time, it's like, do we really have to show everybody? Cause we got an idea. I mean, we, we know she inspired everybody to do what they're currently doing. Um, but like I said, again, I technically get the point. And by the end of it with Mari, it was, it was emotional enough. But no, I, I watched technically. Wow, it's, it's going to be five episodes at this point because the, again, the first two, the first episode was two episodes, and I watched beyond that. So it's I'm kind of mixed on the show overall. It's like I understand what they're doing, and I do like it. They already got to a point, um, you know, within like three or so episodes, they finally got to a point where because it, it felt like with the first episode, oh well, they're given two choices, and they can always kind of break it. They can, there, there, it's not, these are the two, you have to have one. It's not this or this. It's this or this, but we can also have both. Like, why not both, uh, meme? What, but they did, they actually got to a point where it feels like, it feels like it's not always going to be sunshine. Like, they, there's going to be a point in which they trip, and that trip will cost something. And they've already got into that, which I do kind of give them a lot of respect for being able to get into. But at the same time, they're already introducing well, the bad guy. There's obviously got to be a bad guy. <laughs> And the bad guy, I, I they haven't really technically at this point explained how the bad guy does what they do, but we're we're talking tornadoes popping up out of nowhere. So obviously, bad guy has some sort of I don't know weather machine or something <laughs> that's able to create tornadoes out of nowhere in Japan. So I, I hope that they get to the point where they're going to explain how that works. But everything else is fine. I I, I think it does really well in its you emotional. Just killed points. this show for me. What? I don't want to see person randomly doing tornadoes i really don't well it it doesn't it doesn't specify that somebody ran i mean we technically have already established we have superpowers we have right shoot does super powerful ron is super hacky and koki i'm sorry koki your ability sucks (laughs) super politician (laughs) what's the matter with super politician he's not it doesn't really feel like he does anything (laughs) to change the situation it's like he walks up and says uh what can i tell him to talk him into allowing us to put kids uh people into containers (laughs) Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna appeal to him. In, in, in I'm gonna appeal to him, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just come directly to him. You need to do this, okay? We could have probably just told people to get in the containers. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take Koki talking to this guy before things are suddenly gonna happen. And it always like undermines it shortly after, where somebody just goes, "Well, the Sarge people are reacting, so obviously we should react." And then people start reacting. It's like it, it never. It's not like Koki ever does anything. Besides, talk to one person, and that person's kind of insignificant for the situation. Anyways, I'm sorry, Koki, your ability sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I know they were just trying to, again, yeah, technically make him the, the politician superhero. But um, but I do like the character so far, so that's that's my struggle. I, I've never, I'm not, I'm never bored. Like I said, episode two was kind of a struggle to get through. But I'm never bored watching this show because I think it's doing characters really well. Ron's obviously the more anarchy extreme. Koki is the more, you know... By order, by Sarge, the the companies that actually are keeping order through the strong arm, and then Shuta's kind of in the middle. 
So he acknowledges that what Ron's doing is cool. He acknowledges what Cookie's doing cool, but he doesn't really have a direction he's going. He's the neutral. So I, I think it's a nice how they set up the three band of heroes and what they can do going forward. And I, I think the action scenes are solid. Again, Cloverworks is kind of pulling out a lot of stops. There's some CGI bikes and stuff, but that's not that bad. So I don't know. I just don't. I don't feel like the overall story is really getting me so far. It just really feels like there's just kind of these bad guys. They pop up out of nowhere, and the, those bad guys are kind of involved with the incident that's going to occur that they have to undo, and they kind of move forward uh, with the with the. <laughs> The whole situation with the mobs that are trying to take down the market district. And then Popikov, and here's this guy that's going to blow up this boat. This comes out of nowhere that he's a bad guy. It, it really feels like it just creates bad guys out of nowhere. And again, there's technically this one bad guy that they keep bringing up that's like the the one that's like the opposite to Asami. That's what it feels like. Asami is the girl that pops up and says, choose your future, save people, which is the girl that's dead. And then you have this other person that pops up and is like, you know, we don't even know who he is. He's just he's just a symbol on the television screens that says, I'm going to create, you choose your future, something bad's going to happen. So I, I, it just doesn't really feel like I have anything that really kind of, they don't have an antagonist really set up properly at this point. But, and we're technically quite a bit in at this point, if you consider the first episode being an hour or so. You've had five episodes where everybody else had three, four episodes to work with. You should have something established by now. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very mixed. It's It's got good points. It's got boring points. But overall, it's not doing anything bad. But um, I kind of was hoping for a little bit more, especially. I Again, the hazard system and all the hazard cast and all that kind of stuff is interesting. It just they got to They got to do something interesting with it. So we'll see. It's got a lot of interesting people working on it. So hopefully they can pull something out of it. Here soon, hopefully. Tokyo 24th board. I'll know in the next couple of episodes when Andrew starts screaming that I need to hurry up and catch up. Everybody's dying. Chris, check it out. <laughs> World's in Harem. This one's got some great writing. Shimatsu no Harem. This one's streaming on a Crunchyroll, unfortunately. Uh, running for 11 episodes. <laughs> Studio is Studio Gokumi and Axis. And the, st- the source is a manga and the genres are sci-fi ecchi. And this one... Essentially, at the very beginning, follows a guy named Reito, and he is an aspiring doctor. And at some point, he finds out that he has this incurable disease. But he's told, hey, look, it's cool because the AI systems and everything, everybody's working hard, and we'll have a cure within five years. So just just go to cryosleep for five years, and by the time you get back, we'll have you cured. And so he, he kind of agrees with it because, again, he's, does, he has an incurable disease. So he goes and he gets cryosleeped, and he unfortunately has to leave behind his um, his love of his life. He kind of confesses to her and then says, okay, you, you know, you, you got you got somebody that you love. Peace out. She ends up showing up at the last minute, so that kind of throws a wrench in his plans. <laughs> uh, he wakes up five years later, and yeah, the, he's he's greeted by a, a lady named Mira. Mira tells him, yeah, look, uh, we got you cured. You're all good to go. You know, let's, let's get your post-cryo sleep check done. Uh, you kind of noticing very quickly, there's a lot of hot chicks around and everybody's looking at him kind of weird. And then eventually, yes, he, they revealed to him. Yeah. Shortly after you went to sleep, uh, this MK virus aptly called MK, not mortal Kombat virus. Don't get that wrong. This is the man killer virus pretty much took out 99.9% of the males all across the world. And you're kind of a hot commodity these days. And so since they, they kind of, they think it has something to do with the fact that he had this one virus or maybe the curing of that virus. 
allowed him to avoid the NK virus. They don't really know exactly why he survived, but they they think it might be connected to the disease that he had. So, but he's able to get it past it. And they found that, you know, people that have gone through the same process, uh, they can they can have babies. And so they kind of need him to get to work. As I said on my YouTube video to avoid demonetization, boink, the ladies, so that <laughs> they can make babies. And, uh, of course, main character Ditherer Syndrome kicks in. And he goes, whoa, whoa, I can't do that. Whoa, whoa. This I is, have this is impossible. girl that I, I like. Have, yeah, I have the love of my life. Whoa, I can't touch women. Um, that and, and the sad thing is, is if that, that, that girl actually came up to him, he wouldn't know what to do with her anyway. So she's probably in yard by right now. You know, it. <laughs> oh, you know she's Andrew. getting into yard. You know, they're going to NTR that I, I just, I have a feeling this show just has that feeling, but anyways, he, 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 at some point finds this bracelet that, you know, the girl left behind in a doll and inside that bracelet, it had a message they all have mess- they have these bracelets that are kind of like their their cell phones, and this thing had a message saying, "Oh, I hey if if Reto, if you got this, I I I figured out where how the origins of this virus happened. It's man made. I don't know why they made it. Cough cough. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to find a cure. Don't come look for me or something like that. So he decides, you know, look, I'm gonna find a cure for the man killer. And he goes to Mira and says, hey. I'm not going to boink people because I'm saving myself, but I'll find a cure. So if I find a cure, that's just as good, right? And I, I think to myself, AIs have been trying to find a cure for it for five years. Everybody died looking for a cure for it. But yeah, sure. New new doctor, he's going to find that cure. But yeah. And they kind of jumped into some other... They, there's like, so far, three other males they've brought back from cryosleep. The first one's like, hell yeah, let's do this. <laughs> hey, by the way, what do I want today? He's looking at, oh, hey, can I have this idol? All right, cool. Let's have that idol. He's all go with it. He's 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 boinking. He's he's already got a, a preggers. And then there's this new one that they just brought in. He's kind of like this bullied kid. And they basically created a whole school around him having a harem. And so he's having fun. Barreto. No. Your thoughts? I I I I will admit that about the only thing that is um I hate the censorship. I'm just going to say it like they that. They censor and, kisses. And and I am I'm I have an underwear. I I will not I will not uh confess to possibly finding a less distracting version of this show. <laughs> you kind of have to. <laughs> it it is that bad. So it's it's it, like I've mentioned before. It feels like it's done for comic. Like it it really does feel like they're doing it on purpose badly because it's a joke to them. Like it, it's it's so terrible. Like like I said before, literally you have like everything's being censored. Like they have shots where the entire body is being censored, and again, underwear is being censored. It's like it's it feels like a joke at this point. It, it's ridiculous. But as far as the story is concerned, I it, it's the 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 frustration of the exaggerated character types is really what's kind of more frustrating than anything. I like um I like the main guy. Don't much care for his dither uh side like Andrew was saying. I mean, you literally the the entire world is saying we need you to do this. Yeah, we're going to go it's extinct. A, I and and, it, and, it, and it's and it's like Oh well, 
if I go and find the cure to the virus, well, I will be re- saving more people because th- th- you'll have more. Okay, but there's the time. Both. Yeah, you, you can, can do, do both. both. <laughs> you got. You have to recuperate yourself eventually. So while you're recuperating <laughs> yourself, you can do your research. And it th- then there's uh, Dio. I liked Dio. I kind of like Dio's story, Dwee. but is it Dio or Dwee? Dio. It's got to be Dio. Um, it's always Dio. <laughs> I hear people saying that. It's I, I I like Dio's story, but the 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 sad thing about Dio's story is it's just it doesn't feel. I guess for lack it's of a better term, Shota. it's Shota. It's probably Shota. Shota. I think that's what everybody's calling it. Shota. Doji. It it feels like it. I I kind of wish that the writer explored his feelings a little bit better it, it, because none of. It, it, I, I, I've heard people kind of bash the whole um, uh, wish fulfillment, and, and in a lot of ways, this is a wish fulfillment in every way, shape, or form. But at the same time, you you do want to explore your feelings to a certain point. And, and while the main character or, or Dio, yeah, they, they, they're, 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 yeah, uh, Shota. <laughs> while, Dio, while it's nowhere near Dio. <laughs> oh, I, I'm 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 going at an angle, and it looks like a Dio. I'm sorry. Uh huh. Uh-huh. While he's not, it, it doesn't feel like any of his feelings are true to life. Um. Yeah, you get the you get sensei. Okay, I got you. Um. But while sitting in front of another girl and going well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. A lot of these, a lot of the dither things come in, and it's. It, I get it. You, you, you kind of want to, you know, force the the girl to be the kind of um, uh, pushy one. But when it comes down to it, it's not. It doesn't feel natural. None of this really kind of. I, I guess I, it's just wish fulfillment when it comes down to it. I'll, I'll just shut up now. I, I'm mixed on the show. I like the the etchy. I like the wish fulfillment, but and at the same time, it just doesn't feel natural. And as far as the storytelling is concerned, well, I, I think my big issue with the series as a whole is it's just like it's it's like a it's it's trying to take the route of hentai where nobody does anything. <laughs> it's like yeah. that's literally what this is. It's it's like okay, hentai, but there's no real actual stuff happening, and that and that's where you get the bad area because let's be honest, hentai doesn't really have story, and so you're getting that concept here. But it, what what bothers me the most is that when you have story beats happening, it literally makes me hate the main character because Mita. It was funny because it's like at first when I'm watching the show, it's like okay, well. Yes, wish fulfillment. This is funny. Cool. And then at some point, Mira comes up and says, all right, look, here's a situation. Literally, there are people out there that have no men to do the jobs that men do. We have lost the balance of mankind, which is men and women. Now, we don't have the men anymore. Everything is falling apart because men have a role to play and they're no longer there. So we need to repopulate or we're going to die as a species. And you are one of very few people that can make this this happen. We can't do test tube babies. We've tried it. It doesn't work. You have to go boink. And then he's literally like, but I got girlfriend. It's like, but you don't even know where she's at. She could be dead. She could be NTR'd. Nobody cares. Mankind is falling apart and we will go extinct unless you boink. 
but my girlfriend <laughs> it's like it's literally and then at some point he's, he mentioned the idea well well if i find my girl then i'll give you a baby every nine months it's like that's not gonna work we can't we're still gonna go and stick it you're, this isn't gonna work if you just make one baby every nine months we have to repopulate so it's, and, and it's frustrating when it, it, it literally has this lady come out and say this is what's going on here's the serious story this is why things are actually dire, and this is not just wish fulfillment. And then, literally, main character goes, "But, but, 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 my girlfriend." It's like I, I understand that. I don't respect that. I personally respect the idea of Raito wanting to save himself for that one girl. But they've established right now that everything is going to fall apart unless, and that becomes that issue of like, put that aside. It's not really that big of a deal. There's the. the on top of that, they, they they even took the time to say, look, we'll even, because of how precious of a resource what you are going to be doing is, we will be giving this woman a stipend that will last her for the rest of her life. We will be taking care of all of her needs. We yeah, will all be the ladies are good with I, this. Like, as we like, literally <laughs> get the, either out there where everything's falling apart and there's no economy and everybody's fighting to survive, or... They they carry a baby and they get set for the rest of their life. It's yeah, like, she, she, they they want she, this. She she like basically wins the super lottery of of you know you get a kid and you get your life taken care of in lap of luxury for the rest of your life. Um, ah, gee, um, I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> so I actually enjoyed um Doji Shota's segment. That was actually fun. I mean, again, censorship and all, but. It was cool because it was it wasn't just a ditherer that's like, well, I can't touch boobies. It, it was actually doing something interesting with it. This idea that he had been bullied this whole time and thus he has no self confidence. So she literally created a scenario that would build his self confidence. It was a yeah. cool idea built around this idea of again the only people that can repopulate the world. So I like that segment. And so technically, Shota's segment was kind of what re-inspired me for this show. Like, this this writer can do some interesting stuff with this. Yes, it's fantasy fulfillment, again, but it made sense why Karen did what she did. She wanted to build his self-confidence, and that was the way that she could do it. So I'm curious what it will do going forward. Honestly, to be honest, I did read forward, and I do know that it's going back to Reito, which does bug me, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if it... Like, Chris went to the uncensored version. I just went to the manga. Um, we'll see. We'll see if it can do something with Reito. That's How's the artwork in the manga? Boring. It's about similar. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. It's it's. I I, I think again. I think the censorship is literally at this point. I feel like it's being done out of comic because, I, like I said, censoring kissing, censoring underwear, uh, full body censorship. And again, I, the 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 one that I showed in my impressions video was that whole shot where. Um, his bodyguard, uh, Neneko, not his bodyguard, his doctor, technically, uh, his doctor, and a spoiler, I guess, uh, <laughs> his doctor comes in and she's getting, you know, all close to him in the bathroom and, and she's literally up, like pressing up against him and it shows like their two faces close to each other and literally nothing really is showing, but maybe the upper part of her, of her cleavage. And it's like, they censor it. It's like, Wait a second. I go over and I look at the uncensored version. I'm like, it's not even showing anything. And they're censoring it. So, yeah, sure enough, when I made my impressions video, I decided to censor bar my entire chest. Like, I'm not wearing anything. I'm like, wait, I'm wearing something. Ugh, <laughs> oh, the censorship's terrible. It's terrible. 
And I'm not going to blame Crunchyroll. I mean, they could. I, I can blame Crunchyroll for not getting the uncensored version because it's literally up there. Um, it's not as if it's like, you know, Blu-ray only. It's out there. It's like, just get it. I mean, like I said before, technically, Dress Up Darling is doing a lot more. Like, it is a lot more. Uh, a lot more clever with its um, is etchy, but I don't know. There you go. I'm moving on. The strongest sage with the weakest crest, or Shikaku Shikaku Mon no Saikyo Kinja. Uh, this one is streaming on, I think, Crunchyroll. I didn't write it down. Doesn't matter. JC Staff is a studio. <laughs> Source is a light novel. The genres are action, adventure, fantasy. The director is uh, Nori Aki. Aki Taya, who did Castleton Dating Lion, Active Rage, Are the Only One That Loves Me. Series composition by Hiroki Uchida, who did Merc Storia and Gamers. And this one essentially follows a guy, I don't remember what his name was before. He it was like Gaius or something like that. Um, he was this guy that was essentially pretty much brought demon kind to extinction. And then at some point he realized that he can't get any more stronger. He's been kind of striving to get more and more powerful and eventually realized he's capped it out. And so he decides, I'm going to destroy myself and rebirth. <laughs> so he does that, and he reincarnates himself back into the same world after 100 years have passed, and he becomes a child named Monty. And Monty is, he gains a new crest, because every time somebody is born in this world, they gain a crest, and he gains his fourth crest. And this is supposedly, according to the world now, the weakest crest. And that's where the title comes with from, is that they've deemed this to be the weakest crest. And so he is kind of going back of his life, getting stronger again. He goes to an academy, and eventually they realize that everything's kind of weird. Everybody chooses to cast with incantations, so they're speaking out this long gibberish just to cast a spell. Which he's like, why? Why do you do that? You can just cast without incantation? (laughs) And he's realizing, again, that they're marking this one crest that he has as the weakest crest. So everything kind of seems weird, and he quickly finds out after they do this kind of... uh, these two schools come together to do like a little competition that, oh yeah, there's demons that are kind of, you know, they've implanted themselves into the world of humans to teach them things wrong. And so he's kind of trying to weed them out and teach everybody how to do things properly because, you know, all it takes is somebody, a demon getting into an academy to go, hey, you should all start casting spells with the cantations. It's better. Okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But anyways, he, he weeds him out, uh, kills this one demon. Everybody's surprised because, you know, people can't single-handedly kill demons, except for him. Uh, the king is very quick to pretty much accept anything Matty says on how to protect their kingdom going forward, uh, because Kid out of nowhere is definitely worthy of assigning all trust of the And then the you wonder how demons in, in infiltrated the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> good point, Chris. Very good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Thanks for ruining the show even more for me already. <laughs> so yeah, just like the king allowed the demons to change incantations and what's the weakest crest, he accepts Matty's plan to essentially create a barrier, <laughs> gives him access to all treasures and dungeons, <laughs> and and uh, and doesn't do anything else additionally. He's just like, you know, okay, Matty, take, okay, take care of it. Doesn't even assign anybody else, doesn't even ramp up military or anything like that. Just he says, Maddie, take care of it. <laughs> because that's... Kids save yeah, the world. Kids save the world. And so Maddie starts doing dungeon crawling, which he realizes very quickly, I can't do a dungeon without a party. And so he you know, brings in Luri and Arma, who are these two cute girls that um, he goes down there with, and he teaches them how to fight things. And then 
he discovers that there's like a monitoring system that the demons put inside the the royal chambers, and so he he goes after those demons. Yeah, and the demon Iris, came in and, and he, put and a big old camera up on the wall and sit. And, and the king <laughs> says, "Hey, why are you doing that? Oh, don't worry about it. it, it, it it's to keep you safe." Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> well, hurry up because Maddie's going to be back here soon. I got to tell him what, uh, that I, I want to give him the crown next. <laughs> Gosh, Chris, you're ruining the show for me. <laughs> yeah, then eventually he heals this dragon that he knew from a long time ago, and she kind of made the show decently fun again. And, of course, she destroys half the Academy because she's super overpowered. <laughs> she was great. It, it's like the most – it's the most isekai without being isekai show of the season. So your thoughts, Chris? There's a the, – the, uh, all jokes aside, I th- this show has been pretty much middle of the road. I, I'm I'm kind of warm to it because of the uh, – oh, cute girls. I, what, what can I say? Um so I've I've been kind of um I I it's it's like I'm watching this show and I I see things that I You're want them to You're kind of watching it. <laughs> yeah, I'm only kind of watching it. You know, I'm 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 kind of I I'm I'm It's like know, this one time have, I tripped and one I clicked ear. at it and I just kind of <laughs> slammed in my monitor and just sat there for a couple seconds before I went back to doing what I was doing. Um it, honestly, as I'm watching it, I I tend to see things that I'm like I would really like you to dig into that quite a bit, or, or I'd really like you to dig into that. But the way the writer, it feels like the writers, I mean, the writer obviously has thought about a lot of things in this world. The problem is, is that he doesn't doesn't feel like the type of writer that wants to explore any of those <laughs> things that he is actually cons- thinking about, so... <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming something is really freaking funny. So go ahead. I just like the idea of a writer. I know this writer thought about this stuff, but they didn't write about it. This is, well, it's, it's like the it's remedy like, to any show that's not got good writing is like, well, obviously he just doesn't want to write about really cool stuff. <laughs> well, and that's I'm the like, thing. It's like, really, like the really judges. kind the about ju- it. I just, I, I'm just noting the fact that you're really nice about it. <laughs> It, well, for instance, the dungeons. The dungeons is obviously something that it, it, he he's he's considering things which can be interesting, and I really would like him to explore that freaking dungeon thing. But apparently, he doesn't want to explore the the freaking dungeon thing. And what dungeon thing? It's a dungeon. He, they, there, there was the, when they went down into the dungeons. The dungeons are where all the resources are. And and the king is like, well, as as we pointed out, the king's brilliant. So he's decided to, for whatever reason, give cut, them all to him. Give them all to him. They're and, now his property. Like literally, <laughs> the, the entire kingdom can't touch it because it's Matty's. It, but but in the first place, he cut off the 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 dungeons, which because demons because uh, the demons told him, told him it was bad to go it down was there. Bad, bad to go down there for whatever reason. So <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Wait, wait, These demons it, are brilliant. <laughs> Except when they fight, they're terrible. But when they're when they're manipulating the king, they're freaking great at their job. Like I don't even know why they're in some abandoned village. Why? Out why nowhere. have they gotten like, rid of the king and this place themselves as the king is beyond me? I, but hey, they, like that's what you said. They're like out in the middle of nowhere in some destroyed town. Like there was the ruins of a town that they were all hanging out in. It's like why weren't they just in the kingdom? It, it's stupid. It's it, it's one of those things is uh and and then they in the last episode they brought up this other cool th- which could be cool well I doubt it'll be that cool because they don't want it, the the writer doesn't want to do do this 
he's he's made these weird dragon stones, but and and they just walk away from this dragon stone, which is c- going to be bringing people together, and they're going to fight it. Why don't you just? Dest- I mean, you're you're Mister OP, so why can't you destroy it? Um, so we'll, we'll see what, where they go with that. I, like I said, I'm, I'm in the middle of the road. I don't trust this writer is my, my main problem is I don't trust him to, if anything is interesting that we will go into any of those interesting things. It, it's, it's just a lot of cool ideas that are just going to be laid on the, left on the table. I think the, the writer, maybe just a fan of Ultima Online. I mean, those stones are so? really spawning stones. Oh, gotcha. That's what it I was. Gotcha. That stone is a spawning stone. That's what I immediately thought of when I see it. And I'm like, it's a spawning stone. It just spawns monsters. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. Um, I I have nothing really positive to say about this. It looks, it doesn't look great. Um, I, I already laughed about it on Twitter, posting this picture of them coming into this Adventures Guild, and there's literally like ten feet from, like ten feet from the door, and like two feet from the counter, and then out of nowhere he teleports in this big old snake head and somehow the room just expands in size. So maybe the writer will eventually get into how he can manipulate the <laughs> spacing inside of a room without damaging anything outside. No, I don't, I don't trust him. That, 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 that's too interesting of a concept. We can't do that. Doesn't want to get into spatial uh, distortions and stuff. <laughs> At least they took it outside afterwards. So I'm thinking it was like a temporary spatial distortion. So he opened up the door a little bit bigger to take it out. Uh, I've already kind of given my grievances on the show overall. Like I said, it's 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 the most isekai without being isekai show out there. Matty literally feels like a isekai main character. Um. Most of the time, like he's he's got this whole aspect of like even though he's been living for like it, it implies he's li- he's lived technically for hundreds of years because he's got four crests now that that implies that he's been reborn he's he's been born four times and so that implies he's had he's at his fourth life and this guy can't talk to girls like it, like his his inability to talk to girls puzzles me because again. He should be mature at this point. He doesn't feel like a mature person. He's got like a very weird face. Every time he's fighting anybody, he looks disturbing. So I don't know. I I I I, I laugh, but I kind of agree. Like some people are saying, I feel sorry for the demons because he's 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 kind of dangerous and he's he's scary looking. Like he looks like a very he looks very unpleasant when he's fighting things. He's smiling all the time, and it's like I don't really like this character at all. So I don't like the main character at all, like through and through. I, I think he's annoying. I not annoying. I think he's just kind of creepy and he doesn't make sense at all. Uh, I do like the party idea. He, this writer does seem to like the idea of, despite the fact of him being extremely overpowered, for some reason he has to bring people with him down to a dungeon. And what that kind of did was bring up this idea of him not just being overpowered himself, but at least you know helping others become more stronger. So he's showing. Lurie and and Arma, all these different techniques that they can use to fight. And he's always kind of going out of his way to say, okay, now you do this. Okay, there, there's this other demon. You guys handle it. He's always trying to push them to better themselves to become more stronger. And I do like that. I hate the fact that every time he does that, he has to explain what they do. And he this this writer loves the main character explaining everything. It's like, I, I got it. I got it. I, <laughs> I get what's going on. You don't have to explain that to me. Um... I don't know. Overall, I'm I, I really don't like the show. We've already got into huge detail about how I really think this entire kingdom is full of idiots. But Idis was fun. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Idis will save the show for me. Uh, but she could. At least she's like the one 
fun thing about the show ever. I don't know. I'm not liking it. <laughs> we'll see. But we'll, we'll, we'll see if it does anything interesting going forward. But that's the strongest sage with the weakest crest. It is. Please save the show. Anyways, it, it, it definitely feels like Wise Man's Grandchild. It was so funny because when, when, when the show first started, everybody was screaming, it's Wise Man's Grandchild. Um, and I and I agree with that. I mean, obviously, the, the complaint, everybody's like, oh, no, it's not because it's not any Sekai. It, it's literally Sekai. It just feels like it because it has the same thing that Wise Man's Grandchild had, would, which, is, which is do overpower thing, everybody reacts to it. Do overpower thing, everybody reacts to it. It, it it has to have people react to everything Matty does. Oh my gosh, he just destroyed that thing. Oh my gosh, he just made that gigantic snake head appear. Oh my gosh, he'd use this. Oh my gosh, he killed the demon. Everybody's got to react to everything he does. Oh my gosh, he's talking to a dragon. Oh my gosh, he made the dragon do this. It's like, yeah, it's... Sabikui Bisco. <laughs> Let's move on. Sabikui Bisco, a rusty eater Bisco. Streaming on Crunchyroll. Um, being done by Studio Oz or OZ. The source is a light novel. The genres are action, adventure, fantasy. Series composition and scripting done by Sadayuki Murai, who did Cowboy Bebop, Perfect Blue, That's Amazing Eugene Show, Millennium Actress, Nights of Zidonia, and Kino Journey. And this one takes place in pretty much Japan. At some point, some explosion happens, and the entire area, entire area, we don't even really know how far it spread, but at least in this area, everything is covered with sand and dust, and this dust storm that brings about rust. And so everybody's kind of huddling up in different locations and striving to survive, but there's this constant fear that this dust will kind of sweep across the land and infect people with this rust disease, which this rust disease basically spreads throughout the body and basically turns your body to rust and will eventually kill you. And of course it affects everything else. Everything, uh, all objects are basically infected by this rust. Everything's just kind of being uh, consumed by it. And eventually we follow a guy named Milo. And Milo is a doctor within one of these cities. And he is trying to find a cure for this rust disease. Um, and trying to help anybody that he can. He's kind of in the slums areas. Despite their mayor really trying to recruit him to go live in luxury with all the rich people. Um, and eventually this rust eater. Or this rust eater. <laughs> this Bisco Akaboshi. Who is this very well-known wanted criminal. Uh, he's a mushroom keeper. Which mushroom keepers are basically people that go around the land collect mushrooms and sell them in the black market. He shows up and all hell breaks loose. He's shooting these arrows that create these mushrooms that sprout. And everybody believes that the mushrooms themselves create the rust disease. And as we find out, obviously very quickly, the mushrooms actually filter and eat the rust dust or the rust wind. And so they're actually a good thing. But again, society has been raised to think that this is a bad thing because typically wherever there's a lot of rust there's a lot of mushrooms because the mushrooms eat the rust but so it's kind of the misunderstandings that that's not really causing it it's just they're feeding off it so they're growing um unnaturally there so yeah and so eventually milo <laughs> joins with this bisco and they're sitting out out to the world to try to find this rust eater mushroom which is this legendary mushroom that can actually cure the rust disease and, um, yeah, they're being followed by, I, I don't know they're being followed, but they keep running into Chiruru, who is this <laughs> peddler that is very selfish. Um, uh, your thoughts? Did I get everything? I think I got everything. It's, it's a weird world, too. There's crabs and flying slugs and hippos with, with cannons on their backs. 
There's a lot of things with cannons on their and backs. Balloon worms. Balloon I, worms. <laughs> I'm 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 vi- I'm pretty interested in this show. I I would I would put this about middle to high for me. I this the show has a lot of really odd concepts that I I I would like to explore. And and I the this is freaking action show through and through. I and and whenever it isn't doing those action scenes, it's it's almost like coming off of a high into just a kind of you're you're like okay, let's just get back to the action because the 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 way this the characters interact with each other, they're they're in their element when they're in action scenes. And I don't know how to better explain it other than that. It when it, everything that is revealed to, seems to be, be being revealed during an action scene. Everything that is kind of uh, a, uh, of any type of consequence is during an action scene. And so, whenever uh, they're kind of chilling for a minute, and the, and you get into the comedy kind of scenes, the the chemistry just hasn't been working for me. I I don't I don't. I like Panda, um, uh, but at the same time, Panda in himself is kind of wishy-washy, and and Bisco has got that kind of Sundete overwhelming type character uh, going on, and and he's always grumpy, and it's the the odd couple for me. They they're just not working, but the world itself is is interesting so it, it's kind of one of those that i'm i'm in the middle of of where i where i stand on it however one thing i will give this show a million times over i love the soundtrack i love the music in the background it is absolutely hitting it um anytime there is a a a a, a um, an action scene it's got this kind of rock background and it's absolutely awesome i and and it and like i said anytime there's action this show is is on its high. Anytime it's not pretty much action, it's kind of going into their comedy. It's not working. But that's my opinion. All the reveals are in the action scenes, which has been it like seems like action. it. There's only been like one reveal in an action scene that was with <laughs> Pau and Bisco and talking about the mushroom keepers and the mushroom stuff. Anyways, I don't know what show you're watching. <laughs> no, I, this, I'm. This is like um. I know, this is like right under slow loop for me probably one of my favorite of the season every week i love watching this show it is i i think the thing that sold me early on was like opening up the first episode it was absolute show don't tell it was just you seen what people were going through it, it kind of goes through this town and you see people are trying to find you know poisonous animals or mushrooms to just try to help them have a comfortable final days because everybody is just dying from this rust disease it really gave a great picture, not a really great picture, a, 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 a not great in a way that it's good for people to be dying, but great in a way that it's just it it did it so well in portraying the setting. I knew exactly what people were going through and what they were dealing with. I mean, there was like advertisement for funeral homes and stuff like that. Everything was just very unsettling, but yet that was their reality they're kind of living in. And I really did like that kind of setting, the opening of the setting. The only thing that I haven't really liked so far with how they're kind of telling the story is the jump backs. Like, the first two episodes it was doing all the time, it kept jumping back to the point in which this Bisco went past this this one checkpoint before he, received, before he came to the town. And throughout the entire first two episodes, they kept jumping back there and showing us how they got past this checkpoint. 
And it was never really significant besides telling Bisco how renowned Bisco was. And, and it, it, it was quite jarring going back and forth. And I thought they were done with that. And then sure enough, in the fourth episode, they do it again, where they jump back in time again to show Milo learning how to ride this crab. But um, that's the only thing I don't like so far with this show is I don't like how they just love jumping back in time to show things that aren't really that significant. And I don't know why they do it. But other than that, I like I said, I love the show-don't-tell aspect of the story. The The visual style is fantastic. I love the character designs. Um, I love a lot of their use of style and animation. Now, the, a lot of the – some of the action scenes, it feels like there's points in which they kind of cut and don't really show enough animations. But for the most part, I think this very unknown studio, Oz, is doing a phenomenal job of it. It feels like they're either a very passionate group of people or they're dumping some sort of budget in the show because it looks really good. And that does very well because I love how weird this world is. Like I said before, gigantic crabs, flying slugs, uh, hippopotamus cannons. Everything is so weird in this world. And I just – that's the stuff that Andrew just eats up. When it's when it's weird but it's yet re- realized, that's even better. Like you can throw weird stuff into worlds all the time. But to make it to where it fits in that world and everybody kind of accepts it because it's a normal thing. Like, Chinudo is literally flying in a slug plane. And it's got a name. And everybody's like, yeah, she had one of those things. Like, okay, so there's more than just this one that she has? There's slug, is there a slug plane creating factory somewhere? It's so weird. And I and I love that aspect of it. It's it's the familiar yet weird and different aspect. The the dust weeds that are floating and he's talking about how they glow at night and draw in beasts. Oh yeah, by the way, there's iron mice. I want to see iron mice. <laughs> Show me this weird stuff in this very weird world. The storytelling is doing well enough as well. I, I like the character so far. I think Milo and Bisco are a solid comedy uh, combination. Cheetah Doo is obviously easily one of the, my favorites of the show so far. Again, she's a peddler and she's She's been around. She's dealt with things. Um, so I'm really enjoying her so far. Hopefully she doesn't stay away too much. She's going to kind of come in, mess with them, and then disappear <laughs> shortly after. Um, all the characters are great so far. I I do wonder how much stuff they're going to get into with this show. I don't know if this is going to be a long-running show. I hope so. Um, but it, that's, I think, my only current concern is I don't really know how much they're really going to get into with this season and how much they're going to adapt. Because obviously they're not going to go find rust eater take out everything and everybody's happy and you know riding on riding on the crab onto the the sunset but that's really my only concern but i, I but i think overall i really enjoy the show i love the chemistry i love the characters i love the style i love the world building as weird as it is um yeah and i love the the music this is fantastic too it it definitely feels like a long running shonen for sure hopefully hopefully <laughs> Yeah, Rusty or Bisco, or Sabikui Bisco, definitely a suggestion for me. Really great. Police in a pod, or Hakozume Kuban Joshi no Gyakushu. This one is streaming on, uh, I didn't write it down again. Crunchyroll? Funimation. I think it's Funimation. I think it's Funimation, too. <laughs> We're just going to guess every show going forward. Uh, a lot of the shows are kind of going on both, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, streaming, uh, going for 13 episodes. The studio is Madhouse, the source of manga. The genres are slice of life comedy. And this one follows a girl named Kawaii. And Kawaii at some point is going to resign from her job as a police officer. It seems like when she was younger, her father was like, just whatever you do, get into public service. You know, (laughs) 
any job, just get into public service, get, get into uh, government, basically. And the unfortunately, the only job that she was able to qualify for was being a police officer. And she starts doing the job, and she realized very quickly, everybody hates police officers, and I hate this job, and I don't want to do this anymore. And so she's going to resign, but then she is assigned a new partner, Fuji, and she kind of just, you know, okay, well, I'll hold off for a second to do, you know, turn this in. And then she kind of works throughout the day with Fuji, and eventually, you know, it kind of comes to a realization that she kind of likes working alongside Fuji. She kind of mixes things up a little bit for her, so she decides that she's going to you know, I could turn this in anytime. Let me just kind of see how things go. So it kind of just follows Kawaii and Fuji as they do their day-to-day work. They eventually meet the other departments, like the crime investigation team and everything. And it just kind of shows the daily life of a, a police officer in Japan, technically. And um, the shenanigans they go through and how everybody hates them. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense because, I mean, when do you meet a police officer? It's usually at your worst or you're doing something wrong. Yeah. So nobody likes police officers, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, your thoughts on police in a pod? I have generally very much enjoyed the show. Um, the 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 comedy side is is hit and miss. Uh, some sometimes I, I I find find something really funny. Sometimes it's like eh, whatever. But what really does kind of kick this show up a notch for me is definitely it's kind of more heavier drama moments. Um, this this show. What it'll do is it it will go through, um, basically they'll they'll pick a subject, um, speeding, and then they'll kind of do something with it. They'll they'll discuss like Andrew had mentioned. Uh, when when do you see a police officer at your worst moment? When you're when you're driving a little bit too fast and and the police officer pulls you over and you're sitting there nervous and everything. Tax like that. leeches. And and yeah, you th- these people are obviously not avoid uh, uh, of speaking their mind about how much they feel about uh, police officers, um, and and that's that's really kind of the comedy is m- more how how you really want to s- what you really want to say to oh, the look, police he officer. He just drove and- <laughs> away without a seatbelt on. Guess we're taking away his license today, aren't we? Um, and so some, some of those things, some of the comedy is hit. Some of them, some of them, it's like, ah, I get, get the joke. I'll just go ahead and leave it there. But where I think the, sh- the show kind of more shines is kind of the more, um, uh, drama moments where it kind of shifts into this telling a story of a situation, um, involved with a, um, something that's a little bit more heavier. Um, for instance, Andrew, in one of his videos, he discussed a episode where they were talking about a, a girl who was kind of a delinquent. Um, they were, they actually introduced another delinquent in that same situation that they end up talking about later. Um, but this particular delinquent was, um, I don't know if she was selling herself or whatever have you. She was, yeah, she claimed that she was going around with a bunch of men and making money that way and escort and, and that, Way further than that, when they start going into her story, they 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 talk to her, and then they start doing kind of kind of their comedy bits, where the the girl obviously has more more experience than uh, the police officers. But that that being set aside, they they do go through, and at some point, one of the care, uh, I think it was Fuji, kind of notices something involved with when they uh, bring the the parents there they see a situation that could be happening in the home. Now, when this entire story was told, 
it doesn't really kind of reveal that per se. It just kind of is a consequence of her um, police skills. And I, I liked how that was pulled off. They, they do something similar in another episode that, that happens a little bit later. Um, and that one really hit home. But it, it's one of those things that it's, for me personally, it hit home. Um, it's it's one of those things that you when when you get those really good solid drama moments and you and you feel that that kind of um, emotional hit, it really pulls it pulls everything uh, together. And I really do love w- that this writer does take the time with those more emotional points to not just say, okay, these are uh, a goofy, odd couple all the time and everything they do is funny and ha ha, isn't police, police work fun and goofy and, and, or at the same time, aren't these people crazy? No, it actually takes the, the time to actually go back and forth. And I think it's balanced well. It doesn't doesn't super heavy focus on the their goofy comedy involved with those crazy crooks and or it, but it actually takes the time to actually humanize a lot of these people and or these characters and actually say this is a story that I'm trying to tell here. Done? Yeah. Holy crap, I don't think you've ever talked about a show as much as least in a pod. I don't have anything to talk about. Like usually I have to explain all this stuff. Um, uh, I'm, I'm on the same boat. I, I, no, I honestly, I'm a little bit different in the idea that I think after seeing how well, just the insights into how, cause honestly, policing in Japan is different than policing anywhere else. Yeah. And so it is kind of interesting to get an insight into how they handle things. Like when they, when they get into this particular passing of this person, it's very odd to see how involved they are. Like it typically it's, you know, like within in the United States, it's typically, you know, tape off the area and then call in the investigators. I mean, you don't, you don't see police officers walk in there and go, okay, let me, let me start dusting for prints and stuff. It's like the police are a lot more involved. And I, granted, I don't know if that's actually true. And the way they portray it in the show is concrete, but it, it at least it's an interesting insight into how policing works in Japan. I actually really do like it. And technically, yes, there's a lot of aspects of how they handle, you know, just traffic stops and stuff like that a lot differently there as well. So I, that part of it I'm really interested in. I actually really like a lot of the insights into police work. Typically, and this is kind of a, my expectations coming into it, typically I'm used to the, yeah, the new Dominion Tank Police, the you're under arrest, all these more goofier, older 90s, 80s police, which was it was very popular in the 90s, especially in the and also in the 80s. There was a huge boom in anime that were just shenanigan cops going out there and destroying things, and then coming back to the chief who's yelling at them for destroying property because they had to take down the bad guy who was holed up in a building and they shot up the place. It that was that was a thing back then. So I was honestly expecting that coming to place in the pod, but actually what I got was a two part, which you kind of explained already, which is it's comedy. And then the other half is these very real slice of life drama beats that police deal with. And so honestly, because the comedy very rarely does it for me, I'm just more looking for the more serious points of the show because I I think a lot of the comedy that they're doing with the show is, is, Technically, more centered around the idea of I hate my job. And like I've said before, that was my same issue that I had with Life Lessons was it's sometimes there's certain comedy that's kind of it requires relatability. Like you have to go, 
yeah, I know what you mean. And that kind of is where it, it sits with this comedy as well, is I don't really find it... Yeah, I, I got a kick out of the fact that the entire crime investigation team has pompadours because they think it makes them look <laughs> tough. That's, there's some that's still there that is still funny, when it's, especially when it's not around the idea that I just hate my job. The 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 fact that Fuji really hates the pamphlet art, uh, the pamphlet photo with the... The police officer lady sitting, uh, kneeling down next to the the little girl and saying, come join the police force. And then yet she accidentally does it herself and then freaks out and runs off. And then everybody's like, police girls are scary. I don't want to be a police officer anymore. That stuff is funny. So it does it does some funny parts that I do get a kick out of. It's just it, most of the time it misses for me. And so what, what? I get my enjoyment mean, out of you is mean- the... The dude who who joined the police force just to ride in the at the front of a, a marathon thing wasn't funny. I didn't get that part apparently. Oh, <laughs> but it, it it has its moments, and but it, it's more missed than hit for me. So yeah, I, I technically do get more enjoyment, even though it some most of the time it's not enjoyable. It's more uh, tragic. It's just getting more into the more serious sides of the whole thing, and again, getting some insights into how they kind of do police work and stuff. So. It's interesting. I enjoy it. It's a lot more enjoyable than the synopsis they gave us initially, which was just pretty much Kawaii's quitting and Fuji came in and she's super beautiful. So Kawaii's like, oh my gosh, Doki Doki's want to follow Fuji around. It definitely is not that story. So I don't know what the hell. I don't know. I'm guessing they were just Yuri baiting the synopsis just to get people to watch the show. It's I didn't I didn't get any of that. I mean, yes, she does find she's beautiful. And yes, there's there's a connection there, but it definitely wasn't the synopsis. So. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm I'm definitely sticking with it, if not anything, but just kind of the more interesting sides of police work and and not so much we shoot up an entire building and chief yells at us. That's that's my experience with police shows in, in Japan is we shoot up building, we run cars into stuff, and then police the, the chief yells at us, so it's definitely not that. So yeah, police upon. Definitely see where that goes. In the land of Lindale is our next one, or Lindale no Daichi Nite. This one's streaming on Crunchyrolling for 12 episodes. Studio is Maho Film. The source is a light novel. The genre is adventure fantasy. Somebody whispered that they were going to core, but I haven't seen anything to confirm, so I'm sticking with 12. Because <laughs> that's what everything lists it as, but... This one essentially follows a girl named Kena, and Kena is unfortunately on life support. It kind of notes the idea that at some point she was, while bedridden, playing this VR MMO game. Think like Mother's Rosario, if you've ever watched Sword Art Online. This idea of people that are like in hospitals and stuff are able to kind of get some enjoyment and entertainment out of doing VR games. Well, at some point, there's a power outage, and it's implied that she died at that point and found herself transported into the game world that she had played for so long. But the weird thing is 200 years has passed in this particular world that she played in before, and she doesn't really know why she's there. She doesn't see any – she's trying to look for if there's any other players, but she's kind of just you know, going about this world and trying to figure things out while just kind of enjoying things at the same time. Uh, at some point, it gets in the idea that she had these uh, adopted children that she – these NPCs adopted children that she did at some point that was in this game. Um, so she's obviously re – acquainting herself with those children that are now, you know, 200 years older. Uh, It gets into the idea that there's these kind of towers that each of the players had at some point that are like these little cash for the different players, like player housing. And so she's going to each one of those towers to discover if they're still functioning. She's already kind of met one of these towers and obviously got the indication there that their, their owner hasn't been there for 200 years. And so 
she kind of becomes the new master of that tower. But yeah, basically her her enjoying her life in this new world, but at the same time discovering new things to put her, I guess, existence into, which is, again, her children and the idea that these NPCs might possibly be her new family and people that she wants to care for. So your thoughts on In the Land of Liddell? I've um so far in this show I've really kind of enjoyed the kind of for lack of a better term like Andrew had kind of mentioned this kind of family um friendship type thing that she's building and I I think that that's where the show really kind of more shines is this idea of um moving moving into this new existence and exploring the world but when it comes down to it she's really more focused on who is who is it that I really care about and um and and just building and forging these these relationships and friendships and 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 really ex- expanding on that um and I I think that's where the show really shines um it it really does take the time to say hey um yeah we might bicker but when it comes down to it we're family and so we family. need to well, yeah we're family, family. Um, <laughs> insert need for speed or not feet, uh, fast and furious meme um so that's 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 what i very much have enjoyed about this show is is uh them their take on on that that aspect um like like i'd mentioned the um the bickering matches between um uh Kenya and 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 Scargo and 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 how flashy and overwhelming he is and um that he shouldn't uh kind of uh barge into her room in in the middle of the night and yet f- being forgiven forgiving in the next day after uh chewing him out really s- solidly. So, yeah, really am enjoying the show and having a lot of fun with it. That was one of the funny aspects of having essentially everybody that was a player in this world. It was obviously deemed as being some sort of legendary, uh, powerful being, and so the the whole thing around Kana specifically was that she was known as like this this witch of the tower or something like that. So two hundred years pass, and everybody still talks about this tower that's out there that has this witch in it, which is obviously supposed to be Kana from two hundred years before. And so, obviously, even with her children, who she adopted a long time ago, they they fear her. Like she, they know that she's extremely powerful. So not only do they obviously respect her as their their parent, they also have this fear because she's obviously extremely powerful. And so when they screw up, they're like, "Oh no, she's gonna destroy everything." There was this this note that when she first went to go see Scargo, he's obviously this this big dean of this big academy and stuff, and or he's actually a leader. And so when she comes there, they're like, oh, well, he's, he's like really busy. They don't know that this is technically her mother or uh, the guy's mother. And so they're like, they turn her away. And so when they find out that, that she was turned away, they freak out like, holy crap, they turned mom away. (laughs) She's going to do something drastic or something like that. So they like extremely fear her because she was, again, this really powerful uh, player back in the day. But anyways, my, my thoughts on the show, when, when I first, the first episode, to be honest, I didn't like. Like I, I figured it was going to be very laid back, very, very. I'm not going to say poorly animated, but just not much budget put into the show. It just felt like it was going to be a throwaway show about just having fun in Isekai, and it, it really felt like I, I, I was almost a little bit put off by the fact that they were going out of the way to kind of avoid what seemed like a very serious subject matter. This idea that she was bedridden for her entire life, she was on life support, and then suddenly she's in this other world, and it, and it, and in any case, like, she brings up this little mascot thing she calls Key, which is, like, this, 
like the player's mascot character that will tell them about stuff and the things like, yeah, I, I noted a power outage, so you might be dead kind of thing. And she's like, oh, that, that sucks. So anyways, let's go get some food. <laughs> it's like, are we going to get in? Are we going to get into this? Like, it feels like this kind of is a bad thing. But second episode and onward, I really did fall in love with the show because yes, it doesn't feel like it wants to get stuck in heavier subjects, but it dabbles in it. It gives it just enough of that subject to get an idea what it kind of impacts the character and it kind of moves on. And I think that's kind of the point. And it, and it really did solidify it a lot with her meeting, uh, going to the first tower. Because again, her starting off, the only missions that she really has, like her only goal that she really has set before her is, well, is there other players here? Well, okay, obviously 200 years has passed and that's kind of weird, but it could have been updated. It could have just, this game world could have been updated to be 200 years later. So she's going to these towers. She finds the first tower. The first tower is like, yeah, it's been 200 years. The person that owned this tower has not been here. My mana is low. And so she gives her some mana and becomes the new master of it. But then she immediately kind of goes into a shell. Like, even if I find out, even if I find all these towers, it doesn't matter because there's no other players. She's alone. She feels alone at that point. So she kind of goes up in a ball. But it still kind of gets goofy around it because Scargo shows up and everything. And then immediately after that, she's eating food and Cartots finds her. And she's like, yeah, I was a little bit bummed for a little bit, but then I got hungry. So I went out and ate and then I realized it doesn't matter. And then she, at that point, establishes it, that stuff doesn't matter because I can't control it. What's imp- important right now is that I actually have a family. And I kind of I kind of like the fact that I have a family here. She immediately like embraces Cartots. Like, this is her new purpose. She doesn't know what's going on. She can't control it. But at least these people are her family. And it kind of dra- it kind of gravitates towards that. And again, following that, getting to the idea that, you know, now I don't really... When she sees people die around her, she doesn't like it. These, are, these aren't just NPCs to her anymore. These are her existence. Now, granted, I feel like it, <laughs> it dashed that a little bit by the idea that she immediately, following her being disgusted by NPCs dying around her, she immediately blasts this guy and frees him into 50 million pieces, chunks of flesh. But it was still the idea that it's getting into, which is that these people around her are important. And it, it again, not too heavy on the idea. And for that reason, I've, I've been enjoying it. Like every every week, this is another show that I'm extremely excited to watch because it just does everything right. The The interaction, I, I think the, the golden nugget within the show is her family. I really love, I mean, the first introduction to Cartods, and he immediately turns around and goes, Mom, and then kind of just falls over like, oh, crap, I wasn't really expecting that kind of reaction, and I wasn't really ready for it. <laughs> and again, the whole idea of Mai Mai and Scargo being completely terrified of Kaina and their family that they're trying – well, Mai Mai has a family. Uh, all that stuff is really a lot of fun. I really do enjoy the interactions that come from that. Like, Mai Mai and Scargo getting in a fight, and she immediately shows up, and she's like – by the way, we have something to talk about. What I tell you about, you know, using magic to have your disputes. And so she just starts wailing into them. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I really do like, I, I typically don't really enjoy whenever shows have that, the quote unquote, my first baby stories where it's this idea of they don't really have a child, but a child shows up and then it becomes their child. And so they have to deal with the aspects of being a, a parent. This one's doing it in a different way, and I really do like how they're doing it, because technically she's alone, and these are kind of adopted children, but there's a chemistry there that I think they're pulling off really well. And and, it, and it's sprinkling in 
different changes to Kaina and how she deals with people around her that I think will probably turn into something really good. So it has me really excited for what they can get into the future. So the idea that possibly being maybe a split core or something later on does have me excited, but we'll see. We'll see what they can manage to pull off with this, with this one single core. But so far I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Rough first episode, but I'm enjoying it. So yeah. In the land of the Dale. Slow Loop. This one is streaming on Funimation running for 12 episodes. Studio is Connect. Source is a manga. Genres are Slice of Life and Sports. Director is Noriaki Akitaya, who did Cast on Dandelion, Active Raid, Are You the Only One That Loves Me. Uh, the series composition by Yuka Yamada, who did dra- uh, Maid Dragon, uh, Ahara Ride, Nananbiori, and Wataten. So, solid people working on it. This one opens up following a girl named Hiori, and Hiori is doing fly fishing. Uh, this was something that was taught to her by her late father. Unfortunately, uh, we established very quickly that she's kind of to herself and that she, you know, misses her father that has passed away um, to how they translate it, a popular illness. I've never had that one before. It's usually a mysterious illness. This one was a popular illness. But anyways, I'm, I'm detracting from the seriousness of it. At some point, some girl named Koharo shows up and she immediately wants to jump into the ocean. She's like, no, stop. You can't you can't just jump in there. <laughs> Uh, but Koharu immediately starts getting interested in Hiyori's fly fishing. She's like, what are you doing? It looks really cool. Can I learn how to do it? And so the two of them are f- fishing together. Eventually, they they you know slice up the fish and eat it. And they have a lot of fun together. But eventually, Hiyori's like, oh, crap, I got to go. Um, I'm, I'm going with my mother to meet my new, uh, my new father and their family. And Kohara's like, oh yeah, that's that's a coincidence. I'm doing that too. I'm gonna meet my new sister and and my new and my new uh, mother. So yeah, uh, it just so happens they're actually new sisters. They're actually you know their parents are wedding uh, because their parents have lost somebody significant and now they're marrying into a new family. And so kind of starts this whole thing with these two new sisters and their enjoyment of fishing and kind of dabbling a little bit into their loss of their their family members and kind of finding strength within each other. Eventually they meet Koi, or at least Hiori uh, introduces Koharu to Koi, who is this other girl that uh, her father is like big into fishing and they have a a fishing shop, but she's always having to run it, unfortunately. (laughs) And the issues that she has with her father and kind of the past that she's had with Hiori, how when Hiori lost her father, Koi feels like she wasn't really she didn't have the words to give to Hiori, so she has a little bit of regrets there and um yeah that's kind of a the deal so far with with slow loop so your thoughts this one is an interesting show um i've i to get it out of the way i have very much enjoyed it um the kind of uh slice of life aspect and the kind of more um i don't want to say melodrama it's 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 just at this this level of just kind of um, maintaining this, um, this aspect of dealing with, um, loss, um, and dealing with, um, with like Andrew had mentioned regrets and stuff like that. There's a, there's a lot of acceptance in this show of accepting, accepting the loss and, and, and finding new connections. And I've, I really have enjoyed that about this show. It, it really does balance that very well, keeping the slight, this more lighthearted feel to it and still dealing with some, some, some more heavier subjects. Um, I very much love the way that they have um, uh, reflected on um, these kind of connections and, and how, how important those are to handling um, 
loss. And I've and and that's one of the things that I think is 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 where the show really shines. The going into fly fishing and and giving yourself something outside of um what you're what you have to kind of find a way to um to fix that injury for a lack of a better term. And so that's that like I said I I very much have enjoyed this um in in that respect. Yeah, this is probably easily one of my favorite shows this season. But, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> I hate the show too because it hurts. It hurts to watch. And it was it was interesting because at some point, uh, one of my live streams, we were talking about Slow Loop, and I, I hesitate to recommend it. And that's and that's really partly to do with you know my own personal experiences. It it, it obviously he already has lost her father, and so me having lost my father, it's hard when those scenes come up. It, it wrecks me. Like, every single episode, the moment that she starts thinking about her father, it obviously hurts me. And it, so it is one of those things where I feel like if it's if you have a loss that's very fresh, you're going to have that, that feeling of kind of relatability. But at the same time, the show itself is very positive. It's trying to heal those wounds. It's, it's showing the wounds. You're obviously going to feel those wounds as well. But it's showing how somebody gets over those wounds and moves on with their life. And it's constantly, you know, of course, going to be reflecting on that. Well, at the same time, being a cute girl is doing cute things. And I and I think it's doing a really good job of balancing the two. But I do feel like, yes, maybe once an episode or maybe once every, every other episode, it feels like there's maybe one episode where it didn't really hit on it too much. But it feels like it, it takes a moment every now and then to kind of reflect on that. Because obviously their their love their loved ones they've lost are important to them. Um, obviously, a lot of the focus in the earlier episodes is on Hiori and her loss of her father, but it's here recently started getting into the fact that uh, Koharu has obviously lost something as well. She lost her mother and her little brother to a car accident, so they're probably going to start hitting on to how she technically uh, deals with that. Obviously, she's super hyper genki, and so it seems like she does, it doesn't really bother her. But it wasn't here recently until we see. Oh yeah, by the way. Whenever her father went to work, she was alone, and now she's able to be with Hiori. So it's starting to dabble into it, but it, it's it's significant enough that I feel like it's it's one of those things where it's balancing the two of them. It's it's fun, cutesy, let's have fun and come together, but at the same time, it's reflecting on it and trying to heal. And so that that is that is where I get my hesita- hesitation because me personally, it, it literally shatters me every episode. I'm like crying, like crap, this show. I don't like this, but I love it at the same time. But I think the thing that always kind of keeps it going is that 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 little branch of healing and coming together and bonding and recovering together, finding that, yes, always having that connection to your past, which I think for Hiori is the fly fishing. I was When I she was, mentioned to Koharu the idea of, well, I'm going to learn another fishing methods because I think that'll be easier for you to learn. It's like, no, that fly fishing, that's that's your connection. That's the thing that always reminds you of the one you love and you really should never get rid of that um and it seems like she's not really even though she said that she was gonna learn another method it seems like they're still doing fly fishing so uh it doesn't seem like she the one that i think the one thing that surprised me the most was probably koi i love i love koi koi is fantastic because they've already done so much with her too i think they've done more with koi than anybody else which is very surprising it seemed like she was gonna be a side character to kind of pull in but it's already getting into her and her difficulties with her father the fact that she's always kind of hated her father but yet she at some point acknowledges how great her father is uh, again getting into how she could have stepped forward when he already had lost her father but she didn't because she didn't she didn't feel like whatever she said would not help 
but then she realizes Koharu is helping Hiori, and she she has this moment of like almost jealousy, but also regret at the same time, and like, well, I can't do anything now. But then Koharu's like, no, get up. <laughs> okay, I guess I can do something now. Uh, it, it is doing it so fantastic. Like this show is just on so many levels, so much more than a cute girl doing cute things. And, I, and, and honestly, at face value, I thought that's what this is going to be. Oh, let's see. Cute girls doing fishing. This will be fun. I had zero, <laughs> zero expectation for them to really... Because typically whenever you have shows like this where, you know, uh, there's there's quite a few shows out there where, you know, parents marry again after losing their loved ones and, you know, girlfriend becomes sister or uh, friend becomes uh, sibling. But never in kind of keeping to acknowledging that loss. So... All all signs point that I was expecting this to be just a generic, but I'm perfectly fine with cute girls doing cute things, but it's become so much more to it. Now, again, I can probably attribute to the relatability of it, but in, in, in any sense, I think I would probably still be emotional because you realize just how much these characters are hurting and and how much they've not really been able to have the life that they should have had as children. I mean, that was something they hit on very early with Koharu is like she never really had that experience that she should have had, and now she has it with Hiori. And again, Hiori with, with Koharu. And I love that connection. I love that relatability that these two have with each other that are discovering over time and hitting on that and that healing that's happening and accepting a new family. I think that's something else they're hitting on is this idea that at some some, some point, I think on the, the third episode, they hit on the idea of, you know, isn't it weird to have this strange new woman in your house, Koharu? And then Koharu's like, well, isn't it weird to have this strange new guy in your house? It's acknowledging the idea that, you know, you, 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 you don't have to accept these people, but they're kind of there. And that it's okay to kind of accept them. They don't have to be a replacement, but they can be, they could still be in your life. I do love that. Like everything about this show, I'm absolutely loving. The characters are fun. The comedy's great. Um, I thought Kohara would be obnoxious Genki, but she's, she's kind of, she, they're keeping her at a really good level. Just very good hearted type of character so yeah i'm loving it to death it's definitely one of my favorites of the year and or the season i guess year technically because we haven't had the rest of the year (laughs) but yeah i love it so looking forward to more of it even though it makes me cry a lot (laughs) yeah the 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 i i i I was going to toss in uh um and and then you kind of covered it the idea of um having this love hate and she doesn't really do the, the, the hate side of it, but the, but there is that anguish involved in having this. Um, and maybe they'll, they'll, they'll talk about it at some point that that would be a really cool thing to, to deal with is this, um, anguish of having this thing that you have a connection with. We, uh, in, in our particular situation would be video games, uh, with, with, um, with my dad or, or going out and, and doing, doing stuff, uh, uh, anytime crafting building, stuff, yeah, yeah. building vehicles, yeah. Video games. Pretty much it's, it's that, that's, that's our connection and, and we love video games. So it's, it's one of those things of, it, it get the right right video game and it's 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 kind of a you know tearful moment um of of i love this game but at the same time it, i have a huge connection with my dad it would probably be zelda for me and uh in particular i don't know if i um, told you but when i was over at our brother's place in california i i found um i i opened up our old uh it was a the a game boy advance sp the full the full type i opened it up and 
surprisingly, the battery still worked and it just fired right on. And sure enough, it was like the loading screen of like Final Fantasy, one of the Final Fantasies. And I started oh, it up gosh. and one of the characters was named Dadoki. And I'm like, oh, that hurt. man, <laughs> he, he always made fun of the fact that I had this this doll, which is um, of Ryoki, which is one of the cabots from uh, Tenchi Moyo. And he's always kind of gravitated to that Oki part that uh, Kenoki or Ryoki. So he just called his characters Dadoki. So, yeah, that was uh, was a uh, yeah. That's Dad's. That's Dad's save right there. And it's it, it's one of those things of of that like like we were saying. It, there's this 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 moment of I I I love I love that I'm I'm actually tearing up right now. Um, I love that that I have that connection to my dad. But it will always be something that um, I I will have that connection through that thing with him. And so yes, it while i have both that that hurt at the same time it's something that i will continue to love through the rest of my life and that's that's one of those things that that comes out of this show where you see that um her play uh doing the fly fishing and 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 spreading that to somebody else um she'll have that connection to the new person that will help her go into the future with that that thing that she loves that she loved with her dad and they keep showing that where um with these kind of quick flashbacks of her remembering um being on the boat with her dad so it's one of those things that's really really a beautiful thing that they they do portray in the show and i think that's the important thing is it's it's portraying it so well like it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel overdone it doesn't feel like it's melodramatic (laughs) yeah it doesn't it, it it and that's that's a credit to be given to it what what thing are we not mentioned that i think it's pulling off technically because you don't mention it it's not jarring it's never jarring. It never feels like the 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 mood swings around like crazy, which it could easily do. So, yeah, it, it's pulling it all really well off. So, slow loop, definitely a treasure. Miss Kuroitsu from the Monster Development Department, or Kaijin Kaihatsu Bu no Kuroitsu-san. This one's streaming on Crunchyroll, running for 12 episodes, done by Studio Quad. Sources of manga, genres are comedy, fantasy. Director is uh, Hisashi Saito, who did Haganai and Sister New Devil, and series composition by Katsuhiko Takayama, who did Feature Diary, Anoa Zero, Big Order, and Sagrada Reset. This one follows Toka Kuroitsu, as the title implies, and she is a part of the monster development department for the Agastia uh, group, which is a group... Amongst many other groups, it seems like, that are trying to take over the world. So, in this world, there are superheroes. Um, think, like, Kamen Rider. Think, uh, your, you know... Uh, magical blanking. Girls? Yeah, they actually introduced Magical Girls here recently, which I didn't really think they were going to get into. But, <laughs> but no, I was thinking of, like, Super Sentai-type stuff. Uh, but, yeah. So, there's tons of heroes in this world. And, again, there's tons of companies that are all trying their hardest to take over the world. And like I said, Agastia is one such particular company. And again, Toka is part of this this development department that's trying to make monsters to send out and take down the heroes. So, and and, and kind of the the whole shtick with here is that it's very business like in that regard, where you do have you know obviously deadlines that are having to be kept. There's regulations that they and stipulations they put on the particular monster development. They have all these goals and restrictions that they have to deal with and all the departments they have to kind of work alongside 
all to eventually send out a wolf boy girl. <laughs> and that wolf boy girl has to take out the bad guy. And sometimes it, it well, it always doesn't work out. And again, Koritsu has a lot of stresses and issues that she has to face that she's kind of getting over just to get that done. So your thoughts? One of the things that I absolutely love about this show is its mundane life uh, side. The um, what what Andrew was kind of mentioning the idea of the budgets, the the uh, the fact that the the evil comp- quote unquote evil company is um, into all kinds of different things. Um, the the fact that she, after after work she goes she goes to the corner store and it just so happens that the corner store uh, uh the the uh masked rider guy is actually um the one that's serving her I I, I love that kind of goofy spoiler goofy aspects of this this um this show it's 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 one of those weird things where um having that as its comedy works really well. Um, the downside is, is on the flip side where they're actually doing kind of the, um, where they're doing the actual scenes. It, it's, it's so much of a letdown in, in a lot of cases, which it, I guess in a way is probably, a, a a tribute to its comedy is the fact that because of the, um, the lack of budget. She can't. Um, she can't make a Hydra girl really well. It's they it's, will never implement the venom. The, exactly, it's the it, whole it, idea it, of it. And they never implement the venom. They keep <laughs> giving her heads, but they won't give her venom. Now, now, like I said, to, to to its to its credit, that's the comedy. And and I, so in in one respect, I love the the comedy, and on the other side, it's like. I want to see her actually succeed. <laughs> it's 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 this weird. Well, that's why they can't give Wolf Boy the right armor to fight. With. <laughs> exactly. So in, in in a lot of ways, I've I've very much enjoyed this show. Uh, there's there's so many goofy things that I do love about it. Its mundane nature is um is absolutely fantastic. I love the fact that it is um what I've been actually clamoring for for a while of this kind of um the seeing the opposite side of these shows and how they're actually how the 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 side actually works so the the um the recruiter calling up this this girl and saying hey do you want to go and uh do this no i don't want to do that no more well i've got food well i am kind of hungry so i guess i'll go and do it one more time that kind of stuff is 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 really well done. I've I've absolutely enjoyed that side of it. The foot soldiers that always get blown away really easily yeah. in fights are actually just you know part timers. <laughs> no, I, I really want to like this show, but it just doesn't really work for me ninety three percent of the time. I'm not gonna say ninety two percent. Ninety three percent of the time, it just doesn't work for me, and I. And that's my struggle that I have with it. It's like there is these little nuggets in it that I really like, but for the most part, I'm always typically bored watching the show. Not really bored watching the show, just not really into it. And that's that's the unfortunate thing. Like the first episode, I wasn't really it didn't really work for me. I mean, I like the whole idea of the Wolf Boy and how it seemed like the boss uh, Akashik, who basically is the leader of Agastia, 
she'll like find her so it's like the hydra the fact that the hydra is a cute little girl they don't even show up but i know what happened yeah like every time that this akashic girl walks into this leader walks into this development department she goes i want this fluffy i want this to be he the they were making the wolf boy and he was like super strong and buff and everything and then apparently at some last minute moment she came in and said i want to be a cute uh, wolf girl so they end up making it into a, a wolf girl and so he's really mad because he's developed his mind and trained his mind having a male body and suddenly i know where he's in a cute girl's uh, wolf girl's body uh with the the crazy thunderbird thing it was like this crazy mecha cra- gundam looking thing and then suddenly by the end she says i want a big fluffy chicken and like i said i can assume what happened to hydro is she probably wanted a cute girl it th- those things like that I, I really got a kick out of I, I got to, again, I, a lot of my enjoyment, especially like the second episode and onward is I do like the aspect of the business side of things and how you can take these very, what seem like very threatening people that are obviously trying to take over the world. And suddenly they are in business suits, trying to handle business like stuff with other companies that are all technically trying to take over the world. It's a lot of fun in that regard. Megastia, Megastus is, is hilarious. I like this idea of this, you got this crazy mask on in the hood, but he's technically like a businessman. He's got a very business mind. Uh, a lot of that stuff's really fun. Like the, the business trip and everything was great, but like a lot of the other stuff, like this whole long segment of putting cannon Thunderbird thing together was, was boring. Cause it's technically them just going from department to department and talking about regulations and having to remake it and remake it and remake it. It, it's, it makes sense. And it's kind of funny, but at the same time, I don't know if I need a long segment about it. So I don't know, like it, it seems to miss the mark for me a lot. Um, the inclusion of the magical girls does, does kind of boost up a little bit. Cause I think it was, it gets a little bit too stuck in the super Sentai stuff and the fan service for super Sentai fans, uh, which honestly, I don't really, doesn't really work for me too much. Cause it's not as if I watch a lot of super Sentai stuff, but I'm sure super Sentai fans probably love it and eat it to death. Um, it's not really necessarily a new idea, a new concept because I mean, we had Vesda plot and we've had other I, the one thing that shows our storytellers love doing right now is the bad guy's perspective, but I don't know. It's like I said, it just, it just, it doesn't work for me most of the time, but it's not as if I'm bored watching this show. It's just, it's a, it's a struggle for me to really kind of get through it because most of the show isn't really that entertaining. It's just, there's these little segments where it does something that I think is, is funny or interesting, uh, twists on the whole, I guess, formula of super Sentai and bad guys and stuff. So, it's a mixed bag. Definitely a mixed bag, but um, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> so, Miss Kuritsu, definitely check that out if that's interesting to you. Life of an Ordinary Guy Who Reincarnated into a Toll Fantasy Knockout, or Fantasy Bishoujo Juniku Ojisan To. This one's streaming on Crunchyroll, running for I don't know how many episodes. Uh, studio is OLM Team Yoshioka. The source is a manga, and the genres are adventure, comedy, and fantasy. And this one follows Tachibana and Jinjuji, and they are in our modern times, Japan. And it kind of points out the fact that Tachibana is a very normal, standard guy, very middle of the road, doesn't really have that much of a pill to him, but he's not technically an unappealing person. But he's always been with his friends since, I think, middle school or something, uh, Jinjuji, and Jinjuji is pretty much the knockout. He's the guy that all the girls fawn over, the guy that all the girls want. And so that's unfortunate for Tachibana because 
he feels like he is never going to find a wife because he, he at some point says, I need to get Jinjunji to, you know, bag a girl and get married because I'm never going to get married unless this guy gets married and all the attention does is no longer on him, which I'm sure it'll probably still be on him. But <laughs> after some point, after they have a, you know, they don't, what do you mean? They don't just randomly get uh, ugly. After there's a ring on him. I <laughs> oh, cannot touch this guy. Um, but anyways, after like a, them going out and drinking and everything like that. Uh, Tachibana is just kind of flat on the ground, drunk, and he's talking about how, you know, I just, I just wish I was reborn as a beautiful woman. Like, I guess the kinds, the idea is if, if you can't have the best woman, you might as well become the woman. And he, he wants to be the most beautiful woman, the most ideal woman that even the women, I guess, want. And this goddess appears. Well, the other thing that happens is Jinjuji's like, you know, if I had a wish, I just want to get this guy home. I mean. Jinjuji really likes Tachibana. Like he, Tachibana is like his oasis. He says, "Like this is the guy that I can always feel comfortable with." Whenever he's with women, he's kind of always uncomfortable. He doesn't really trust women, and it seems like Tachibana is like his oasis. And so he's like, "I just want to get this guy home. You know, I want to get him home safe and everything." And then this goddess appears, <laughs> goddess of love and beauty, shows up, and she's like, "Hey, is that guy dead? I, I want to kind of transport you guys. Oh, he's not dead. Okay, well, I'll just shoot him." <laughs> So this is like, I, I guess you can give this story credit for having a unique uh, isekai. Typically, it's Chuck Coon, or it's walking through a portal, or it's falling asleep, or it's peeing yourself with a with a tr- uh, tractor coming <laughs> tractor towards you. Coming towards you. Um, this one was like literally the goddess is like, I, I need to reincarnate you guys. You're not dead yet. Let me kill you. <laughs> so like literally, the reincar- reincarnation is the goddess killing you. But anyways, she transports them, and uh, not before Jinjiji says that she's, like, an LED goddess or something like that. Like, she has the halos around her are not, like, special. They're just LEDs. Um, but she transports them and uh, is apparently very upset at Jinjiji. Says, you know, I'm going to curse you guys to have to go take out this demon lord here. And if you can defeat the demon lord, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, correct things. Because we find out Tachibana has been turned into a girl. And the the ideal girl that he was he was seeking so much so kind of it starts there they they kind of are a little bit uh, thrown off by the whole situation but they're like you know look let's just get let's just go take out this demon lord and then hopefully then we'll get you we'll get Tachibana back to his normal body because the thing that they're finding out really quickly is that there's attraction there Jinjuji this guy that's never seen any girl as being attractive or anything is suddenly finding himself attracted by Tachibana who's now in a girl's body and. Tachibana is now suddenly realizing Jinjuji is like this tall and very handsome and 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 reliable guy. And so they're they're constantly conflicted and they kind of assume that it's probably the curse that she put on them, but they're not really quite sure and they don't want to admit to it because and they don't want to, you know, creep their friend out they've known since middle school and yeah, shenanigans happen. So the other kind of funny thing is they realize their their abilities are really weird. Um, obviously, Tachibana has become the ideal girl, but also Jinjuji got his wish and that the fact that he wants to take Tachibana home because he has a skill that will literally create a door to take Tachibana home. <laughs> so the skills and everything are kind of warped and weird in this world. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically the shtick so far. So Tachibana is the irresistible female in this world and Jinjuji is just super overpowered and getting Tachibana home. Your thoughts? I have absolutely loved the absurdity of the show. Um, from from the get go, um, the like Andrew had mentioned, the 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 goddess of love and beauty um, coming in to to isekai them, and Junji can't help but insult her in every way, shape, or form. And 
it, it, there, there's just so many goofy aspects to this show. I, it, it's one of those things that the, the, um, to, to, to give you a, an, an even bigger, uh, uh, notice of why i'm so excited about the show is after watching like three or four episodes of this show and and seeing all the goofy hijinks that these these characters get into um knowing that in the future there's going to be a kirito of some sort i can't wait to see what they do with this character there's so much Wait, what schwartz von Lichtenstein? yeah the, the schwartz von looks i didn't know that was his name but <laughs> i neither uh, until i looked it up on my own but yeah, but he's obviously very much so. Well, no, they showed they 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 showed a peak of him at the end of this last episode. Did so they? Hopefully, the next episode they'll have him. It, 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 it's stuff like I hope that. He's, I I hope he's a total parody of Shikito. Yeah, like exactly. Kito. He looks exactly he's like Kito. You know, weapon. he's you know Hair. that's what he's going for. So it's like I can't wait to see them parody this into the ground with everything that they've done so far. Um of making fun of the overpowered character Junji is is overpowered and so they're constantly trying to kind of uh chill out on on what he does um and then you've got Tachibana as as this character who is is so over the top uh gorgeous that they're they they walk into an area and while there's absolute chaos from uh, bandits raiding a town, every one of the bandits randomly starts uh, confessing love and 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 asking for marriage, and then on top of that, saying this is how many kids I want, and it, and it's like it, it's just craziness. And then Junji walks in, and then suddenly he gets charmed by by uh, Tachibana, and and he just goes nuts on everything. It, I just love how crazy the show has been so far. We well, showed his chest. <laughs> he needs to cover up. Now that's I think that's the, the thing I enjoy most about it. It's just over the top goofy, and it's and again, it's not too much like something like uh, Fruit of Evolution that I'm not you know I'm off put by it. It's it's it keeps itself calm enough that I I don't get lost in it. And a lot of the comedy is really fantastic. I've I've really been enjoying pretty much everything they've kind of laid out for it. And a lot of that really is around Tachibana and Junji, uh, Junjiji's kind of goofiness together. Because Tachibana at some point starts to want to get Jinjuji to acknowledge that he is, you know, appealing. Because, he, again, he wants to see if the charming, how the charming thing works and if he'll, you know, admit to it so that he can suggest the idea that it's the curse. Again, they don't want to admit both sides. Um but Jinjuji is really cool too, and he's got that aspect of yeah. When he realizes that Tachibana is you know showing too much cleavage, he literally just takes him and chucks him. <laughs> like it's not like cover yourself up. It's not like you know avert your eyes and act like you didn't see it. It's literally like cover yourself up and chucks him. <laughs> just chucks him into the bandit camp. It's just absolutely good. And it, and I was kind of surprised because I I think I'm I agree I agree with you with with the whole possible Kirito parody character because. When they introduced the next character, which was uh, Tito Lito, what the hell you, how you say that, the elf, I really wasn't sure what they were going to do with it. I was assuming it was going to be another Isekai that was made into a knockout beauty, but it ends up just being somebody that just thinks everybody should, you know, praise her because everybody obviously thinks that she's beautiful. And <laughs> she's literally mad because the entire village or the entire forest is burnt down and they're, they're, Sacred Beast has been killed. Oh, by the way, it was Junjuji that <laughs> just punched a whole one pun. They keep pointing that out. The one pun, uh, the one punch of killing it, and it's just it turns into this really goofy thing where they're she's obviously really mad. She wants to kill them because Tachibana is more beautiful, and everybody selects her over her. 
and it just turns into this whole goofy thing where he nearly kills her with this rock because he doesn't know how powerful he is. And it, it's like, okay, cool. So they've shown me that they can introduce new characters and it's going to spice it up. Because obviously my fear that I had with the early few episodes was like, okay, this is really funny, but is it going to get old? I, I, I just, I feel like this could get old, but they keep kind of mixing it up and they keep adding things into it to keep it, uh, you know, refreshed. Uh, all, can I also acknowledge the fact that uh, technically the goddess is Rikajimia and I, it sucks because she's not around. Like she just, she, she shows up at the very beginning. She disappears. Um, obviously the elf is obsessed with her because that's like the goddess of love and beauty. And she, so she praises her, but like this one segment that she got, she gets angry at Jinjiji and Tachibane, obviously. And she gets really mad and starts saying that she's going to curse them and everything like that. And I'm like, there's the Rikajima I haven't heard in so long. Obviously Rikajima is in other shows. Like she's Chloe and, in um, the case of Yvonne Tosh. She's, so she's on, she's on other shows, but she's always kind of like side characters or back characters. And so when I got this brief angry Rikajimi, I was like, oh man, nobody I, can I afford that. her for anything else. <laughs> I missed this. Like this was technically the old Sundere type of Rikajimi where she gets really mad and she gets that little rasp in there. And I was like, oh, I miss her so much. I wonder if she just doesn't do that kind of stuff because her voice can't take anymore or anything. I don't know. But um, yeah, I'm loving it so far. It's It's been a lot of fun. Um, it's not it's not laugh out loud all the time, but it, it's it's doing a, it's doing it enough. So I've been really enjoying it. So looking forward to more of that one. But yes, life with an ordinary guy who is reincarnated into a totally fantasy knockout. The worst translation title ever. Orient is our next one. This one's streaming on Crunchyroll. Uh, being done by Studio ACGT, running for twelve episodes. The source is a manga. The genres are action fantasy. The director is Tatsuya. Yana Gisawa, who did High School DxD, and the creator obviously is Shinobu uh, Otaka, who did Magi and Sumomomomomomomomo. But yeah, this one takes place in this area where in of Hinamoto, which essentially one day demons appeared, these Onis appeared, and they start taking over the land. And these more powerful ones, Kishins, um, were pretty much unstoppable. And these people known as the Bushi were the only ones that could stand up against them. But unfortunately, the lands pretty much got taken over by the Oni. And it kind of cuts forward in time. And we meet a guy named Musashi who is currently trained to become a miner. And he's got this big old pickaxe and he's doing a really good job. And at some point, you kind of get the idea that this entire area is kind of filled with propaganda. That all these people, this village, are being taught on a daily basis that the Bushi were the terrible people of the past. Like, the Oni just wanted to help the mankind, they just wanted to take over and help mankind, but the Bushi were the ones that led for them to have, you know, years and years worth of battles that were unnecessary. So, anybody that was, like, a descendant of the Bushi, which we find out Kojaro, which is Musashi's friend, is a descendant of a Bushi. He's, you know, forced to carry his sword everywhere, and people throw tomatoes at him and stuff, claiming that he was the bloodline of Bushi who caused years of war, and eventually, at some point, Musashi realizes, you know, I don't want to become a miner to serve under the Oni. I want to be a Bushi because him and Kojiro was trained by a previous Bushi. And so they want to, you know, go out and slay Oni and reclaim the land from the Oni of Hinamoto. And at some point, Musashi goes to his, you know, he's he's graduating. He's becoming, you know, a, a successful miner. And they take him up in this upper chamber area where... Yeah, sure enough, the big reveal. <laughs> All these Oni are standing around forcing the humans to mine up ore so they could eat it and just killing humans left and right without even thinking. And so, 
He springs in action. Kojiro joins him. They fight against these Onis until Akishin shows up and he's like super OP. And then a big old band of Bushi show up to help them take down the Bushi. You have to kill this core, obviously. There's always a core that you have to destroy. <laughs> and Musashi's uh, and like a little upset in the idea that these guys just showed up and took away his first Kishin kill. He's like a little mad about it, but it kind of is his driving force to go on to the world and become a Bushi and create a band of Bushi to take down bad guys. It, it kind of emphasized the idea of not just being out and being a Bushi, but really creating a band of Bushi because there's bands of Bushi about this world that are groups of Bushi that fight together. So there's a little, there's a little emphasis on the idea of partnerships and, and a group. So and I think we just found our last member of the Bushi team. Finally, <laughs> yeah, right. finally, finally she shows up. Uh, I think it's uh, Ri Taka, uh, Takashi. Yeah, I think it was Taha- Takahashi. Um, Takagi-san voice. Yeah, it seems it, her her voice definitely seemed familiar. Your thoughts? Uh, if you watch it. Oh yeah, I watched. It's it. Magi creator. You gotta oh, yeah. watch it. Mm-hmm. Here's well, my. Th- I'm curious your perspective from an, a Magi fan because I'm I'm half tempted at this point just to drop this and go watch Magi. I almost would say yes. Um, <laughs> I I here's here's my frustration. I I I do. I'm at this point right now it, that I I almost feel like I I don't want to say. Um, I don't want to make it sound like Magi is is bad opening. It, but at the same time, what I want I want to make very clear is I feel very similar to how I felt about Magi, where the first few episodes I wasn't really sure about. Um, but at some point, uh, in in Magi, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I really can get on board with this, and I really really like this. This one is almost the same way, but it seems like it started out a very much a lower level where I'm, I really did not like the, the beginning first few episodes. I, they, it was so, I'm not sure about this show. Um, I'm not, I'm barely on board with, uh, with Musashi. They have not done anything with, uh, Kodoro, which technically he's the one who's gotten more. Oh, Kodoro's had all more yeah all the development and that's that's the thing is like musashi i don't really care about kojiro i don't really feel like i got got anything out of sumugi has just been in, introduced so i i'm hoping that we'll get a little bit more out of her but at the same time it's like i'm i'm waiting for my hook and and that's my my biggest frustration is what what do you have to um to give me to make me want to actually go through your story the the Oni is kind of interesting, um, but you're you're the he, the 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 writer's holding back so much. Um, what 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 is the ultimate goal of these characters? What's going to yes the killing killing all the the Oni is 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 a great goal, but you're not you're you're not giving a giving something to for the the reader to go okay. I'm interested, and that's what uh, Magi did in uh, a lot quicker than this show. So, so understand, I do effectively trust this writer. I know that at some point there's going to be a point that I'm going to go, okay, this is what's what's cool about this this story. But at this moment right now, I don't have it. All I have is the characters, which two of them I'm not. I, I'm 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 just on the fence with, and and the other one it just came in. So. Take that for what it is. And I was curious if it would be the propaganda aspect, because technically in this world, the heroes are the bad guys. I don't know if that'll be the interesting aspect of it, is that these 
Musashi, Kojiro, and possibly Sugumi, obviously Sugumi, it, based on the intro. <laughs> are they going to be traveling across the world and suddenly they're going to go and say, okay, here's this bad Oni. Obviously, everybody in the town looks like they think that they're the greatest. The Oni will protect them and, and give them, you know, safety and, and everything they need. And then, obviously, they have to take out the Oni because the Oni is technically just using them. And then everybody will see them as, why did you do that to our Oni? Why did you do that to the thing that's keeping our town together. That's kind of where my assumption is that it's going to take it. Because again, the propaganda was so pushed on the idea that the Bushi were the bad guy. The Bushi led to the war for so long and everybody's happy now. So how will they, how will they end up kind of balancing that? It's going to be the big question mark. If that will be interesting. Um, I, I mean, I have my predictions on Sugumi, uh, her master possibly. Is he possibly an Oni disguise or Kishin disguise or, is again if he's just trying to make a ban and just steal from everybody else just to look like he is doing something significant because he obviously doesn't care for the lives of his people and that's that's technically was the first point which I started getting some interest in the show is around Sugumi and what she's dealing with it's it's yeah. kind of you know messed up at the same time but she's obviously being extremely manipulated by this guy and what will possibly come from that it, it, that's probably my big hang, uh, hook right now is is I'm, what they're I'm, doing with her but. I'm really hoping that that that's going to be the hook point is 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 this this what they just introduced at the end. But like I said, it just introduced it. But I mean, they've already technically laid out the formula of the show itself. I just don't know if that's enough for me to care. It just really feels like a formula of take out Onis. And there might be some. And so I guess the, the thing is that since they've already pre-established what the roadmap is, which is there is a hundred Kishin, which are the most powerful Oni. The one Oni that they, or the Kinshin they just fought, didn't go well for them. And so they're planning on taking out, you know, 99 more of these things or less, depending on how many Kishin have been killed um, so far. But so they, and the idea is to take out the Kishin, uh, gain the artifact that will, you know, give them the power they need, and then eventually reclaim Hinamoto and bring it back together. That's the, that's, that's the roadmap. They, they, they laid that out in a scroll. So it kind of lends itself the idea that, yes, at some point, they're probably going to get artifacts. At some point, they're going to get powered up. At some point, they're going to kill Kinshin. It's just how are you going to make that interesting in the stories that it tells during that journey? And again, Sugumi's story seems to be the, the, the first case where it's been interesting. And the first three episodes before that were just, again, that setup and Kojiro's backstory, which... It's kind of screwed up. The idea, again, the, the the shaming of the Bushi and how he's always been treated like an outsider his entire life was is kind of screwed up. But it wasn't enough. So we'll see. It's got. I definitely do enjoy... I think the one thing that always has driven me to want to go watch Magi is character designs. And I think they're really pulling it off with the character designs so far in this series. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is ACGT's not doing a very good job on the animation whatsoever. So... <laughs> The Kishin, what they did with the Kishin was interesting. Like, they did a good job of portraying his size half the time. Half the time, it made the, they made the, the Kishin look small, but then half the time, he was, like, ginormous. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a little rough on the animation side, but it's enough to keep it moving, at least, so. And, 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 and in, like in a day and age where all these shonens of the world right now are just pumping out animation, it, 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 it I guess my expectations are too high. <laughs> And like I said, I one of the things that I, I do want to emphasize is I trust this writer. I know that when the time comes, I will be totally and completely on board. 
And and maybe it is just in those artifacts. It's just one of those things is as it stands right now, the artifacts that I've seen so far is a kaleidoscope. That's if that's even an artifact that that, that was just what they implied it was. Yeah. How long was Banjai? And it's not done yet. It, um, what three cores and a um and a a side story, some beds uh, side story, which I like some bed, so I I really should go and watch that. Yep, that's uh, Orient. It was on Netflix, wasn't it? I think that's why you didn't watch it. Yeah, Love of Kills. Our next one, our Kodoshi Ai. This one is I don't sure how many episodes are going for. It's uh, being done by Studio Platinum Vision. The source is a manga, the genres are action romance, and the director is Hideaki Oba, who has been around for a long time, doing mostly children's shows, so interesting shift, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, um... This is, yeah, uh, talk about a shift! <laughs> a little bit of a shift. Uh, this one opens up following a girl named Chateau, or a lady Chateau. Uh, this lady named Chateau, who is currently, I don't know what the heck she was doing, I don't know if she was a bodyguard. She's a, bo- uh, a bounty hunter, I was going to tell you that. I missed the bounty hunter part, but That's I assumed it was her. a bounty hunter based on the idea yeah. that she eventually gets a target. But I think that that was lots of stuff. It it, it happened to be some somewhere because I the only thing I could think of was because I was l- listening to your video and I was like the entire time you kept talking about how you didn't know what she was. I'm like, didn't they say that the company was a a bounty hunting company or something like that? Her company is uh, bounty hunters, but hey. I and maybe I made something up out of out of nowhere, but that that's sense. what I got the impression of. That makes sense. I mean, that was my assumption. I just don't remember ever being specific said. But anyways, um, it kind of just opens up with her being in some parking garage, and it doesn't really specify what she's doing there. But yeah, you can assume it's because she's bounty hunting. Who knows? But anyways, <laughs> this guy named Ryung Han Shang, who is like this very well known uh, assassin, is pretty much in her path, and he takes her down or. He he takes her down and starts asking her a bunch of questions about herself and eventually kind of reveals, you know, look, uh, I'm kind of bad at this stuff, but I'm kind of hitting on you. <laughs> so thus begins kind of this thing between Chateau and this guy pretty much pursuing her, even though he is a, a, a really nasty assassin that kills lots and lots of people and really doesn't really, I guess, acknowledge life very well. <laughs> <laughs> like he'll 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 be ta- standing talking casually in an elevator where there's a dead body behind him that he just killed. That's that's the, that's how kind of used to death he is. But uh, there's something special about Chateau and the idea that at some point he notes that she doesn't smell putrid like other people do. There's like something about her that he is attracted to and he's not off put by versus everybody else that he's around, which he finds again putrid. Um, but yeah. That's that's kind of the the deal so far. At some point, they are hired, and Chateau is supposed to kill him, but then their the person hiring them gets killed by him. So <laughs> that that contract goes null. That that's, that's a good way to stop people from trying to kill you is just to kill the person that hires to kill you. Um, and then eventually, at some point, Chateau gains the interest of a group that finds that are claiming that Rung Ha Shong is a traitor of them. And so they're trying to get to him, and they realize that Chateau has been around him, so she's becoming basically a target of the people that want to kill him. So that's kind of where it's kind of at so far. I think you're an episode ahead of me, because I didn't, I didn't actually see her... Uh, that doesn't matter. 
It's I, been two episodes since she's been targeted. So um, I only two seen, episodes. I only behind. seen the I only seen the uh, spider web guy. So, um, it's I'm I'm really mixed on this show. I I don't much care for their in, uh, uh, song and Chateau's interplay. It. I think I I think what my issue is is probably the I hate to say it again but the top bottom problem he, he's he's being real pushy she's like uh she almost comes off as a bricks character and I I it, it's really starting to bother me um she has to have more to her than they're playing out at the beginning and maybe it's because of the fact that she's kind of a um a more subdued um cut off character that she doesn't she doesn't come off as um voicing an opinion or anything like that i i get that's her character archetype don't get me wrong the frustration is is that um because of the the her quote unquote character type she doesn't fit in the um in the position that they're putting her in, where she's obviously coming off as a pushy, um, uh, go into the middle of something type character, she's 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 playing two two sides of a coin that she's her character type does not portray. For instance, um, if you go um, if you follow any type of quote unquote Kudere, which is kind of, or, or, or a soulless doll, which is kind of the character type that they're playing her off as she's not the type of character that should be going out and actively pursuing. However, the, um, wow, it's doing something different than archetype. I, 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 that's a good, that's a plus. Good job. I, I'm, I'm, I'm praise. (laughs) The, 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 the manager of the the group that she's in, in uh, working for is flat out te- pointing out several times that she is going out of her way and doing things that she should not be doing, which is antithetical to the type of character that she should be. Ru Song uh, or uh, Song, what the 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 assassin guy who's actively pursuing her. Um, is constantly being pushy upon her, which is fits kind of fits the character that she is. So it, it, it's one of those things that Chateau honestly is, is, is my biggest hangup on this, this show. I don't, she's not working for me. And I, that I think is my biggest frustration with the show. Other than that, it's an interesting concept of the, the kind of star cross lovers. If, if you want to call Chateau a lover, she's, she, she just going wherever she wants. And I guess she, she doesn't like song at the moment. So we'll see. Um, I, 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 I'm mixed. Yeah. I'll just be, be done with it. I don't hate the show. Good. Yeah, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's unique. I, I, I think that my initial pill, the show was to hopefully have a very dark romance. Something that's very kind of more in the violent realm. And it's, it's definitely nailing the violence of the show. Like I said before, technically, Rang Ha's song is is very. <laughs> it, it doesn't really care too much about what he kind of does with people around him. Which I, I, I it's 
here's my big hope. It, there's a big, huge hope nugget out there. And as I'm watching the show, I'm like, I think there's something here that we can eventually get into that if we pop that hope bubble, it's going to do something really incredible. Because what they've established already is that, again, Rang Han Song is just really a nasty person. He's an extremely nasty person. He's a person that has killed a lot of people. It indicates that he was a part of a very, uh, a very you know, well-known group of mafia members. He betrayed them and got out of that. And now, again, he's technically around and killing a lot of people. And to show how dark he is, at some point, he goes... To and I don't, it didn't really indicate why he was there, but he was sleeping with his lady. And he knew immediately that there was a hitman outside. They were trying to drop his guard, essentially. And there was a hitman outside, and he takes out the hitman. And then he kidnaps the girl that was, again, technically supposed to be uh, distracting him. And then he throws her and the dead body into a storage container or a storage uh, room. And then uses the fact that he has them... To force Chateau to go on a date with him. That's how really twisted the quote-unquote romance is. This is his, him trying to pursue her. And again, I guess that goes back to the why that would be appealing and why she would say that she has this drop-off of them afterwards. I guess it would indicate the whole aspect of being a bounty hunter. Maybe those two were technically bounties for them. I don't know. Again, that's that whole aspect of... There's certain parts of it where it doesn't really feel like it wants to explain what they're doing, and they seem to be kind of significant to the mindset of the characters themselves. Yes, well, if they were technically super criminals, it would be fine for him to say, hey, look, I got these here, and they're going to make you some money. Do you want to take these people? Or was it because – and I guess this goes to your point on Chateau, and my frustration with Chateau is, was she really wanting to go along with him because there's a woman in that room – Next to a dead man, she wants to save that woman from that situation, or does she just want to take her in because she's a bounty? It doesn't it doesn't specify that kind of stuff, and that's that's where it gets struggling in how quiet Chateau is. But now, uh, uh, you know, different than what Chris's perspective of Chateau is, I see her as an extremely broken person. Yeah, <laughs> and so I my hope is eventually they're going to correct that, and we're going to see what she thinks because right now. We don't know because she won't talk. She won't really. She doesn't really talk at all, and you don't really get any inner dialogue of her um, at all. So you obviously know Rang Ha Song. He's very easy to get. He's twisted. He's a, he's kills a lot of people, and he doesn't care about. It, but he's fascinated by her. So we 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 understand Rang Ha in a sense. He's he's a very warped person. But from Chateau's perspective, we don't really know. Besides these little snippets. Of information we're getting at the end of each episode, which doesn't give you much. When you have a small snippet at the end of the episode, it's not much time to work with to really gather a character. And what they're trying to portray with Chateau is that they found her in a car abandoned in the middle of nowhere with somebody that was murdered. She obviously went to some sort of orphanage or something where eventually Rung Han possibly him met her. But other than that, we don't really know. Other than the fact that it seems like she's a very broken person that doesn't really understand people. So it, my nugget of hope at the end of this tunnel that I'm hoping they'll eventually get to to pop that little bubble is two extremely warped and broken people coming together, which I think is kind of interesting. It's a very, very different type of romance. I just think, again, a lot of it's going to rely on the idea, will they eventually bring Chateau out of her little bubble that she's in? 
and make her into a character because right now she's just very passive and she's very, I don't want, I don't want to say bricks because I think they're trying to explain her. I don't want to immediately say that she's a bricks character when they can eventually explain why she's quiet and why she's kind of going along with it. And again, make her open her mouth for more than two seconds. (laughs) I mean, her dialogue so far has been probably three lines. And we've been through like four episodes, so hopefully eventually we can get two more sentences out of her. So, no, my only hang-up right now is, yes, that that, ins- that unsureness that I have right now that I'm going to get that payoff, and then it's just going to be this the entire time. Um, my other frustration right now is Jim. The foreigner in, in Chateau's place that she works is extremely obnoxious. <laughs> It's obviously going for a foreigner. They over-exaggerate the Japanese to indicate that they are a foreigner and has no mouth. They have no mouth. And it bugs the hell out of me. So every time they're on the screen, I hate this show. (laughs) Chateau! 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 Oh gosh, I, I know what they're going for, but it, it's 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 so annoying. So that's my only hatred. That and I was a little bit let like, down on Chateau and her fighting this whole guy. I was like, I I guess they haven't indicated that Chateau's like some super uh, right? skilled warrior. <laughs> They've never technically indicated that Chateau is some skilled master arts marksman and fighter. They technically never indicated that. So, but it was, it was but a it was a kind of a, an assumption. There was something there that kind of assumed you, that she's this really shoot. awesome bounty hunter, and yeah, no, I don't think they've ever indicated that. But yeah, well, I mean, you have no, the guy it, literally I, saying, "Don't go out of your way. Don't go into danger." I mean, it obviously indicates that she's gone into danger before, but not that it's a normal thing. So, all right, then I assumed that she was on the level of Song because she was fighting with him. Yeah, he eventually overwhelmed her, he but her really quick, I thought she was a bad a bad butt uh, bounty hunter. He, My uh, assumption, I'm an idiot. He got one lick into her, him, but I, I, I think that was more because he was trying to communicate to her, and he let it. So, I don't know. That's love a kill. I, I, I'm going to stick with it. Hopefully we can get a payoff at some point, and then I'll I'll rant and rave about it on YouTube or something. So we'll let we'll let you guys know. Can we skip this one? Well, I watched it. <laughs> you didn't though, right? I watched it. Oh, did you? Unfortunately, stupid uh, uh, Spanish conquistadors that don't look like Spanish conquistadors. Done. <laughs> that's rusted armors. Check that out if that's interesting to you. Now, uh, Sabiro no armor reme. Streaming on Crunchyroll because they felt like they wanted to waste their bandwidth. They had a little extra. Uh, running for 12 episodes, apparently. Done by Studio Kigumi. Uh, it's based on a mixed media project with a manga and stage play. Which I'm sure it probably works a lot better as a stage play. Jamas uh, are historical samurai. But yeah, this basically follows the Saika soldiers, which are soldiers. That all each have these things known as the rusted armors, which are like these artifacts that draw upon the energy of the earth itself to give them supernatural or superhuman strength and everything. And since they have this unique uh, strength and weapons, 
they use it so that they can do good in the world and no longer have to fall into the... They don't have to basically answer to the feudal lords. At some point, yeah, the conquistadors show up and they have rusted armors too and their soldiers are zombies or something. I don't know what it is about that. Um, they, they, yeah, they, they show up and they start taking out the psycho soldiers like really badly. And at some point, um, because you have to have Nobunaga, Nobunaga shows up and Nobunaga apparently was told by some chick that when these conquistadors show up, go save the psycho soldiers. So he shows up and saves two of them, the main, the leader, Magoichi, and he claims that he's going to train them. So to use the rusted armors, cause they're obviously not using them right enough. So yeah, that's that's the show. Your thoughts? All right, I don't want to uh, overbeat this dead horse. Um, I it, it the show doesn't look good. Oh no, beat it to death! Um, it looks like horde. <laughs> it looks like crap, and it seems like every season's got to have a show that looks like this. And it's never the same studio. So are they just like dissolving and then making new studios? <laughs> There's always a show that looks like this, and I, like I said, I don't think it's ever the same studio. Is it? I was like. Not it wasn't it wouldn't look like Tesla notes. Um like X Arm. I, uh, the I, backgrounds are terrible looking. They're so like the background looks like somebody just kind of threw it together in like ten seconds. And then like every now and then you'll see like animals and stuff, and they're just like hand drawn and literally two frames. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go. I, I I want to try and say that maybe they have an interesting subconcept, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not really enough to um, kind of give characters motivations or anything like that. And and then on top of that, you 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 have to kind of glomp onto this idea glomp of it. okay, the rusted armors themselves. That is your entire reason for wanting to have an interest in this show, and they're guns that is the rusted armors i i'm he sorry i spoiled it he turned it into no <laughs> one guy yeah one guy turned it into like a gatlin gun one turned it into a gatlin gun the other guy has this kind of um uh bazooka deku's got a bazooka yeah yeah and manguchi has a uh a, a, I, I now this is the coolest one he's got the gun blade from from final fantasy um the other guy has a spear that has a gun in it. The the one guy has nunchucks that has a gun in it. Um, then I'm Ageha, the the kind of uh, girl guy th- person. He's a has, woman. Ha, y- He's a yeah, woman. absolutely a beautiful woman. Um, is is his a fan that turns into a gun or? Uh, and then you have the 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 ninja guy who has a rev- uh, an actual revolver. It looks like. Yeah, so basically they all have guns, which I don't. Why not call them guns instead of revolver or rusted armors? It is what it is. And then they're on weapons, top of that, they're not armor. <laughs> why are you sticking on the fact they're guns and not they're weapons? Guns. Um, and then you have the, like I said in my joke earlier, the Spanish conquistadors, which look like death knights. So that that's that's the show. Um. I don't want to hit it too hard. I don't like it. It's not working for me in any way, shape, or form. Take it for what it is. I'm on the same boat, but I'm going to explain why I think it is the way it is. I think this was... I mean, if you look at the seiyus that are working on this, you'll notice one thing very quickly. They're all hot. Like, these voice actors of this show are all hot. 
And so it's very obvious that this is an extension of the stage play. It feels very stage play-ish. Like, when you see each... Each scene always has two characters talking to each other. Like, if you look throughout the entire show, you will notice one thing. There's very few times there's anything but two characters talking to each other. Like, the later part when Nobunaga saves Deku and Magoichi, it's three people. But for the most part, it's always two people talking to each other. It's very stage play. That's how stage plays are typically are... And that's the focus it's going to have for it. And so what I get from watching this show is like, yeah, I can see this probably being really cool with two, you know, a bunch of hot guys on a stage bantering at each other. But when it's an ugly show, it's poorly animated with this god awful CGI. It's not. So that's, that's probably my extension. It's not, it's, it's like one of those aspects of acknowledging what it technically is. It's not a good anime. It's not a good it's not a good animated show and it doesn't work in this respect. It's probably really great if you love these voice actors themselves and again their stage played acting because it doesn't work in this format. It doesn't look like they want to put enough work into it to make it even realized. So it's one of those things where it's probably great over here. These guys do a good job at looking hot. But when it came over to here and you decide to anime adapt it Nobody want to put any effort into it, so I'm not going to acknowledge it. So I don't suggest it. Rested Armors. I mean, unless unless you know one of the voice actors, and definitely go check it out. You'll probably really enjoy it for that because I know that there is a call uh, a following for that. So, guys, let's go into one from one minefield into another one. Um, I'm Kodama Kawashiri, <laughs> or the more long title, Atasha Kawajiri Kodama da yo. Dangerasu live hakuru no tatarata saikatsu. Running for 24 freaking episodes. Running on <laughs> streaming on Crunchyroll. Done by Studio Lappin Track. The source is a web manga. These dramas are comedy. And yeah, this this basically this is a self insert. Uh, for those that aren't aware, there is a mangaka cut. You're probably not aware because I think this is literally the only thing they've ever done. Uh, there's a mangaka named Kadama Kawajiri, and this character, Kawashiri, is essentially the self-insert character. This is a this is a adaptation of a manga that is literally about a mangaka and their daily life of eating, drinking beer, falling asleep, and I, I guess at some point they do manga. Um, based on the fact that how short these episodes are, or at least probably adaptation of chapters, they don't spend much time doing the manga at all because these stories are so stinking short. But um, I'm assuming yeah. at some point it, this is going to be brilliant. I mean, brilliance in 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 all respect. But as it stands right now, since we've only gotten three minutes of the show, it's not that brilliant right now. Yeah, that's that's the weird thing. Is like the intro is a minute and a half, and the show itself is a minute, so two and a half minutes. And so, yeah, there's not much to talk about here because we've literally uh, only had like three minutes worth of show. And it's been basically I drink, I eat, I fall asleep. I drink, I eat, I fall asleep. And I, I ate some more. Um, oh, by the way, I've always been this way. And I have a friend and we went yeah, to the store together. I have a friend together. and the friend doesn't like <laughs> any of the food that I like, but they like sushi, which is good too. So I, I we've Roll literally... We've literally ruined all the jokes for you in that three minutes. And this is the the thing I guess I would would note here is I, I it bugs me that the sh- they 
put a lot of effort in the intro, and the intro looks actually decent. And then the show itself is just sliding stills and dialogue over it. And so it's like, again, I guess similar to Rusted Armors, it's like, if you don't want to put enough effort in the show, why do I, why, why should I care? But yeah. um, I don't know. I'm, this is probably one that I'll probably wait until the 24th episode rolls, and then I'll just watch it in 24 minutes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's literally the length of a show, because there's really not much to talk about. But um, I... I, I again I I guess the the th- for anybody that wants to know if I should watch it now I, no. I my I'm going <laughs> well I'm I'm to give it some credit I'm I'm assuming this is going to go in the realms of the Amaro Chan crowd. Yeah. You you relate to drinking and sleeping and you're like this is my spirit animal. I yeah. um spirit animal channeled into it. But other than that I don't know. I think some people might want to check it out once it's fully and that, and that's exactly what I had gotten out of it. The first the first second I kept going in there and bugging Andrew and saying, "Oh, the Pushu girl uh folks are going to be happy because um she's back. She she's just now uh, a Kappa person." Yeah. The Genius Prince Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt or Tensai Oji no Agaji Akaji uh, Koka Saisei Jutsu. This one's streaming on Funny Mission running for 12 episodes. Done by Studio Yokohama Animation Lab. Sources of light novels, genres are comedy, fantasy. Series composition being done by Hitomi Mueno, who's, of course, done a lot of titles. Um, and yeah, this one essentially takes place in the northern kingdom of Nat- Natra in this fantasy world. Uh, this is not an isekai, by the way. <laughs> At least so far. <laughs> At least so far. Uh, this is not an fa- uh, isekai. It essentially just follows a prince of this particular kingdom of Natra. And this is like a very... Not doing well, Northern Kingdom of Natra. They are very poor. They're struggling a lot. And to make matters worse, their king has fell ill. And so, again, the Prince Wayne has had to step up and take over for his father. And it kind of notes very early on that Wayne's all about, you know, trying to make sure the kingdom at least holds together long enough and that he can probably bring its value up a little bit so that one day after his father's gone, he can just sell the nation off to a neighboring country or somewhere, just sell it off, get rid of it and just live a normal life and enjoy whatever money he can make out of it (laughs) because he doesn't like what he's doing, obviously. So and it kind of follows him and his, uh, bodyguard question mark, uh, Ninim, which Ninim is a, of the race of Flom, which apparently they've established several times already. Apparently is a, a hated. race that's extremely hated. Everybody yeah. is thinks that they're lesser than human and they're terrible, even though they're hot. But they're they're hated. So obviously there's gonna be a history they'll get into eventually. But yeah, his obviously a prince, you have a bodyguard that is a hated uh race. Makes perfect sense. Oh, not not just the prince, but the, the princess also one of these, because you know they're hated. So obviously you have them be bodyguards of your your daughters and and your sons, but anyways, that's that's just an excuse to have hot blonde, uh, white haired girl and have them devoted because you actually care for them when nobody else will. But anyways, it's it's basically him just trying to figure out any way possible to avoid putting effort into anything and achieving gains. They eventually get attacked by a neighboring country. And they have to fight back, and eventually he tries to get money from the mines in that neighboring country, and that doesn't work out well for the most part. 
And um, now they're talking about a war with the Empire, which is always good. So, your thoughts? Is that is that was her name Fish? I don't know if I got the right character because her art style's different. I don't remember. You don't even know her name. I don't remember. I thought you liked this show. No, I do love it. Oh, I you just, just don't I know don't, the characters' I names. Don't remember because you don't care. I barely remember Ninim's name, so. Ah. Uh. I just know oh, that no, she she's right the Earth the, the world though. She's the young girl. Earth I mean, the yeah. world though. Earth the world. Now this is the chick that's um her the Empire lady. That's right. Because I knew she was in the show before Lowell. Oh yeah, she's the she's the the one that's been his one of his assistants, and come to find out that she was working for her. Yeah. Um, it, I I I. Okay. Um, I like the pauses you do sometimes. It's like, um, um, I kind of, <laughs> you know, Chris is extremely mixed on wanting to love a show when he has these long pauses where he's trying to figure out. I. There is one aspect to this show that I don't like. I don't like their battles. I I don't. You don't like sliding CGI fighting pieces on no. a board that somehow they seem to get up to date information on a regular basis from their commanding officers that should be on the field. I I will admit I it's a necessary evil to the story as it stands right now, mostly because of the fact that most of his quote unquote great accomplishments are pretty much centered around his battles. However, the frustrating thing is, is that that's not what I like about the show. It's, it's, it's an annoyance that I, I wish would go away um, and focus on the other side, which I think really started uh, uh, popped out of it's there, but it really came into main focus of this is one thing that I really want to see is, um, Kind of this idea of, yeah, he, him being the lazy prince, it was kind of he he and himself is kind of a, yeah, I I can go with him, but I I don't like him. Um, but in the latter ep- in this latter episode, him being the lazy prince really does fit into this idea of people trying to manipulate him, which is something that the 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 princess of the empire, um kind of in their uh their discussion of in the past um him saying i no i'm not going to help you take over the empire and she's like well why not because it, it's too much work effectively and she and but he does turn around and he say if you if you do insist on and doing this try to make me do it and i do like that idea of him fully acknowledging that he that she is possibly trying to manipulate him into a situation. And then it's a battle of the wheels, which is something that I really want to see. I like that idea. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm not going to say I'm hot on the show because the battle system, I I really don't like, um, but I am excited battle that <laughs> the battle system, the I battle don't mechanics like, are terrible. The battle mechanics are horrible. Um, Chess pieces on a piece of paper frame don't rates. work for me. <laughs> frame rate was terrible. <laughs> but no, I am I do like the idea of a 
a battle of wills, uh, the, the idea of him being the lazy prince with, and, and people trying to manipulate him and him seeing the manipulation and yet, um, trying to fight the manipulation without actually being, um, kind of this, um, pliable, um, uh, uh, monarch for a lack of a better term that what what they've always kind of implied in the whole quote unquote game of thrones idea of the the monarch just being manipulated instead he's just the lazy he sees the manipulation he's going to fight it with his wills instead of you know just going with the flow this show's boring okay <laughs> well you won't i can't have my opinion no i yeah i'm okay. i said okay you don't have to chime in. It's boring. The entire show is boring. Now, I, I I guess the the draw for a lot of people early on was obviously um, the the thigh the thighs, um, which I, I I feel this show advertised as being about the thighs, but I don't think they're executing on the thighs at all. There's very few thighs being shown. Um, I do like, I do, I was kind of surprised how much I enjoyed, uh, Wine and Ninim's kind of, uh, interactions. I love the whole Nyan thing. Yeah, I, I loved it. I was, I absolutely was on board with that. But, and uh, then she never does again. But uh, everything else outside of that's been very boring. And I, I, yes, technically a lot of that was the battle with Wine and this neighboring country. And uh, again, technically half the show just being sliding battle pieces on a board them explaining what's going on which is not all that and i guess that's the difficulty that i really face is the the concept itself is the genius lazy guy and how he constantly is talking about essentially outdoing those around him and building a a genius plan against a situation and it is funny the idea that most of the time when he has this plan he lays it out it doesn't turn out really as he won in the end. I, I mean, case in point being the mines, uh, which did technically end up turning into the end, into something in the end. But it's always about you know trying to lay out something to overcome something. But it's never it's the the unfortunate thing is it's never really that interesting in the end. Like it's never like wow they pulled that off. Like oh my gosh he twisted and he oh my gosh I never seen him using the same mine shaft again. It doesn't seem like they pointed that out extremely. Uh, significantly enough that I would be completely shocked by the idea that he would use that same mine shaft to actually take them out. It's never, it's never, I guess, clever in the end, even though it, it's trying to portray the fact that he's extremely a genius and he's very clever. So when you're a lot of your, I guess, build up is around the aspect of how smart the guy is. It's never really that smartly played out in the end, which is kind of unfortunate. So it, I guess what I'm kind of left with is really just the character interactions. Cause that seems to be a significant portion of the show is just really character interactions. It seems like a lot of emphasis that the light novel writer has put on is just talking and the talking is just not really besides, like I said, a couple parts with like Wayne and, and Ninim, uh, just kind of teasing each other in, in the middle of the battlefield, honestly, uh, for the most part, the interactions are just not really that, I don't know, they're not fun, they're not interesting, they're not entertaining, they're just talking. And yeah, I can give a little bit to that last conversation between Loa and Wayne that you might do something interesting, but based on everything I've had so far with the first three episodes and on to the end of that, I think it was the fourth episode, 
it, they haven't shown me that that will be interesting. Like if you've you you can I can go with Chris on the idea that they've they've shown them to be to, to be setting up something interesting here, but based on the fact that everything up to that has not been very interesting, I don't know that the writer's going to pull it off. It just really feels like a it's going to just end up being a bait in the end. Which is the unfortunate thing because I, I I don't have a problem with any of the characters in general. I do I I honestly thought that I was going to hate wine when I first seen the previews because I'm like this guy looks like he's going to just be a jerk to everybody around him. But I've, what I found is he's not really a jerk. He's just annoyingly lazy. Um, no, he's and this is again this this is me probably overthinking it, but he he's he's heartless and he. I don't think he's mindfully heartless. I just think it's one of those aspects of the writer kind of throws him into there and you don't really realize that he's actually really heartless. The way they portrayed the battles and everything, he's not like a leader that is typically with leaders of kingdoms and stuff. Um, they're all about uh, trying to prevent as much death as possible because they actually love their people. Um, I mean, we've seen it with things like um, I think even realist hero hits on this. Most every kingdom leader type story, they're very mindful about the decisions they make because of the people that would be lost. Wine doesn't. <laughs> Wine doesn't. And it's not as if they're pointing it out that Wine is going, ha ha ha, my people going out there to die. He just doesn't acknowledge it. And so when it gets into technically talking about Loa and how he wants Loa to manipulate him and going into it, yes, you can see it as try me, but it can also be a thing of he just doesn't really care about his people. I mean, he wants to sell his nation off. So he doesn't really care. And again, I don't see it as being sinister, but more so if you think about it, he's, he's very uh, lacking of care for his people at all, which again, technically is a point. So I don't like him as a character, like through and through. I just think he is in the end, when you step back, he's a very nasty person. He's just not inherently uh, somebody you just don't like listening to. He's not, he's not at face value, an annoying character, which I thought he was going to be at face value. He's just, in a sense, he's technically a very nasty person. It's just nobody wants to acknowledge it because hot waifus and stuff. So, I don't know. It's boring. Um, but, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to give it another one more episode. But I don't think it's going – based on the trajectory, I don't think it's going to work for me in the end. Um, for all those that enjoy it, there you go. So, Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt. Check that out if that's interesting to you. Can we skip this one? No. She professed her pupils. She professed herself pupil of the wise man, or Kenja no Deshi wo Nanoru Kenja. This one's streaming on Funimation, running for twelve episodes. The studio is Studio A Cat. The source is light novel. The genres are adventure, fantasy. The director is Keitaro Motonaga, who did Katana Katari, Day Live, Ray Earth, and more. But this one follows a guy known as Dunboff. There's a Apparently, this video game known as Arc Earth Online. It's uh, kind of one of those games where it seems like a lot of emphasis put on the idea of how this is a evolving world. Uh, a lot of the typical trappings and rules and structures are kind of not really there. It seems like a very again of a lot of emphasis on the idea that it's a very breathing world, a very evolving world that doesn't really have the same restraints you'd normally have with video games. And this video game does very well. A lot of people start playing it. It gets to a point where a lot of people start creating kingdoms within this game, and it kind of significantly grows to the point where we have this one kingdom that's being led by this guy named Solomon, 
And there is apparently these nine wise men, these very powerful players that are apparently within this kingdom, one such being Dunbolf. And Dunbolf is known as being like the one-man army because he's very good at summoning. He's got like this one point in which he has to go out and fight against this invading group of monsters. And he just basically summons a whole bunch of knights that are really powerful and they just fight off all these invading monsters. Well, at some point, (laughs) I guess apparently after this battle happens... Uh, Dunbolf collapses, and he's never seen again. And cut forward, apparently, 30 years. Uh, Dunbolf awakens, and he is a girl named... He eventually calls himself Mita so that he can cover his identity. Uh, Wakes up as a girl, and eventually gets back to this kingdom where he sees Solomon. Solomon makes fun of the fact that he's now a girl. Talks about the idea that he had this kind of vanity item that he used before he had logged out or he fell asleep. And was just messing around with creating a cute girl and so happens it applies to his character and so he turns from this old wise man into this cute little girl thus you know profess herself as people they don't want to want to say that it is Dumboff because then that will kind of you know remove this fear that people have of this great Dumboff. so they decide to claim that it he is Mita and he is the pupil of the wise man so yeah, they, and the interesting thing that comes of this is it doesn't really establish the idea that this is a trapped in a game kind of concept, but it seems to imply that it is, um, because like I said, it's been 30 years, has passed since, you know, this was a video game, and there was these nine great wise men, now it's, again, 30 years later, and he is now playing as this cute little girl, it kind of puts a lot of emphasis on the idea that there is some... I guess increased technology within this game because now people have senses like smell and taste. A lot of the NPCs seem to be more human-like, but again, it implies the other players are there because Solomon is still the player. Uh, This Luminaria is still a player, but again, it doesn't really specify that they are trapped in this game. I'm assuming they are, but yeah, so they're trying to re- I guess, gather all the wise men because there is this uh, war pact, this peace treaty that's going to be going away here soon. And so Solomon needs them to protect the kingdom. And so Mita or Dunbolf is going to find them. So your thoughts? I'm going to try really hard to be nice on this one. Um, I am going to continue watching this show. Um, I really, really want to like this show. Um, so take that into consideration. When I, the the first few episodes, I, my biggest problem with this is I despise the way it is telling the story. Um, I, I, I want to attribute it to the directing. I want to attribute it to the writing. I don't, I don't know what it is about this show that is not working for me, but I'm not enjoying myself watching it. And it's, it's really, really frustrating. Um, there's a lot of really cool things in this story that um kind of makes me think that i i can find some enjoyment at some point um like andrew had mentioned the idea of the the um npcs being more human like the um i don't know the 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 kind of evolving world the things like that are really kind of cool um I want to say the magic system, but at this at this point, they haven't really dug into much of the magic system outside of uh, the main characters summoning. Um, so, 
it could be hopefully that'll that'll work at some point but as it stands right now i'm just really 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 frustrated with this show and i want to see it do well yeah i think my um my initial impression of the show is well, i don't know what the hell's going on <laughs> I, I think that's my biggest issue that i have with it so far um i don't think inherently and it's doing anything that bothers me besides maybe frika who is the trope i'm superly uh fajoshi like obsessed with cute girls and so i go crazy and start foaming at the mouth every time i see them um uh, which uh, was not a nice addition in the recent episode i knew she was there based on the key art of the show but i was i wasn't i wasn't looking forward to her showing up and sure enough i don't like her um but no i i think my biggest frustration that i have with the show far is i i do like the world i do like the ever evolving world it, it, a lot of the it still keeps the gamey aspect, but at the same time, it's it's showing that it has like an, a vastness to it and an, an unpredictability to it that I do enjoy. But at the same time, the biggest issue that still remains there is I don't know what's going on. I I've kind of posed it in one of my videos as to I see like multiple possibilities here because the show doesn't want to tell me. Um, and I can again, I've 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 voiced my frustrations out there, and I've seen people reply trying to tell me what's happening. I'm like, I don't want to know because I want the show to tell me what the hell's going on. And if the show doesn't tell me what's going on, I'm going to tell people the show doesn't tell you what's going on. How can I make a solid uh, decision on a show and review it if somebody tells me what the show didn't tell me? Because then I'm going to tell people, oh yeah, it, 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 this is what's going on. And then they watch the show and they go, I don't know what's going on because somebody else told me I know what has happened. But anyways, my my predictions here, what what I'm thinking is happening is either one, Dunboff logged off for 30 years and then finally logged back in when the technology is better and thus there's more taste and smell. And then he's going back to this kingdom where Solomon is and Solomon's like, dude, I've been trying to keep this place together for the last 30 years. And by the way, all of our other friends have not come logged in for a long time. Or it's Dunboff got, you know, transported into this world and for some reason, a time skip happened as well, and now he's coming back to his friends who are all playing the game, and he just doesn't want to tell them that he's stuck in the game. Or, third, everybody's been transported in the world, and Dunboff got turned into a girl at the same time. I, I don't know, because the show doesn't want to tell me. And I'm, as, and I'm assuming it's because it, it I, I joked about the fact that I, with the later part of the first episode, when it first shows Dunboff kind of transported into a girl's body... It's all like no dialogue, just music, and he's walking around. And I'm like, I almost felt like they record a bunch of dialogue that explains what happens right here, but they forgot it and they and they deleted it and they decided to just air it without the dialogue explaining what happened here. But yeah, I, and I think that 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 lack of knowledge about what's going on is kind of the frustrating part. Additionally to that, I, there's nothing really happening in the show that's really grabbing me so far. I mean, there there is the joke to be made that this writer really likes seeing. Um, Dumboff as Mira have to go to the bathroom a lot, which obviously in case the writer has a little bit of a fetish there. But other than that, I mean, the, the characters aren't really grabbing me. Um, I, I agree with Chris. There's a little bit of fascination there with the NPCs becoming human thing, which is not necessarily new here, but I'm always open to it, just like I was with Land, Land, uh, the Land of Liddell. But again, Land of Liddell is doing a lot better than this one, so that's not really a selling point. CGI is... But ugly. Um, they're going with a very hyper glossy 
um, not over detail, but hyper glossy looking CGI. And so all the CGI monsters look really terrible. Even all the summons are pretty much all CGI. So it visually doesn't look great. Characters aren't great. Dunboff's very boring. I, I think that's a lot of the issue is Dunboff's boring. Like the main character is pretty boring <laughs> and, and it's not really playing too. You can say thankfully, but they're not really playing too much on him becoming a girl besides the fact that he's having to hide the fact that he's Dunboff to not ruin the reputation of Dunboff. But other than that, they're not really doing much with it besides having people go, oh my gosh, cute girl must be really terrible player. And then suddenly he destroys things and they go, crap, he's actually really powerful. <laughs> so I don't know. It, 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 it's another one of those ones where I've, I've watched several episodes and it's not really doing much. So it's it's got me worried that it's not going to really do much in the end. But We'll see. I don't know. I, I kind of liked the first episode because it did kind of establish Dunbolf as a character. Um, it was boring, but at the same time, it did a really good job of really kind of explaining why a lot of people would revere him. Um, but yeah, the problem is they don't, they're not doing a good job of explaining what's going on. So we'll see. Hopefully some of the wise men that he ends up finding will, will spice things up. I want to, I want to see the Chung Lee looking character. She professed herself people of the wise man. Check that out if that's interesting to you. Tribe 9. This one is streaming on Funimation. Done by Studio Leiden Films. It's a mixed media project with a video game, apparently. The genres are sports. The series composition by Michiko Yokote, who has done a ton of stuff. As well as the creator, Kazutaka Kodaka, who, of course, did Danganronpa and Akadama Drive. And the original character designs by Rui Komatsuzaki, who, of course, is pretty much joined at the hip. Because they do everything that they do. Danganronpa and Nakadama Drive. So it's definitely got the Danganronpa style to it. But yeah, this one essentially takes place in this area where the crime got so bad. A lot of gangs were rising up. And there was so much violence in the street that uh, the powers of B, I don't remember if they said specifically the government or whatever, decided to create extreme baseball. <laughs> and so, and for some reason, all the gangs were like, well, okay, you want us to do extreme baseball instead of beating each other up? Sure, let's do that. Let's play extreme baseball instead of beat each other up. Uh, we, we've never followed the laws, but now that there's extreme baseball, let's follow those rules. Let's play extreme baseball instead. And it, it kind of technically acknowledges the idea that a lot of these groups didn't like the violence that was happening. They, The gangs were, at least from Shun's side, who is one of the leaders of one of these, uh, these teams, technically didn't like uh, how things were going with all the violence. So... I guess it's it's chopped up as like a mutual agreement that nobody really wants the violence, but they still want to compete in some way. So they all, instead of having tribe wars, they play extreme baseball. And extreme baseball is basically baseball, but extreme. <laughs> you you have like the the bases are like different buildings in the area. They're very spread out. Uh, you know, you you throw the ball, you hit the ball, uh, and then. You instead of like tagging out, you you beat up your opponent instead. <laughs> so again, extreme, and it, and it seems like there's it seems like there's rules, but it's all like this little bot robot decides if it's okay or not. Like they'll say, "Well, this can't be legal." Oh, the bot robot's not saying anything. Guess it's okay. <laughs> it's just kind of the whims of the writer. We're gonna allow this this time, but. Um, yeah, it basically follows Haru, who is like this very timid kid that's very observant, I guess, that at some point is getting beat up, and then he gets saved and brought into this group of this one particular tribe. 
Um, and this Taiga guy who I think he used to be like a fisherman, and he decided one day that he wants to uh, beat Shun because Shun's obviously gooder at something at him, or gooder, better at, him, at something in him. He wants to prove that he's better than Shun, so he joins too. And so you kind of meet this one tribe, and then suddenly out of nowhere, this really bad tribe starts going around and beating the snot out of everybody again. So it seems like they're returning to the old ways. And that's kind of where we left it. And I think somebody died. I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming somebody died. But uh, yeah, that's Tribe 9. Did you watch any of this? Just the first episode. Your thoughts? Uh, I I kind of like the concept. Um, and I, I do like the aesthetic. I've, I, I've generally really always liked uh, Daganropa's... Uh, character designs i but i'm not i'm not big on their um their writing um we did i did in ultimately enjoy akadama drive dog and Ropa, i was very very mixed on and i it, it's it's but that was more of a thing of i i really kind of more want to do the original intent which was the game version of that so i i while I didn't much care for the storyline in the the show, I, the the game was is is still has a m- big appeal to me. This one it, it is kind of in the same same vein. I'm I'm I I there's a lot of appeal to the actual characters and and what they're they're dealing with, but it is kind of more dark, and I'm not real sure. Um, and Andrew kind of uh led me to believe that maybe more of the latter episodes might start going dark again. He may come back just like with Akadama drive and point out, Hey, yeah, it's worth it. And I'll, I'll probably binge this show. If, if Andrew says that it, it, it worked out in the end, um, mostly because the writer is, is, is solid. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too scared of that. I'm just, I, I, like I said before, I, I'm not too big on the dark shows right now. So it is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I want to love this show because I I loved Akadama Drive. I thought Akadama Drive was easily one of the best shows of that season and and possibly that year. And that was definitely my first showing of what uh, Kazutaka Kodaka could do. Because again, I haven't really messed with anything Dung and Rope. Even despite the fact I bought it like three times, I never play it. It's it's one of those things where I I I loved Akadama Drive pretty early on. Like it grabbed me pretty early on, and I I kept with me the entire time. Just so much fun, but yet always having a dark feel to it. And this one just kind of has that. I don't know. It just feels like it's going with that whole dark sports show thing. It's like the Skate Infinity kind of aspect of like, well, this it's a sports, but there's still danger there, and that's where it's kind of not really working for me because. The characters themselves aren't very interesting. I mean, they they get into a little bit of teasing about what Shun used to be, but for the most part, the characters aren't really there. It's it's more about the sports game, and the sports game isn't. It's just baseball, <laughs> and and then and constantly playing on this idea is is it dangerous or is it not? Uh, constantly isn't really going to do it for me. So, I I think this is going to be one of those ones where I just need like I, I I said this before. I need one more episode, and I watched that episode, and it didn't do it didn't it didn't answer my question. And now I feel like, okay, give me one more episode and hopefully maybe that'll answer me. What, what is the goal here besides just violent sports game, which doesn't really, I'm not a fan of sports. And uh, so you have to have characters in there or at least something interesting in there. So that kind of offsets it. 
with sports shows, I never really enjoy them unless I get characters. And this isn't really doing the characters for me quite yet. And it could do something, but so far, really all it is, so far, based on three or four episodes, it's just edgy sports. And I don't, that's not enough for me. I need something a little more than that. So, and I, I think the other struggle thing with it is if you're doing edgy sports, you have to have rules. And I don't like the whole let's make up rules as we go along kind of concept because it it doesn't have a structure to make breaking the rules interesting, if that makes sense. So we'll see. I want to love it because, again, Kazutaka uh, Kodaka really did sell me on Akadama Drive. And I was really kind of hoping that, that this this being his second technically original anime not based off a of video game story, that he was going to continue that role that he had with Akadama Drive. And it could end up doing that eventually. Maybe it's just the start's not that strong for me as much as Akadama Drive, but we'll see. I just don't I don't care about sports. And it's not even it's it's very loose sports. <laughs> it's like you're talking extreme ba- uh, baseball that's not even in the realm of baseball in any way, shape, or form, besides having four bases. A bat and a ball. And, a ball. <laughs> and, and and the bats are not even bats, it's half the time they're lightsabers. I don't know. We'll see. That's Tribe Nine. Um, it's it's up in the air for me right at the moment. I, I hope it turns around. Fantasia Sango Realm of Legends or Genso Sing Sango Koshi Kushi Tengen Reishiki. This is being done by Geek Toys. It's streaming on Funimation, uh, based on a old JRPG or not JRPG? I think because I think it's Chinese. It's an old it's old it's an old RPG. And it's essentially set in the realm of the Three Kingdoms era type stuff. But, yeah, how do I explain this story? So, <laughs> so there's these monsters, and I'm, I'm only going to say these names once because I'm sure I'm butchering them because Chinese um, is not my, uh, not even in the realm of my languages. Uh, there's these monsters called Wanglangs. Wanglangs? They are essentially these monsters that are made from miasma. So miasma gathers and they, they creates these monsters. And it typically will kind of possess people and and cause them to do terrible things. Well, these deities known as the Tiangyons, these deities essentially preserve order. But because it's a story in an anime, they don't want to actually do it directly. So apparently they assign hunters to do it, which are humans. So they go around, they find hunters, and they go, hey, or they, they go around and find humans, and they go, hey, you're going to be a hunter to fight these monsters of miasma, because I don't want to say that name again. And uh, in in assigning them as a hunter, they're assigned a unit, and then they are given a gui, guizan, which a guizan is essentially a, a being that feeds off of the miasma to give them strength to fight the monsters. So... Essentially think they, they feed off their power to kill them with the power. So we follow one such human, Oki. He is observing this marching nation that has caused terror around the lands. And at some point, this uh, deity shows up and says, hey, you're going to become a hunter. And he's like, okay, sure. Like he just, <laughs> It's like the most easiest recruitment process ever. You're going to be a hunter. Okay. <laughs> and so he goes out and starts gathering up all of his party members. Uh, one is Shunkyo, who is a bard. Uh, and then this other one is, and then he's uh, he's assigned this goes on, which is this this little cute girl. So obviously, miasma eating demon monster that fights bad monsters is going to be a cute little girl. And then 
They go and find the last member, which is Taken. And Taken is technically from the previous sixth unit that they are now a part of. And he doesn't like the fact that this cute little girl is in the team because she basically killed everybody in the previous team except for him. Uh, but the deity's like, you're going to be a part of this team. I told you you're going to be a part of this team. Otherwise, I can destroy you because you know information. So he has to be forced to join the team. Oh, he also has this mascot uh, tea bucket thing that apparently talks because you got to have mascots. And tea buckets is obviously the best way to have a mascot. So this team of the new six unit go around and they they fight a bunch of these younglings monsters. Uh, I guess the only thing that really kind of... um, Really, they get into beyond this point is the fact that Shiore, who is this miasma-eating thing that they use to fight the monsters, uh, she obviously doesn't really care to get comfy with anybody. She feels like she's just a weapon. She's just a tool. She talks to herself, talks about herself in third person. She's that kind of character. And at some point, you start to find out about how she essentially became one of these Gyozen, which she is a rare case where essentially they make dead children into these weapons. Well, she is a rare case where she was, her family was killed by these monsters. And then in a desperate attempt to not die, she basically fought to bring her soul back into her body as she became a, a weapons or one of these gyozans. So she's a rare case where one of these gyozans actually has herself within herself. So, and the interesting thing that comes also from this is you find out that these Yozans, in order to fight, they're, of course, bringing in Miasma, which Miasma will essentially cause them great pain. And the great pain is the, the, the yin and yang of having power. So if they want power, they have to have pain kind of thing. So, um, and the thing that they end up coming up with, because she keeps losing herself and becoming, you know, a reckless killing machine, is this deity shows Oki a ability to essentially link himself to her so that he's always drawing the pain from her to carry that burden while she gets stronger. So that was kind of an interesting twist they gave to it in the later episode that I watched. But yeah, I'm assuming you didn't watch the show. I watched the first episode. I was assuming that you probably liked this show because Shodei's kind of cute and she's she kicks butt. Well, no, she doesn't really kick butt. She usually kind of has everybody else save her. <laughs> It's like my expectations coming to this show is like, okay, kick butt lolly girl that kicks that destroys everything. But no, it's like literally every episode she runs off on her own, gets her butt kicked, and everybody shows up and saves her. <laughs> and then she feels the last blow. Well, the, I, I only r- really watched the first episode. It kind of, this was one of the ones that I let fall through the cracks. Um, I, it, the first episode felt a little disjointed to me. So I wasn't. I I do I I, I did like uh, Shore uh, or what, however you say her name I'm not even gonna try um, Shore and Obviously. so the and the other characters I was like eh I I definitely didn't like the guy with the the bucket at all I didn't like him <laughs> I don't like the bucket I understand him um, I wouldn't want to be there either <laughs> and um uh uh the harp girl or uh bard or whatever she was she was fine um the goddess was eh okay uh it, i guess a reason to give them all a, a reason to go and do stuff and then uh oki kicked uh kicked the the girl and then they took down the monster and that that was pretty much the episode so 
I, I, like I said, it felt a little disjointed, but at the same time, I let it f- fall through the cracks. I don't know if they pulled everything together later, but it sounds like some things seem to be coming interesting uh, in later episodes. So I'll see. Yeah, it's it's one of the struggles. Uh, first of all, it's not the greatest looking show, but again, they're they're at least holding it together. It's it's a very average animation here. Nothing nothing terrible. I think my only problem I really have is is they they have problems with proportions of characters because half the time Shirley looks like she's I don't know like a two year old, and half the time she looks like she's a ten year old. I don't know. They can't decide how big she is and how she looks. Um, but no, I. I my struggle that I have with this show is it feels very monster of the episode. Um, it feels very like they're going in the realms of, okay, we need a bad guy for this episode to take down. But at the same time, they are doing a good job of, I guess, sprinkling in character developments with, you know, they've already kind of tackled Shode. Uh, they got a little bit into Oki and how his family was destroyed by uh, this miasma controlling people. They're, they talk about this army that's essentially, it's a whole army, a whole nation of army that is essentially consumed by the miasma or wanglings or whatever. Um, and they're just going around just, just terrorizing everything. And Oki was kind of involved with one such march of this army taking out pretty much everybody that he knows. So it, it's, it's got into at least two of the characters, but again, it just feels very, it feels very formulaic in how it's laying out each episode and each battle. Again, Shorei runs forward, gets her butt kicked. Everybody runs in, protects her. And then she deals the, the final blow. Now, it could change now that Oki is essentially uh, carrying the burden of Shiori's pain. And what they could possibly do with that is obviously breaking her out of her shell, believing that she shouldn't have bonds with people when Oki is obviously showing a huge sign of uh, accepting her her pain. So it, it, I, I think another episode is probably going to help me decide on this show or not. But so far, it just feels very, it's just very I don't know. I don't want to say generic, but because I do like it in a sense that it's very unique. I love Oki's combat style. He essentially writes charms and then he sends the charms out. It's like the, the one of the early battles. He he writes a charm for jump and he sticks it on Shore and it shoots her up in the air. And he's like, you know, handle the landing because that's only going to help you get up in the air. Um, and he he does different things like you know gravity, weight, um, uh, ceiling, all these kind of different types of charms that he's able to write. And attached to things. And then, of course, he has a regular sword that he can create, too. But uh, Shukyo is obviously like a bard. So she plays a lot of music for purification and calming and all these different things, which I think is interesting as well. And then Tenken is just kind of is able to create like wraps and stuff that can bind things. So it's a different. Oh, he has party. a use. Yeah. When Outside he's not, of screaming. When he's not cowering <laughs> because literally he watched his entire team die in front of his eyes by some girl that he now has to work by side. So I understand him. I think he's annoying, but I understand him at least. And unfortunately, it's all used for comedy relief, which I don't think is really cool when the guy literally watched his, these people die. Did the bucket um, ever do anything useful? No. He's, okay. just, he's just a mascot character because apparently they think people want to go out and buy a bucket, tea bucket. I don't know. But yeah, they had a random Kinder Suda appear out of nowhere. Um, he was a random bad guy. So that, that, that held my attention for at least two episodes. I'm like, oh, cool. It's Kinder Suda. <laughs> they disappears. It's like why are you why are you taunt me with Kendra Suda? How dare you? You know you know how to pull my heartstrings. That's what it was. They didn't they didn't have a Tama in the show, and so therefore I yeah, sure they should have been Tama. <laughs> that, 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 that this would be, be this would be anime of the year right now. Exactly. So I don't know it. 
it's unique in a way. You know what they need? They need a like, show. They need a show with both Kendra Suda and and, and Tama. It, it would be easily the best show. That's why I'm saying that that um, how to um, the Yakuza's guide how to raise a child yeah right. Like that. That, that should have been that should have been Kendra Suda and Tama. But anyways, um, like I said, so the problem with this show that I have right now is that it it's so unique. Combat's unique. Um, it's got an interesting cast of characters. The offside is that it has genericness about it with formulaic combats and set up for bad guys, and then it doesn't look that great. So it, it's 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 balancing it in a sense. So it's kind of in a very mid row for me right now. Um, so but we'll see. It, but I, I will say that it. I'm surprised how much I I've been enjoying it because um, it I had zero expectation coming into it. I figured RPG game thing which obviously it's a popular franchise because it's been around for a long time but i don't know so i i'm assuming there's something in there that i'll eventually get into but we'll see that's um fantasia sango this we have is sasaki and miano this one is streaming on funimation running for 12 episodes done by studio dean sources of manga genres are boys love slice of life and this one essentially follows a guy named miano and we find out very quickly Miano is a Fidanchi. For those who don't know what a Fidanchi is, it's basically a guy that it's not as if they are technically themselves into boy love, but they like to read boy love mangas and stories because they find something in it. Specifically for Miano, they point out the idea that he finds a certain aspect of Moe in the stories being told in BL. So he actually goes out of his way and reads them and enjoys them. Um, on the other side, you have this guy named Sasaki, and Sasaki is a guy that eventually gains interest in Miano because one day Miano is struggling to help somebody who's being bullied in the back areas of a school, and he calls for his friend, but his friend's not going to be there for a while, and he, as he's about to step out to help the situation, Sasaki shows up, sees that this guy, who's obviously, well, it's time he thought it was a girl, <laughs> this girl who's going to go step out to help somebody, um, he stops him, and then he goes and, you know, Diffuses the situation by getting himself his butt kicked. But he did. He, get, he, went, he went and helped the situation. Um, but he's kind of... Sasaki is kind of off-put because he sees Miano as being very cute. But obviously, Miano's a boy, not not a girl. But he's kind of... Again, has an attraction to him, but he doesn't really know why because obviously it's a boy. But um, in trying to learn more about Miano, he eventually kind of learns that Miano reads mangas. And he you know asks if he can borrow the manga. Uh, realizes that it's, you know, BL, but he still enjoys it, and so he wants to learn more about Miano, and he learns that through, you know, getting into Miano's like, which is BL manga. So, that's kind of their meeting. And over time, you meet the friends that are around Miano and Sasaki. You, you get it, You get kind of this developing interest that the two of them have to each other. Miano um, doesn't really have a direct interest in Sasaki, besides the fact that he's he does cool things, like there's this point in which somebody's making fun of BL manga and Sasaki's like, you know, what does it matter? If if somebody likes BL, what does it matter? I mean, it's what is it to you kind of thing? And Miano found that with like being very, very cool. This guy's, you know, obviously very forward to me. I don't really know why, but I think on the, uh, the side of Sasaki, he's just really trying to figure out why am I attracted to this person? Obviously a boy and it's interesting in that way. So you didn't get a chance to watch this. You said that no. earlier, right? Okay. I will say this is one of the this is probably the only actually this is probably the only BL show that I actually enjoyed watching. 
I don't typically like BL shows, obviously, because I'm just, I don't swing that way. That's just not something I'm interested in. Uh, but the characters themselves are very charming and very fun to watch. The interactions are fun. Um, they're likable characters. Um, it doesn't feel forced. Like, typically, I've, I've watched a lot of BL shows, and unfortunately, a lot of it's because there's review copies that I'm technically obligated to watch. Um, but the thing that I never like about those is that for most cases with BL shows, there's always one very overbearing character that keeps pushing themselves upon the weak one until eventually the weak one accepts it. And I hate that. I hate that forced love through just pushing and pushing and pushing until they accept me. And that was the same problem I had with Yuri. And a lot of Yuri shows, there's always like this one character that keeps pushing themselves on somebody over and over again. Um, typically with BL, it's always like a muscle character pushing against a weak character. Uh, the muscular versus the feminine. And then with the Yuri, it's always just girl keeps pushing and kissing on this one girl until she accepts me. But what I found in Yuri was Bloom Into You. That was one of the few cases where I've seen, I'm like, wow, this feels like an actual natural love. And there's nobody forcing somebody. This is like my Bloom Into You of BL, is Sasaki and Miyano. is where there's a, a cast of characters that I actually enjoy. I like the main two characters. They are exploring and they're trying to figure themselves out. And it's doing it in a very natural and very charming way. So, the only problem that I have with this versus Bloom Into You is Bloom Into You felt like it had an overarching story that it was technically telling alongside the fact that they were playing this out. It was a lot about the club that they were in, the duties that they had to do. Whereas this one's just so kind of hyper-focused on them just trying to figure out what they think about their feelings Plus, almost feeling like it's a BL 101 show. Like, there's a lot of terminology around BL they're trying to get into, as Miyano is really explaining a lot of concepts in the mangas he's reading to Sasaki. So it almost feels like if you are new to BL and you want to get into it, this almost feels like a nice way to get into it because they get into a lot of the phrasing and terminologies that they use in BL. Um, but unfortunately, again, unlike... Bloom into you. Sasaki and Miyano is boys. And again, I don't really care much about boys and relationship with boys. So that's my only struggle is me personally. I just am not, they're not appealing to me despite the fact they're charming characters and I enjoy their interactions. So I, I think that I, this is one of those shows that I can highly recommend, but at the same time, it's not for me personally. So just like any BL show is not for me. I might keep watching it. Um, I'm just very mixed right now because I have so much other stuff to do right now. It, it just feels like one of those ones where I don't think I'm going to get much out of it. Um, I, I, I feel like uh, the, the other thing with it is I don't really feel like a lot of the interactions give me much in the end. They're just, again, very charming interactions. So, And I think Studio Dean's doing a great job with it. They have a lot of... Uh, interesting use of filters and visual um, additions to it, like, you know, seeing triangles and stuff kind of floating across the screen to really kind of portray uh, a lot of the emotional scenes. Um, but I think the thing that I feel often watching the show, because again, I'm not really into the boy factor, is when you get to a lot of those pauses where obviously the characters are trying to gaze at each other, it's like, I don't care <laughs> as much as I find these characters charming and everything. It's like, I don't need to see characters doki doki staring at each other over and over again. It's again, not technically my deal. So again, I think this is the bloom into you. 
show for BL, and I think the characters are charming. I like their interactions. They're likable characters. Um, so check that out. If any of that sounds interesting to you, it's just it's not it's not for me. But I might I might check out a couple more episodes. So yeah, that's uh, Saki and Miano. Q is our next one. This was streaming on Crunchyroll, running for 24 episodes, being done by Yumita Company and Graphinica. The source is a game. It's an idol, uh, like, managing game. Um, the genres are music. And this one essentially takes place, what was it called? Blue Air? There's a new Sounds company. Right. There's a new company that's now launching. I think it's called Blue Air. And this company is essentially... Air Blue. Is it Air Blue or Blue Air? I think it's Air Blue. Air Blue? Airblue, uh, but essentially it's a it's a new agency. Airblue, you're right. Um, it's a new company that essentially is launching. It's it's got a owner that is from the industry, so it's not like a just a pop up company. It's it's got a, an owner that is actually well known in the industry, but their whole purpose is to bring in a bunch of girls that are have not achieved anything in the industry. So these are all fresh uh, voice actors or voice actresses that they're bringing into this company. And so from day one, you have 15 girls that are hired in to come to this company. And immediately the owner asks them to start doing, you know, practicing. And so they immediately go and they do like some ham- uh, Hamlet play. So they'll, they'll pair up girls and they play out a scene in Hamlet. Obviously, a lot of these girls... Japan don't really know what uh, Hamlet really is. There's a few of them that actually have read it, but they're all kind of trying to, you know, act out these roles. You have some fun in the idea that some of them, especially the main, what seems like the main girl, Haruna and Micah, they play it out like it's a Yuri, <laughs> which was great. Um, and eventually they immediately are shuffled over to this recording company where they are trying to fill roles for a big new sports shonen. And so they have them all kind of choose who they feel they would you know, be what characters they would be able to fill out and be able to play very well. They all do their kind of their attempts to get into the role. And then jumping forward, we'll have like this point in which they're talking about this air blue, having this Kickstarter for this new idol group. And so they have this discussion about the fact that voice acting in Japan, especially these days, isn't just voicing a lot of it's, you know, doing stage play and, and uh, yeah, a lot of it's idols and doing, you know, singles and stuff like that. And so they have a group of girls that, you know, step forward to want to be a part of that whole project they're doing. So that's that's kind of what we've hit so far with Q. Your thoughts? I've actually uh, so far I've I've enjoyed myself watching the show. Um, I do like the kind of seeing things from uh, behind the 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 opposite side of uh, a lot of these shows. Um, I'm. <sighs> One of my first inclinations when I first started this show was, oh my gosh, too many characters. Chill out. <laughs> Text Chris because um, you mentioned that. I'm like, that's how I w- felt when when they were first introduced when they first entered Air Blue. They had like everybody had to be there at a certain time, and it's like, stop, stop, st- stop, stop bringing characters. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop bringing characters. Stop. Um, I'm I'm hesitant. Um, uh, mostly on the aspect of. I don't think there's had we've had enough time to let anybody kind of fully grow into their spots. Um, they have automatic uh, in the like Andrew had mentioned they they have uh, quickly started um, quarantining off for a lack of a better term quarantining uh, separating these girls into uh, groups. So 
it we it, it feels like we're going to start ha- feeling more in natural pace on each one of these characters. So a, but at the same time, it, to its detriment, there being so many characters, I haven't really felt the the true flow of this show um what we have seen so far has been really well done i very much have enjoyed what i've seen so far but remember we've only gotten pretty much we've got a voice actor group that has pretty much shifted to the front and then we've like andrew had mentioned the idol group that has kind of shifted to the front so we've got those two groups and uh there's still like 10 more girls that that still have to be uh taken care of so take that for what it is what we've seen so far has been great it it it, they them separating the groups has been fantastic because you get time to kind of move into each one of these girls and 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 have a more natural pacing with their storytelling so it should yeah it should it feels like they're they're um they're it's it's going to feel a lot better in in the future but at the same time i haven't had enough time with anything so i feel like i'd be disingenuous if i was say to say um yeah it's fantastic so far so yeah that's literally what we do here with the first impressions yeah i know right (laughs) This one I'm not going to do that with, though. Yeah, this one I'm not going to. No, do. I, I kind of, I kind of hope that based on that whole aspect of them um, segmenting the girls, or at least kind of, uh, you know, grouping them up, that it might be something similar to like Selection Project, which they did that with, uh, with their large cast of characters. How they kind of handled developing the characters wasn't to give an episode to each character, but rather segment them and have them, you know show their you know have their growth within a group and they might end up doing that with this having you know these four girls was it four or three i think it was four girls these four girls be a part of this idol group and yeah technically they have these three girls that are going to be part of this shonen sports show and then again the other girls will end up having gigs as well so i, I don't know i i i the obviously we've not this isn't the first case where we've had a show that's following voice actors now granted there's only one show that i can think of that is nothing but voice acting and that was say you life um we had a little bit of insight into it with shirabako um so this is kind of that one other case that we're going to get into voice acting as a whole which is kind of surprising to not have well um sakura sao had one girl that was doing voice acting um it's it's very surprising how very little shows follow voice actors or at least the stories of voice actors when What's one of the main key ingredients to anime in Japan is voice actors. There, Japan loves their voice actors. There's schools devoted to voice acting. That's that's that was our old that was our whole conversation about you know dub versus sub is around that passion and the industry of Japan and seiyus. They get paid a lot of money in Japan. That's a big career to get into, and so it's surprising to not really see much. Stories kind of surrounding that. Now, the interesting thing that comes with things like Say You Life is it Say You Life was a very grounded and slice of life perspective of being a voice actor. Now, on the opposite end, on the opposite end, uh, Q is a very idle, um, love live esque type of perspective of Seiyus. When these 15 girls come into this room, they are all very archetypes. These are not normal people. This is not a slice of life grounded perspective of voice acting. Now, I think they're going to get into a lot of aspects of voice acting, 
but from a very bubbly, although unrealistic, very, again, idol-esque type of perspective of it. Because typically when you watch idol shows, every character has a personality. It makes sense because they're staged characters. They go on the stage. They have to, they have to be their character. They have to be the lolly character. They have to be the foreigner character that over accentuates words and says English words. You have to have the kudere. You have to have the dandere. You have to have uh, the rich snob girl, the, 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 the Ojo character. You have to have the maid character. That's they, they establish that very quickly. When these girls come into this facility, they're not normal girls. They're all archetypes. Now, granted, the, the main character seems very normal, which typically you'll have a normal character, the middle of the row character. Um, but this establishing that very quickly. So it's like one of those things where I think this is going to be a cool show because it's going to be a more entertaining rather than more grounded and slice of life perspective of voice acting because it's already hitting on several subjects that they're going to get into. They're going to go to a recording studio. They're going to pick their roles based on very snippet based information about the character and how they are. And then getting into other stuff like the fact that, again, yes, back in the day, there was a lot of voice actors. That's all they did was voice acting. But these days, it's all about, again, record deals. It's about singles. It's about being an idol on stage. You have to do stage plays. You have to do interviews. It's not just your voice. It's you as a person is technically your role. So I do like they're going to get into that stuff. But again, I, I kind of... I almost hesitate if it's going to be as grounded of a perspective as something like Say Life. So I think when I when I came down to the end of my recording, I don't think I posted it yet, of Q, is it's like, if you want a very grounded and slice-of-life version of vo- the voice acting world, I think something like Say Life is going to be more in that realm. Whereas I think Q is going to be a more fun, entertaining, and which, not to say that Say Life was entertaining, I would love that show. A fun, bubbly, entertaining version in more of a... The vein of something like a, a an idol show. And I think it's going to pull that off very well. So it's got my interest. I, I do have my hesitations based on the fact that it's a large cast of characters. But it's, it's not as if it's doing anything so far that I'm off put by. I loved a lot of the interactions so far. It does have lulling points, but it's had some good points as well. I, I think, the like I said, the Yuri Hamlet was a lot of fun. I think the whole recording session dragged out a little bit too much. Um, but there was a point to it, I guess, so... We'll see where it goes from here. Um, I did like Yuki. I think Yuki gave me a lot of inspiration on what they can possibly do with characters uh, because it was very brief, but it was enough to kind of tell me what's what's her driving force. And I think she's a lot. Of, she's like a little bundle of fun. So we'll see. That's Q. We'll see where it goes from here. Salaryman Club or Ray Rayman's Club. This one's coming on Crunchyroll only for 12 episodes, being done by Studio Leiden Films. The source is original. The genres are sports and work life. The script work was done by Teruko Utsumi, who did script work for Sarazan Mai, as well as um, a lot of work with Ikahara. So this one essentially follows a guy named Mikoto Shida Tori, who is recently leaving a bank company badminton club and then as he's about to go back home he's kind of given up on you know his job and what he's currently doing with badminton uh he is called by a company that wants him to work there and be a part of their badminton club so the idea is that when he arrives there he is going to be a salesman 
But in the evening, he's going to be training for their company's badminton club. So it seems like there's a lot of emphasis given early on that he does not like the idea of doing pairs in badminton. He likes to do solos because there seems to be some sort of issue in his past where it, it indicates that he he was doing pairs and he bumped into the guy that was behind him that was part of his pair and that guy got hurt. So he doesn't like the idea of, I guess, being a pair because he's afraid he's going to bump into somebody. But anyways, <laughs> as they're doing their first kind of training session with this new company, they're like, you know, you're going to be a pair. And he's like, no, I don't want to be a pair. They're like, well, let's, let's, let's do this. If I can beat you in a game, you're going to be my pair. But if you win, you can do your solos. And so they play, and sure enough, he loses, so he has to be a pair with this guy named Tatsuru. So it seemed to indicate that Tatsuru is, like, really good at, like, just pure, like, strength. Like, he's really good at just hitting that badminton or that, what do they call it? I think it's called a birdie. I think it's called a birdie. Um, I haven't played badminton in so long. I did play badminton at some point, though. Um, yes, it's a birdie. Yeah. Okay, so I got it right. <laughs> it's been a while. And Mikoto seems to be just good at kind of observation and kind of... Or uh, he's good at kind of seeing how people move and kind of predicting them a little bit based on how they, he kind of reads them. And then based on how they move, he can kind of get an idea that, okay, last time he moved like that, he went and hit this direction. So obviously I can predict where it's going. So it's not like a, he's a precog and he can see into the future is we're not going to scorching ping pong girls territory quite yet, but he's, he's observant. And so he has to read people until he can finally get that idea of where they're doing. So, Tatsuru kind of plays against that because he kind of realizes that. So, um, yeah, so they're, they're a pair and that's, we've only had one episode because this is like a really late starting show, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I think this is really well done. It visually looks good. I think somebody mentioned the idea that, uh, the team that did Hanabata worked on this, but it looks good. The badminton play is great so far. Um, it hasn't gone into the realms of crazy supernatural hits and stuff yet, which I'm sure eventually I'll probably get into, but, Obviously, the big kind of interesting selling point to this is that these are technically adults in the working sphere. Now, the thing that I don't quite understand quite yet is my my initial assumption was that this was a show about salarymen that play badminton on the side. But what this episode has established to me is that, no, they're actually people that are hired into a company to do work a nine-to-five and then play badminton, which that doesn't make any sense to me. I've never heard I've I've heard of companies that have teams for sports. They're branded team sports, but I've never heard of a company that says you're going to work a sales job until five o'clock and then you can go practice for badminton for our company team games. That doesn't make any sense to me because that basically means that you're not focusing on training the sport. You're instead making them work two shifts to play sports. So I don't know. Maybe they'll explain that. I maybe they're just given an excuse to have these guys do salary work on the side just to f- supplement the games. But that part doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe that's a thing in Japan. Like I said, I know that there is brand sports teams, um, but I've never heard of brand sports teams that work full time jobs within the company before they go out and do sports. But that could be a thing, I guess. But no, it, it looks good. 
character so far okay. Mikoto, again, unless they claim that he bumped in this guy when he was doing pairs and the guy died. It's it's another one of those aspects of, like, somebody must, somebody should have died. Like, this is that whole thing where they get so stuck on how tragic this thing is, it makes you think somebody must have died. It's one of those kind of things. So, we'll see. We'll see if Makoto killed somebody by bumping into them, because that's why he's so desperate, dead set on being singles. But, for the, for now, that's kind of annoying me. But other than that, I, I'm I'm okay with the character so far. I'm interested to see where it goes. But um, yeah, that's my thoughts on one episode. Sorry, they work for the yakuza. Yeah, <laughs> and he bumped into him. That was it. That that guy lost a hand. Uh, girls Frontline or Dolls Frontline. This one is being done by Studio Asahi Production, based on a mobile game, gotcha game, obviously. Uh, our action drama sci-fi. The director is Shigeru Ueda, who did Peach Boy Riverside and Geki Doll. That explains something. Anyways, the series composition scriptwriter by Hideyuki, Hideyuki Kurada, who did Made in Abyss, Orimo, Gesaya, Kanagi, and Drifters. So, I don't know anything about what's going on in this show, so if you want to explain it, it's... I, I think it said something about there was a war, proxy war. They designed dolls that go out and fight for them, and then eventually uh, those dolls are now just kind of wandering the lands, and they had to get some information from a computer and could not pull the hard drive out of the computer for some reason to transport it, so they decided to download it, and they get attacked by crazy maid chicks that lift up their skirt and shoot <laughs> missiles, and then... Um, yeah, yeah, M4A1, I'm not, I'm not quite sure who sent them out on this mission, um, I'm, I'm assuming another commander of some sort. I don't know. I, well, okay. I take that back. They did kind of mention that M4A1 has a command module and I'm guessing that makes it to where they can move. They can do things on their own. They kind of hinted at that in the last episode. So I take that back. Um, well, that's great that they eventually just explained cause I was completely lost as to what they were doing. Yeah. The, um, and, and so they're they're got, they're trying to get some information from this database. They get the information from the database. Like Andrew was saying, they couldn't take the 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 stuff out. So <laughs> she had to she PC. had to. I, I'm guessing she had to record it in her uh, visual cortex or something. It doesn't really matter. Like Andrew was saying, they they got out of the. And it's an IDE the hard drive, so it takes it has some really slow reads. <laughs> They they got out of the got out of the building. They got ambushed by the the I don't remember what they called the 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 high end bad guys. Um, bad guys. Um, <laughs> bad yeah, they're guys. not they're not they're not the standard types. They're not the little uh, 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 doggy versions, and they're not the little fly. There's dogs. Yeah, there's doggy versions. Um, but when it comes down to it, they, uh, they got split up M4A1, uh, uh, is, is the main one that they've got to get. Uh, then the second episode, um, introduces the commander and the, the, the commander gets basically a group of, um, the not ARs. Um, they're not rifle, uh, versions. They, she got, she, she got some handguns. Um, and some submachine guns for those who actually follow girls frontline, the, the, there's actually categories, uh, for those of, that don't, um, well, each, each of the girls are, is a gun. Yeah. Each, each, each girl is a gun or each one of the dolls is a, is a gun. The, the commander is not a gun. Um, and I, I guess the, they're cute girls, but they wield the gun and they're named after the gun. Yeah. Thank you. Gotcha game. Uh, yeah. Plenty, so of, gotcha plenty of guns to work tons, with for that gotcha. Tons of gotchas. <laughs> um, so when it comes down to it, uh, 
after a couple of missions that the commander is it goes through because she's she has to uh uh introduce herself to the system or whatever have you you got to uh understand that uh she's go she goes through effectively a tutorial then she she goes into an actual mission uh, as a test mission and then she goes into actual missions um and then at some point um she does end up rescuing M1A4 or M4A1 and then she set off on the uh the process of saving all of the other uh rifle rifles in the rifle team and then uh, of course one of them is has been captured by the hunter and and introducing that so so far um it, it, it 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 it's good as can be expected for a mobile um, adaptation. Uh, I was it, told this was supposedly based on the manga spin-off manga that was because I it makes sense because I like I like I've said before I played the mobile game. Um, I didn't really pay too much attention to the story because obviously waifu gotcha, but. <laughs> It did not open the same way this was opening, so right. I was very confused by that. And like I said, I think I read somewhere where this is based on a spin-off manga where this Gentiane uh, is the commander, not the player in the mobile game. So, whatever that helps. Well, and and, and either way, I mean, it's a it, okay manga adaptation of the mobile game. I mean, either way, it's fine. I it's it. I mean, it's not a. It's it it's it seems to be uh doing some uh humanizing of the dolls which is is good I guess to a point. I mean the the more and more you humanize these characters which I mean it's it's one thing for these characters to have uh 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 personalities and 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 what have you. I I I love that they're giving the 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 handguns some love i love the fact that the submachine guns are getting some love so it's not all focused around the overpowered rifles because rifles are, tend to be very very um they're the they're the um the characters in the game that you end up using at some point because of how freaking overpowered they are um plus there are freebies most of those ars at the beginning were freebies Remember correctly, right? Not really. Um, like you, a, have to, you have to. You have to go through the, free? You have to go through uh, all of the the gathering up of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you get some uh, some free, but they're going to be the lower stars. Um, either way, um, I do like the fact that it's not focusing on one group as 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 the main. But the, at the same time, they are uh, acknowledging that these these characters are powerful and that they they have some tweaks that make them um uh able to do their own thing but on the flip side <sighs> relying on the um the memory um backups and all that stuff to minimize the amount of um possible damage and and to give it credit, they're actually acknowledging that the the commander doesn't want to rely on the memory backups. So there's there's a lot of things that I I do like about this story, and and at the same time, it, it, acknowledging that this being a mobile um, mobile game adaptation or or into a manga or whatever have you is it, it, it's doing good for what it's trying to do. So take that for what it is. 
Um, I think it looks good. Um, and I, I'm enjoying it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's Girls Frontline. Uh, returning shows. TZ Master is on third season. Um, really enjoy this show so far. The I guess the big thing that I've enjoyed so much about this third season, or three seasons into it, um, is obviously the whole shtick, for those that are unaware of TZ Master Takagi-san, is it's always been kind of focused around, obviously, the TZ Master Takagi, who is always trying to get Nishikata's attention. She obviously likes him, and so she's constantly teasing to get his attention, and he always sees it in the reverse, that she's just teasing me, and she's trying to make my life miserable, to the point where... Every time he goes home at night, he does push-ups for every time that she teased him and won. Um, and I think with, especially with the second season, we obviously seen some things that went down. Um, they went to a, like a festival together and everything like that. And so it really does feel like going into third season, you're starting to see Nishikata really not able to get Takagi out of his head. He's starting to realize there's something there and that he he likes being around her, I guess. And so seeing that kind of starting to happen is really refreshing. And I'm, I'm super excited to see where this goes from here. It's still like the usual same great teasing back and forth that I've always enjoyed. Well, I wouldn't say teasing back and forth, really Takagi teasing him and Nishikata trying to tease her. I mean, always backfires, <laughs> but, and even having those points where she kind of gives a little bit because she kind of wants him to, you know, you know, she wants to give him it sometimes just because obviously in, in a lot of cases it's beneficial to her anyways. So, um, yeah, the show is still incredibly cute. It's puppy love done right. Um, it's the teasing girl genre, but in a very puppy love, innocent nature type of way. And I've always loved it and I still love it. Um, I'm starting to, even though I think I've always defended it with every other season before, I think I'm starting to get into Chris's mindset where every time anybody else shows up besides, Takagi and Nishikata get upset. I've always enjoyed whenever Mano and Nakai show up, but they haven't shown up at all this season, which is kind of surprising. Um, but yeah, uh, Taco and the three girls, it's fine. <laughs> it's just, I, I guess I'm just stupid so cucumber. the payoff of Nishikata <laughs> and Takagi, so... They actually got a laugh out of me this season with the with the cucumber and honey. I I laughed so hard. I don't know why that tickled me so much, but I laughed so hard. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I love seeing these these characters back and 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 just getting more of this. I I've been I I was I was running a little bit behind and and Andrew uh, had fixed it up on my my thing and i i don't remember what i was doing but i heard i heard her laugh and i was like oh i gotta go and watch this show what am i doing um yeah i love this show i i i can't get enough of it and i'm i can't highly suggest it enough and i'm so glad to have this show back yep yep, yep. um Afaretta from commonplace to world's strongest second season um this one is gonna be running for 12 episodes which is kind of interesting uh the other interesting thing is that while Asri did return for the season, it looks like uh, Studio Mother had replaced White Fox. But I think a lot of people were kind of fearing that being a thing that might be bad. But uh, oddly enough, I think the season looks a lot better than the first season so far. <laughs> like it doesn't. Well, obviously, Alpharetta started off really rough. That first couple episodes of Alpharetta was really rough, um, and it it got better. But I, I but I think, like I said before, I think they're. This season looks really good. There is, yeah, the dragons were a little bit rough, but 
think for the most part, this, this season has looked really good. Now, the show so far with season two, I will say, I don't know. I, I, because the show for the first season, like I said, had a rough start, but I kind of stuck with it because it was kind of like a isekai from a almost shield hero before shield hero was a thing kind of perspective. The the revenge isekai, if you want to call it that. And I kind of wanted to see Hajime have that moment where he finally meets his classmates again to really get his revenge. Because it's an isekai where the class goes there. And then at some point, one of the classmates betrays Hajime and sends him flying down inside this labyrinth. And he pulls him, he basically picks himself back up and climbs back out of it, uh, gains a lot of ability, and ends up gaining the partnership of a vampire that was sealed away inside the labyrinth. Um, and they did technically get their reunion. But it was kind of one of those reunions where Hajime at that point's like, I don't care about you people no more. I'm just going to get out of, I'm going to get out of this isekai my own way, which his own, own way has been the labyrinths. He he thinks that if he can go and defeat all these labyrinths, he'll gain the ability that he needs to get back to their homeland. Whereas the kingdom and what they're doing is their own thing. I think they're possibly doing the labyrinths as well, but... I don't know. I I really don't know <laughs> from the vantage point of the human of the other classmates in the king and kingdom what they're doing. But I I think with this season so far, it's been a lot of focus on just kind of reintroducing us to the characters, reestablishing that this harem is starting to get a lot more. His harem is starting to get a lot more haremy. <laughs> like I think the moment that they injected this this classmate uh, Kauri into the group, suddenly I know where there's conflict because. Before we had Yue, who was like super all over Hajime. Uh, we had Shia, who was like just the the ditch. She's just there. She's cute. You had Tio, who was like, I don't care what you guys do as long as I'm involved. <laughs> and then you had the, and, the, well, the, half the, the time, half the time he's ignoring her, and she think she thinks that that's him uh, doting on her because she likes being right. But everybody is kind of passive towards him like they don't really care about each other passively towards him now ua might get a little upset if tio gets too close for shia but now we actually have kauri who is like after him so now you have ua and kauri are constantly at each other's throats and then everybody else is behind them going what's going on <laughs> and then tio is like hey, as long as i'm involved um so now it seems like the harem is, is a lot more uh front-loaded and so i'm not sure if that's going to detract too much but they quickly got him jumping right back into another labyrinth and then getting basically the demons getting involved. And I, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not like super engaged so far, but at least it's, it's kind of continuing its, its flavor. It, it's Afrod has never been a series where I think it's doing something insanely amazing. It's doing something definitely unique, but at the same time, it's never really kind of focusing so much on its uniqueness enough to make it stand out. But it's something that I've, I think is is definitely worth checking out. And the second season, while it hasn't really done anything yet to really grab me, I'm sure it eventually is going to get there. Yeah, they, they, it, it's so far to me, it, it, it's been doing just fine. I mean, continuing on, I, I felt a little bit kind of lost at first and i had to go back in a, on a couple of episodes because i chris is like when do they do this what do they do yeah. this on like chris last episodes and i i i honestly don't remember seeing watching the last couple of episodes and so i literally went back two episodes and rewatched the last two episodes if, if we did watch them in the first place i it, it's one of those things that um it's been a while since we watched it so oh, yeah 
um, it, it might have just been a slip of and be, the things before then I do remember, but those last two episodes I don't remember. Either way, it doesn't matter. I wa- I uh, catching up on that uh, the those two and then watching these episodes. Um, I feeling right back into it. Um, I have, uh, enjoyed myself watching it. I feel like we're getting to a point where, um, things are going to start, uh, ramping up it. it, I, and I'm very hopeful for that. Um, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see where they go in, in this next section, because obviously we're building up a really big, uh, battle going in and we still have the, um, the, the, the kind of preview clip of something that obviously is going to be coming even, le- uh, farther than that. So, uh, I, I'm excited. Definitely. All right. All right. Um, I'm curious if they're going to make the hero into like this big jealous idiot. It seems like it. Yeah. How I realized hero rebuilt the kingdom part two, uh, streaming on Funimation. Uh, I did not. I decided not to go back this show. So if, if anything special happening with this part, you're Oh free my to gosh. Speak. I ke- I kept looking into it and I wasn't sure if they were showing it or not. So, so apparently neither of us watched I I will be catching up on this for sure. I I I I love that show. So I'm I because I kept clicking Loves on it, it and I wasn't seeing any new episodes. Mm. But it go. kept popping up and I I maybe I'm messing up on something. I'll I'll I'll, I'll look into it again. Princess Connect Redive Season 2. Um, pretty much picking up where we left off with the last season. I don't think there's really any kind of significant thing to really get into besides, obviously, Kaiser still being Kaiser and manipulating Shadow things and Kyaru being stuck in the whole situation. But, yeah, um, just the same as it always been. Really fantastic show. I, I will admit, while there was one really laugh-out-loud moment in the third episode, I felt like the third episode was a little bit lacking, but... Everything else has just been basically them going crazy with animations, especially the fourth episode. I will say, comedy's a little lacking this season, and I'm kind of afraid that is going to be the new norm. Because the writing in the first season was hilarious. I mean, I, I did get, like I said, I, I think each episode gives me a laugh out loud moment. Besides the la- the fourth episode, because that was just straight crazy animation, nothing really much else besides that. But um, Okay, so I wasn't crazy yeah. on that? Oh yeah, the whole thing was hyper animated. But yeah, this is this is literally I, I, my joke to Chris because he was talking about the animation. I'm like, it's really just Saigon's pictures going. Oh, so Footable did what this this week? Oh, well, we're gonna do this. Obviously, they can't do that in a week, so I'm I'm just joking there. But <laughs> it really does feel like Saigon's pictures. If anything, they're gonna give this show. They're gonna give it insane animation. And I still love all the characters. Like every character they introduce. I absolutely love, and we just got the whole Kitsune uh, group of characters, the whole um, the the wolf characters all popping up out of nowhere. The last step was he wolf or, or wolf foxes? They're all and well. It, it, one They're of like them's wolves. power was wolf fang or something like that. Yeah. So it was like okay, obviously these are wolf girls. So so like if, if, if the bare minimums I can give this series still in second season is the animation is absolutely incredible. The characters look fantastic. And I love every character they introduce, whether it be they're because they're seiyus or just their personality is so charming and lovable. Um, I will say that, again, the comedy seems like it's toning down a lot, um, despite the fact that I will get a lot of moments of just laughing out loud. Seeing these wolves dragging Yuki away again and again just <laughs> is – it's always hilarious. 
uh, seeing Kokoro respond to things with their little X mouth. <laughs> um, Kyaru just screaming bloody murder. She's running away from stuff. Pekorin and her bubbly nature just running out there and blasting things in half. It, it's always a lot of fun. Um, if I if I want to give this show any negative so far, it's that we have not seen the Yandere lady yet. And I I, I, I seen her in the intro. I really want to see the Yandere lady come. But you know they just have to keep reintroducing new characters because that's, that's what they're doing. They're just selling you on characters, and they're doing a really phenomenal job of that. Um, I'm really curious what they end up doing with Kaiser. Honestly, Kaiser, uh, Christina, and Kiaru. Obviously, they're getting really heavy into the shadows. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a... Kind of a background noise they had in the first season until they finally kind of brought it up again at the very end of it, if I remember correctly. And um, it seems like they're getting a little heavier with that in this season. And I'm really sure. curious if that will be something they're going to resolve with this season. Because obviously it's a story beat and they're going to have obviously multiple story beats within the mobile game. But I don't know. It still remains to be one of my favorite mobile game adaptations because, again, Side Games just loves flexing with the show. And it looks incredible. I love the characters and everything. So... And they, they, they're kind of dub, dub, dabbling a little bit back into Yuki's history. Because obviously one thing they kind of hinted at with the first season was that Yuki was a part of a, a previous party. And so now they're kind of dipping into that again with this, this new season. Because he's obviously lost his memories. And one of them showed up again and said, do you know, you want to explain who I am? And he's like, Dare. Because <laughs> he's Yuki. Yeah, I, 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 I said the same thing when 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 he popped up. I'm like, Dare. Dare. And, and he says, Dare. And I'm like, and then Andrew comes in. And I'm like, I, yeah, I said the same thing. So, um, no, it, it, for me, I, I, I've absolutely loved myself watching or love the show. Uh, love myself. Love myself. Watching usually the it's show. usually it's I enjoyed myself <laughs> watching it, which makes no sense. Now he's saying I love myself watching this. Um, Soon he's just going to be like, I'm just made out with myself. I love this show so much. <laughs> Just started, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, started kissing it, I, my hand. I, I when when I had watched the 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 fourth episode last night, I'm like, oh my gosh, talk about flex! I it, it was insane, and I had to go running to Andrew to 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 get ran some kind right of right in here, like right, ran right in here because I needed some kind I'm of like a, I'm editing a, videos a, a confirmation from somebody else. Um. It, it it's one of those shows it, and this season has felt a little bit more darker um in tone uh to kind of comp- uh uh go with what andrew was saying that it doesn't feel as funny i i, I kind of agree it's actually to me it feel it's f- been feeling more darker the 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 dark the del the the the, the yeah. even the dead the, party they were getting into with the first the, the dwarf the yeah first the, it was what I was thinking about um and and like like we were mentioning the the shadows seem to be coming more to the front an entire episode of Carol uh fighting fighting uh an internal battle uh because of um the position she feels like she's in with the the empress. And then the Empress uh, may uh, some reveals in, involving her, and maybe possibly that she's not everything that she uh, is portraying. So there's a lot of different things that are um, that are coming out in in this the first few episodes that um, could lead to some very interesting things in the future. So yeah, I'm definitely excited. Love the show. Nice to see it back for sure. It's nice to see it. Uh, case study of Vanitas part two, still doing phenomenal. I, I kind of mentioned before in one of my videos is it's like, it feels like within like the first episode with part two was just 
off the rails, went crazy. Like it was just, we're, we're going. And I'm like, well, okay, we're already, we're already getting this crazy with the first episode. And it's literally since the first episode of part two, which makes perfect sense why they stopped it where they did with the first part is it just, it's breaknet speed. The moment part two started up first episode, it's, it's, it's hauling butt. It's doing some crazy stuff and I'm loving every single minute of it. It's, it's a series that I highly recommended with the pers- first part, and I'm feeling more comfortable with it now getting into the second part that I think this is easily one of the least talked about, most incredible shows of of um, technically the last two years because it, part one, I think, was in spring last year. Um, yeah, I love it. Bones is going crazy with the animation, the style, visuals, everything is incredible. Um, the music's fantastic. I think it's, yeah, it's Yuki Kajiura, who, of course, is known for doing a lot of the Fate stuff. So the music's fantastic. And we're starting to get into a new post. I'm, 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 I'm questioning if she's a curse bearer, but uh, one of these curse bearers that is obviously a vampire whose true name has been taken from them, uh, corrupts them and makes them go nuts. And so typically those curse bearers have to be killed. But Vanitas, the main character, is somebody who's going around trying to recover those true names so that they don't get killed because he's trying to, quote-unquote, save the vampires, even though the Vanitas name is basically hated by any vampire because he was a known in the history as being a vampire that went around and stole people's true names. So it's kind of one of those, he's trying to fix the true names, but everybody thinks he's still the true names. So, um, But characters are great. Um, Chloe is Ryukajimia, so again... <laughs> A lot of Ryukajimia this season. I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, getting into Jean and her connection to Chloe was fantastic. Uh, getting into, again, Nenia and the charlatans kind of coming back into the pe- uh, the picture has been interesting. So hopefully this new Ostafo character, who's a part of the Chesters, goes away very quickly because he's definitely not my Ostafo. <laughs> I don't like him so far, but yeah, I'm loving it. I, I-, I recommend it to everybody. Please check out the series. I I, I- joked about it in the first part with recommending it to Chris just based on one episode that was extremely violent, but um, it's just worth it. This show is is top-notch, and I, I every episode I love it, so yeah, definitely definitely uh, still keeping keeping strong with season, oh, with part two. Uh, Ranking of Kings, please go watch it. <laughs> it's yeah. still incredible. Pretty much. Um, I, we had, we had our um, very brief uh, was it snake way moment where we were waiting for somebody to get back to somewhere before bad things happened. And thankfully it didn't, it, it felt like it lasted forever. Maybe, maybe it'll go back to like the whole joke about snake way and dragon ball, where it felt like it was 50 episodes, but it was actually only like three. <laughs> it feels the same way with this one where it's like, I, Boji get back to the kingdom quickly. But um, yeah, it's, it's, this is literally every week, the legendary show of every single week. I love it to death. Um, I love every single minute of it. It's it's got such great characters, multi dimensional characters that literally. It, it's funny because at some point I stopped allowing them to trick me. Like it's it's every time I see a bad character now, I'm like, yeah, this character is going to have a redeeming point, and we're going to realize our great character. And so I don't want to let myself be fooled anymore. So now I'm more trusting than I should be. But this writer knows how to create multi-dimension characters. Characters that you think at face value are terrible people, but in actuality there's reasons for why they see and and view things the way they do. And there's actually another side to them that's very important to them, that they act the way they do. Everybody has a reason for what drives them 
and th- when they when they get into their s- character stories and you see the other perspective healing was the first example of that the moment that they got into healing i was like i love this character <laughs> i absolutely love this character um uh, which works great because at face value everybody is like negative to boji it seems like everybody's kind of got a negative uh first impression with boji and then when we find out why they are the way they are suddenly you realize okay they're actually good people it's just i hate them because anybody that's negative to boji should be burned at the stake because boji is boji is the greatest (laughs) and everybody should protect boji's smile um yeah and boji himself is just it naturally you want to you want to root for him because he's a character that has so much going against them, but yet they still keep pushing forward. And you think that he's kind of ditzy and that he doesn't have a weak side. And that moment you first see him breaking down out of view from public is when you realize I'll do anything for this guy. He must protect Boji. <laughs> so it's, it's incredible. Um, getting into the under underworld and all that kind of stuff was fantastic. Um, I really want to figure out what the hell's going on with Moranjo. I, I'm desperately trying to figure out if this writer is going to redeem Bose because at this point I really hate Bose and I know there's a reason for why he's doing what he's doing, but, um, I'm loving it. This is like fantasy adventure, storytelling, character development. Everything is just perfection. So, yeah, the, the I, I, I agree. This, this show ha- is absolutely um character motivations in in conflict the animation it, it's it's not so much a when 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 the writer takes the time to actually explain somebody else's motivations there's there's a couple of characters to be fair that i i i wonder about uh we we have the the weird metal guy and Moranjo in particular that that i i'm i'm wondering if the metal guy if if it, it is as simple as uh, what they they implied it in the first, but um, they they did a kind of an explanation, and and that's what they're kind of mirroring with uh, Lady Miranjo. Ah! <laughs> you see where I went there? Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's one of those things that you wonder um, if uh, if it's going to be that simple, or if there's going to be much much more, which the writer does so well at interweaving these storylines that I, 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 I almost absolutely trust that we will get an explanation of the metal guy or we will get an explanation of Moranjo. It's, it's just going to happen. Um, the metal guy is means Oaken, by the way. Okay. Oaken. Um, it's the, and, and that's, that's, that's the thing that is absolutely fantastic. There's, all of these characters, it's not that they, this person is evil or, uh, uh an, an excellent example is, uh, Desher, who is, who is quote unquote, the, the king of the underworld. And I don't, I, we, we've had a couple of episodes where we're quote unquote, he's technically the antagonist, which he's actually not in, in, in this own, in his own way. And that's a, a, a tribute to the the writer and how well he thinks out these motivations. It's well, just the point. motivations. Like he he's like when he came in here recently, I was like, he technically could have splatted him against the wall. Yeah, there's nothing stopping him from just going, "You're dead." Because, but he states, "I don't really want to kill anybody besides one," which I won't say who that is. But at the same time, it's like he's 
perfectly, I don't see him as the invader right now because he technically was already invaded. He's coming back in after being invaded. Like, he came into my kingdom, you stole my prisoners, and you ran off with them when they're in the absolute danger of this world. My turn, kind of thing. So it's like, I don't even really see him as a bad guy. Exactly. Even though he he makes fun of Boji, and that's not allowed. (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's what I mean, is these characters and their motivations. It's like when he was laughing after kicking Domas, I was laughing because I just love him as a character right now, until he does something bad. (laughs) It, it 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 these characters and their motivations the the motivations will conflict once in a while and that's the point is the conflicting of the motivations yeah. instead of this is a clear cut uh, uh, antagonist and this is a clear cut protagonist it, it's not not that simple it, the gr- the lines are so gray and that's writing in its perfection is can you explain this from a true to character motivation standpoint. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like my thoughts on um, of love alternative is that idea that no matter what side of the conflict, every side you agree with, kind of thing. Yeah, that's Frank and Kings. Um, and last one I think uh, because I don't want to talk about Attack on Titan because we are I already know what happens. <laughs> but Demon Slayer is the last one. Honestly, this this season, the Entertainment District arc for the first what four or five episodes really wasn't feeling it. Uh, and granted, it was kind of a a cool down period because if you think about it just before entertainment district art starts, you literally had the Mugen train and everything that kind of happened with the end of that one obviously had a lot of buildup, a lot of impact. And so the characters are obviously with the first part of this entertainment arc and district arc is recovering from what happened. So it makes sense why there's kind of a lulling point, but the unfortunate thing that I've kind of found with this writer is sometimes I feel like he gets too stuck in certain type of comedy that just doesn't work for me, especially when it comes to Zenzetsu. Zenzetsu, still, to this point, I think he's the worst character. I've grown to love Inosuke, despite him being loud, Kirito voice character. I've grown to love him, so I, I don't mind him so much, but I really was... Um, I don't know, I, I felt like this, this first segment was really kind of... Um, dragging out. So when it got to the point where we finally get this high-ranking demon popping up in the middle of this entertainment disc arc, that's when I was like, yay, finally, we get to do something. <laughs> and then sure enough, right after that, having Nezuko go nuts, I was like, oh my gosh. On and the bright side. And that, having Tengen show up, and like, oh my gosh, here we go. It's It's been like, ever since the moment that, again, we start conflicting with Daki, this, this demon, it's been just... Again, it's kind of similar to Princess Connect. Suddenly, I don't know where Foodable is going. Flex, flex, flex. Doing crazy animation. Not just the crazy animation, but doing so well portraying technically two battles happening at the same time, but yet the attacks interweaving between the two fights. And I think that's the unique thing about Daki and Gyatoro, who are these demons are fighting currently, is the fact that they're so in sync that their fighting style is able to kind of um, I guess benefit each other, and how they're portraying that in animated format has been absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah. on the bright side, Zenitsu has been asleep through the entire battle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's talking while he's sleeping yeah, he's and having conversations. Which we're just evolving <laughs> Zenitsu to incredible realms, and it's it's almost like one of those moments where you realize you you think I wonder if the writer at this point was like. I need Zenitsu to continue to be really powerful right now because what they're facing right now is really not something easy. 
but I need him to converse with the other characters. Eh, he's talking in sleep now. <laughs> so I'm like, pretty much. I'm at, I'm at this point. I'm like, just induce an, a permanent coma on Zenitsu. <laughs> that way, he's just always awesome. He's always awesome. I don't know. Or just drug him up every time something bad happens. But I don't know. We're at this point where now we're like two episodes left before this season ends and or this arc ends, and I really don't know. Uh, how we're going to conclude it unless things get really fast paced here soon, or just something just kind of smashes everything and it just ends, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but it's, it's got me again. Uh, but I think that's kind of technically how it was with the first season is it's always kind of this realm of, I've always enjoyed Chandro as a character. Cause he's just a good boy. You just want to root for good boy. Uh, Nezuko has always been awesome whenever she pops out and, she the got demons to show always off have, this season. Yeah, and the demons always have like this kind of aspect about them where you 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 fight them, then you learn about them, and then you feel bad. Um and it just feels like I don't know, uh it it's it's always those points in between that I feel like I just don't I don't really I don't really enjoy it so much because I don't really feel like the char- the the writer is in sync with me when it comes to comedy beats. So that's always been my struggle with the series is the comedy beats never get me. And the comedy beats are technically the lulling points between the fights. So, but it, it, if football keeps flexing, I'll keep coming back just for the action alone. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. I've been pretty much enjoying myself watching this season. Um, not, not I, in love with himself, not in love with myself. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, I, I did love, uh, uh, Nezuko, uh, showing off this season. Um, been, interesting to see some of the stuff that tundra is 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 trying to do um and the kind of um back uh uh the the um the downside to using his quote-unquote new power if you want to call it that um so it, it it's interesting to see that that aspect and and how he's trying to deal with it um we we have a lot of weight on the situation at hand at the the episode that we're at um i it, it's one of those the instant that that pops up on the 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 list we're probably going to end up watching it very quickly um because we were left at a very bad po- spot mm-hmm. um but yeah um they're having fun with cliffhangers last two episodes. yeah they they've been pretty brutal um so yeah it, it I can't wait to see where they go. Um, I, I, Andrew kind of disappointed me by telling me that there was only like two episodes left and I was like, Oh no. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that Suma, the girl that, and the, one of the wives of Tengen that I was, that I seen that I was like, that's the one I'm going to like turned out to be the one that I like just because, uh, Yu Gahama's voice. So yeah. Did you been keeping up on platinum in by the way? That one just kind of I I I stopped watching it and I I haven't gotten back to it. I I I don't even remember what show that was. So that's the Death Note guys the, with the angels and the the wings and oh no I arrows. dumped that way back at episode two <laughs> with the girl like, like yeah. crying and one and dying in the in the in the park. I kind of assumed. Yeah. So Attack on Titan. Um, Gabby sucks. That's all I'm gonna say. So. Yeah, that's that's our thoughts, our first impressions of the winter 2022 anime season. That was a lot. I think this is going to be like a five-hour-long podcast. Fun editing. But I uh, hope you guys enjoyed hearing our thoughts on all these shows. Well, technically, you're just hearing Chris's thoughts because you all know my thoughts. Because you all watch my videos, right? Who wouldn't watch my videos? But I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. As always, as always, if you want to check us out, we're at otakuspirit.com. 
You can go there for all of our social media links, including to our YouTube channel and everything, our Patreon, where you can support us. We definitely appreciate everybody that supports us through Patreon. Uh, we also have a tips link if you're on, listening to us on our YouTube channel. And uh, make sure to subscribe over there on YouTube YouTube channel. It's, it's YouTube.com slash Spirit. I somehow managed to get that title, even though there's another channel that still is, is stealing the search results. But hey, what can I do? But anyways, we thank you all for watch- listening. And I guess watching if you're on YouTube. And y'all take care. Os. Let's go.